welcome to episode 105 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on November 11th, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am doing good, and I am very excited. Uh, I think we got a little something special planned today. Uh, something a little different for us as well. I think this is probably the first time we've done something like this. So I'm pretty stoked. Pretty stoked. Yes, me too. Me too. So Brad has already, I mean, he hasn't really spoiled anything, but um, if you recall on the episode 104 last week, whenever we were recording, Brad and I were talking about doing kind of like a special capsule type episode. And we're kind of half delivering on that promise today because last week when we were planning it, uh, we were talking about doing a bonus show sort of midweek and then doing a regular show. So putting out basically just one extra show during the week. Uh, but it turns out that he and I are both very busy people, and so we really only have time to do one show a week, or at least right now we do. Um, and we actually have only been playing one game that's been taking up all of our free time, so even if we did do a second show, we it'd probably just be like a banter show. We wouldn't even have anything to talk about. So you might be wondering, well, what game is it that's taking up all of your free time? Well, that's what makes this episode special, because I think for the first time in So Video Games history, we're doing an entire show about a single video game, or a franchise, if you will, because we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, deep diving on history. But we're talking about Hitman 2, which is developed by IO Interactive, and it's published by WB Games. It used to be published by Square Enix, but IO and Square Enix split about a year ago. IO uh, retained the rights to Hitman, so they were free to do whatever they wanted with it. And, th and thank God they did, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I am so glad that they were able to work that out and that Square Enix weren't a bunch of bitches and didn't take <sighs> Hitman for themselves because who knows what would have happened if they can had taken you, Hitman. Can you for imagine themselves. the clusterfuck this would have been if Square <laughs> Enix kept a license to this and they started putting out some kind of bullshit using it? Like, oh, God, it's like nightmare scenario. Yeah, it would have been a fucking mess. So I'm glad that um, I'm glad IO was able to keep it because although IO Interactive technically has other games out there, I mean they had Freedom Fighter as back on PS2, which was a hit, but it never turned into a franchise. That game was amazing, by the way. That was an awesome game. Yes, it was very good. They also had Kanan Lynch, which was okay, and then they had Kanan Lynch 2, which is one of the worst games I've ever played. But Kanan Lynch <laughs> 2 is one of those weird games where. The people who like it will defend that game until the day they die. And the, it's like 10% of the gaming population is like, Kanan Lynch 2 is this amazing game and just nobody gets it. And it's so much better than people think it is. And then the other 90% of the crowd is like, uh, it's a boring ass cover shooter with unlikable characters and it's bullshit. So I don't know how, how you feel about that, Brad. I thought Kanan Lynch 2 was awful. I just I guess I just don't get it like the rest of the crowd. I, I, did, um, I did not like either one of those games. I thought they were horrible, <laughs> horrible mistakes on the part of IO Interactive. Yeah, but they also have um, Little Ninjas, which is a game that I don't feel like a lot of people realize that they made. They did sort of a child-oriented sort of cartoony adventure game called, or it was called Mini Ninjas, I'm sorry. Mini Ninjas, um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that franchise didn't really go anywhere either. But the cool thing is that IO has done more than Hitman, although Hitman is for sure, by and large, um, synonymous with the IO name. So I'm glad that they got to keep it. Um, 
And for full disclosure, um, IO Interactive and WB uh, Games sent both Brad and I codes to play this, so we did get review codes. I will be reviewing it for GameCritics.com. I don't know if Brad will write a second opinion or something. He'll probably see how uh, my review turns out, and then if he has better or worse things to say, he might decide uh, on that later. Um, we've been playing it for about 10 days so far, and the interesting thing about Hitman 2 is that Depending on which version of the game you buy, you actually might already be playing it too, because IO made four, not one, not two, not three, not five, but four different versions of Hitman 2. They have the $60 version and the $80 version, which release on Tuesday, November 13th. So if I get my ass in gear and edit this podcast and put it out before Tuesday, you might be able to listen to all, all us talk about the games before you even get a chance to play it. But they also made a $100 version and a $150 collector's edition version that comes with like a briefcase and all like the extras and stuff, like physical extras. And those actually came out four days early on Friday, November 9th. So we're recording on the 11th. So technically, if you bought the $100 or the $150 version, you've already had it for about two and a half days and have already been playing it. So we're in this weird gray area right now where some of the audience has played it, some hasn't. Um, but if you picked up the early versions and have been playing it and want to hear what we think, or maybe you're thinking about buying it and want us to spill some tea on the game, say if it's good or not or if it's worth it or not, stay tuned because we are going to discuss not everything about Hitman 2, but a lot of stuff about Hitman 2. Uh, Brad, how does that sound? That sounds great. I am down with all of that. And one little piece of housekeeping before we launch into it. I, I don't know if we were going to be talking about it later or not. Should we say where we are in Hitman 2 right now before we launch ahead, or is that coming up later? Uh, we can say it now. I don't see any problem with that. I hadn't really all thought right. about that, but that's a good idea. So just so we're going to talk about our history with the games, all our different experiences, um, high points, low points, etc., etc. But specifically about Hitman 2, just to kind of set the stage... Uh, like Corey said, we both received code about 10 days ago. I have completed the game, uh, beaten all of the story missions, and I've dinked around a little bit with it, but my playthrough was more of like a go through and just, you know, real quick run through and then kind of get to the end. Corey, have you finished or what is your what is your play been like? Um, I have not, um, I've not finished it yet. The game, the core game has six missions, which might not sound like a lot to the average, maybe a uh, gamer or listener, but every mission is very large and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I, uh, like Brad said, he kind of runs through, um, the, the cool thing about, as you'll hear us talk about this game later is that Brad and I have very different play styles for Hitman 2. And the even better thing is that Hitman allows for, um, a variety of play styles as you play it, um. Brad just kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say run and guns, but Brad is a little more quick and dirty about his Hitman missions, and I am the kind of guy who will spend about an hour just doing recon in a mission, walking around before I even take any action at all, and I replay a mission about three to seven times before I move on to the next one. So out of the six missions that launched with the game, I just got to mission six last night, and I did not start it, so I am one level shy of completing the game, unlike Brad, who has finished it in its entirety. Let's spend another minute on this, because I think this is worth talking about. I know we kind of covered it a while ago on a, on a past episode, but we should definitely revisit it here. So, like, for me, I know you said that you're Mr. Recon. You spend your time walking around levels, really absorbing things. I mean, for me, I what I, what I really like about Hitman, the series, is the improvisation and the close calls and going for a very brief opening that seems like it shouldn't work, but maybe it does work. I mean, it's all about... Not necessarily the adrenaline, but like I kind of like to imagine like if, if I was Agent 47 and I was 
tasked with doing this level, how would I do it? And so, like, a lot of the things that Hitman does, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, a lot of the uh, opportunities and the challenges, um, some of them can be pretty goofy at times, and which is fine. I think those are great and they're good fun. But a lot of those I just think wouldn't really make a lot of sense if you were to approach <laughs> a level like this, like, in a realistic way. So I kind of look like, so, like, what is what is the most realistic way? And I know this is not, a, you know, it's not a pure simulation. It's not real life or anything. But I like to kind of just imagine, like, what is what is the way that I would do this? And then I try that way. Uh, and so sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But that means that I often go off the rails. Like, I usually don't do the stuff that's laid out by the developers. And so that's kind of where I come from. And, Corey, now, after you do the recon, what do you do? Like, do you go through all of the different opportunities maybe we should explain what the opportunities are do you like what is what do you do after you've got your recon well <clears throat> yeah let me back up a second and talk about the opportunities real quick because in it, i guess in a sense the hitman series has always been about it kind of f most of the time i won't say all the time because there are exceptions but most of the time hitman levels feature they basically just drop you into usually a pretty big environment and they just, they don't really give you a ton of direction. They just kind of say, okay, there's, you know, one or two or four targets or however many. And then they just kind of like scoot you out the door and say, all right, go do your thing, you know, go figure out what to do. And there's so many options of how you could, uh, how you could play it. I mean, obviously you can take a gun into the mission. So you can basically just, you know, break down the doors and run up to the target, shoot them in the face and run out as quickly as you can and hope that nobody kills you on the way out. Or you could kill everybody else on the way out. Um, or you could try to do it in a much more um, like stealthy way. Because my favorite way to play Hitman is to get in and out without anybody ever knowing I was there. And this has always been a thing with Hitman. But when Hitman came out in 2016, sort of like the reboot, if you will, of the franchise, they really added an accessibility layer to it that made the gameplay a lot less difficult and a lot less cumbersome. Because they put a thing called the opportunity system into the game. There's opportunities and there's challenges. And in Hitman 2, um, they highlight a few of the opportunities and call them mission stories, quote unquote. But the opportunity system is basically, it kind of gives you a clue about like specialized ways to take down different targets in the level. Um, like for example, I'll go back to the first level of Hitman 2016 where you play as um, you're in like a kind of a mansion that has a fashion show going on for like this high fashion brand on the ground floor. And one of the opportunities, for example, is after the fashion show, the fashion designer, who's one of the targets, um, you know, he does the thing that every fashion designer does. He walks out onto the runway, kind of waves his hands, maybe gives a little speech and leaves after all the models are done on the on the catwalk. Um, there's a way where you can get above into the rafters over the catwalk and unhinge this giant like lighting fixture that's over the catwalk, and it basically falls on him and he dies. And it looks like an accident. It looks like, you know, this was never meant to happen. Oh, no, it was a freak accident, but you still kill him in the process. Um, that's one of the opportunities, for example. And every level has about five to like, seven. Yeah, like a lot. There's a lot. I feel yeah. like there's times. There's a lot. I mean, and some of them are pretty drastic, like the one that I just mentioned, where it's pretty loud, it's pretty ridiculous, and you actually end up killing other people in the process because there's other people on the runway, and if you bring the whole lighting fixture down, it will kill several people. 
um, which is not usually the way the game sort of wants you to go about it. I think the game, I mean, it doesn't really prefer you, but you get more points, if you will, if you don't kill non-targets. Um, but there's a lot of different opportunities like that. And the cool thing about Hitman 2016 that bled into Hitman 2, uh, this year's version, is um, you can turn on in the options menu, there's three different options for how you can look at um, the opportunity system. You could turn it off completely, so that way the game doesn't give you any sort of HUD clues about anything that's going on. You can turn on the minimal version, which usually begins with you overhearing people talk about something. And then it'll kind of flash on the screen and say a mission story or an opportunity is activating. Do you want to follow it? And if you press yes, you can go into the menu and it kind of gives you a little more information about what's going on, but it will not provide you with on-screen waypoints. And if you turn it all the way on, then it provides you with on-screen waypoints and it might say, oh, you need to get a screwdriver to you know, open this hatch or something. And, it, and more often than not, it'll send you a waypoint that takes you directly to a screwdriver or directly to the hatch that you need to unlock. So you can... Um, follow it very easily in kind of like a breadcrumb style. And that started with Hitman 2016. Before that, uh, in all the previous games, there were opportunity systems like this, but it was never concretely displayed on the screen. You basically just had to play the game, overhear people, and just kind of hope that you were going down the right path and doing the right thing. Whereas Hitman 2016 and on makes it very evident that, hey, this is a thing, this is a certain way you can do the mission, um, and we can kind of you can alter how concretely you want the game to hold your hand. And that's something I really like about him in 2016 and 2017. Um, did I leave I, anything out, Brad? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that you really did a good job of outlining that. So, I mean, I think that those systems were always there, but they were incredibly difficult to figure out unless you looked at an FAQ in the past because you would have to spend a lot of time looking at clues. You'd have to wonder if this worked, did this not work? You'd have to try different things. I mean, a lot of experimentation, a lot of reloading saves to see if something happened. I mean, it, when it was cool and you could really appreciate it back then. And I, I was a person who enjoyed doing some of those things back then, but a lot of times they're very complicated. There's multiple steps. And these are often the, the, the gateways into Hitman's humor. Like, I don't think people really associate Hitman with being a funny game, but I think it is a hilarious game. <laughs> it is so funny. If you like dark humor, um, really, really humorous. And so uh, these opportunities are really a, a gateway towards seeing the funnier side of Hitman because they're often extremely elaborate, extremely goofy or complex stuff that is just like multi-stage often involves getting a weird costume or doing something like really like over the top. Um, so I like those. I like those a lot, I think. And it's good because it shows people how Hitman works. Because in the beginning, I've, I've talked to many people who liked the idea of Hitman but couldn't figure it out because it was too... Uh, opaque, too complicated, uh, too difficult to put those things together. So I think that that was really brilliant. And the way the game surfaces those and lets you choose how much surfacing you want is really awesome. Um, so that said, I don't often do those because <laughs> that's that's 100% not how I like to play it. But I do think that it's a brilliant move. I do think it's great that they're there. And if you are a person who's new to the series, I would definitely say like take the time to do a couple of those because it'll really give you a good idea of what's possible. But then... Always remember, like in the example that Corey gave of being in the catwalk and dropping that scaffolding down, you can also be right in the crowd, right in front of that guy and shoot him in broad daylight in the <laughs> middle of everybody else, right in the face if you want to. Or, you know, uh, that's also, uh, there's one of our stories, I'm sure that we will mention this uh, later on, but there's one of my favorite moments in Hitman comes up in that level as well. So, uh, But I, I love the flexibility of it, and I think that it's important that we talked about that. I'm glad we did talk about that, and I'm sure that as this episode goes on, 
listeners will have a very clear idea of who I am and who you are as we go through this game, because we're going to be talking about the same levels, but it's going to be totally different on both sides. Yes, this is true. Um, before we move into discussing Hitman 2 proper, um, I thought it'd be fun to take a little trip down memory lane and sort of discuss uh, each of our history with the series, because Hitman is a long-running franchise. It came out in the year 2000 with Hitman Codename 47, which was a PC-only game. And they released a game about every two years up until uh, Hitman Absolution, which they took a pretty big gap between Blood Money and Absolution. But uh, if you don't mind, Brad, I'd like to kind of go through each game and discuss a little bit about them and give some, like, impressions or maybe any memories we have or favorite levels if we have any and just kind of discuss them as sort of like a prerequisite to Hitman 2. How does that sound? That sounds great. Um, I'm going to be a little bit horrified at how far in the past we're going and how old (laughs) it's going to make me feel. And you may have to help me out with which level was in which uh, game, but yes, I am definitely on board for this. All right, good. And yeah, Hitman, like, there's so many levels across the entire library of Hitman games that it's very easy to get them confused. And to be completely honest, they, I mean, Hitman Contracts was about half a remake of Hitman Codename 47, and Hitman has a, I don't know, for better or for worse, has a tendency to maybe not repeat levels exactly, but make levels that are very similar to old levels, kind of like as throwbacks with new innovations, so it's really easy to get some of them mixed up, especially when, I mean, you're just looking at the entire pool of Hitman levels in front of you. Um, But let's take this uh, step by step. We will start with Hitman Codename 47, which is the first game. It came out on PC only in the year 2000. Um, I made some notes in our script to talk about how old I was whenever it came out so that I could get some things factually correct, which I don't know if I should reveal or not. Um, I also (laughs) put down Metacritic scores. So I took, for the Metacritic scores, by the way, I took the PC score for every game just because that's the most consistent platform all the games have been out on, except for the HD trilogy because it was not on PC. Um, So Hitman Codename 47 has a 73 score on Metacritic. I don't really know if it's important to read the Metacritic scores, but I'm going to anyway. Um, And because Hitman Codename 47, from my personal experience, was PC only, um, I did not, I never had like a gaming PC growing up. uh, So I didn't actually play this game until like probably like a decade later. I think I bought they had a Hitman trilogy, not the HD trilogy, but they had a Hitman trilogy on PC that basically bundled, I think it was the F- Hitman Codename 47, Hitman 2, and Hitman Blood Money. They just skipped over contracts uh, and bundled those three together. And I ended up buying that on PC whenever I was in college. And even though I had a Mac computer, I installed Windows on it um, as like a partition. And I was able to play some of it on Windows on my Apple laptop in college. And... Hitman Codename 47 is rough. It is old. It's rough. It looks ridiculous. It kind of plays ridiculous. It, You can tell that they kind of had an idea of what they wanted to do with the series, but, you know, probably were a little bit ahead of their time in thinking because the mechanics just couldn't really add up to exactly what they wanted to do. Um, I only played, I think I sampled each level a tiny bit. Didn't really play very much, and that's about the extent of my memories with Hitman Codename 47. Did you ever play this, Brad? No, this is the only one of the entire Hitman series that I have never played. I think I've played and completed every other one, um, except for this one, because it was PC only. 
Um, I had a PC at that time. In fact, that was the first time I had ever had a gaming, a, a PC that was good enough to do gaming at that time. But I still was not really into the PC scene. And I remembered seeing it come out and people talking about it. But um, even though the Metacritic score is like 73, word of mouth at that time was not really that great. People were saying how difficult and weird and janky <laughs> it was. And, you know, cool idea, but it was really frustrating. And I mean, I, I, I had heard enough negative to where I was warned off of it um, because I wasn't going to fuck with that type of stuff on top of fucking with PC stuff, too. And, you know, just to keep in mind, we, you know, it was not nearly as easy to do PC gaming back then. We didn't have like the auto updates and auto patching and all sorts of stuff like that. Like it was real rough at that time, which is why I never really got into it. So never played it, always wanted to, but never did. And even... Even to this day, I haven't gone back to it, but uh, maybe I will just for like a hoot one of these days, just to say that I did. I mean, I've played every every other one. I mean, I might as well just try it, you know? Yeah. Um, also, before we move forward, I should probably give like a general preface about what the entire Hitman series is about. I can't believe I haven't said this yet. Um, although the story of the games has shifted slightly, you know, back and forth a little bit over the course of the series, in general, the Hitman series is about a genetically engineered assassin who was sort of born slash made in a lab in Romania, I think it was, named Agent 47. Um, fun fact, I don't know how many people know this, that the name name that he goes by is Tobias Reaper. So sometimes he gives his name as Mr. Reaper in Mission. So if you don't know that, that's sort of like a little fun fact, a little Easter egg, if you will. But he commonly goes by Agent 47 or Mr. 47 or just 47 or whatever. Um, but it basically, he was built in a lab to be, I guess, a killing machine or an assassin or the perfect sort of like human, uh, I guess the perfect human. I don't need to add another word after that. Um, and then it just so happens that he was used for assassination. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the series. Like in Hitman 2, there's a lot to do about clones and about the other people that he that were built alongside him that are maybe like more defective versions that bleeds over into hitman contracts a little bit it actually bleeds into hitman blood money a little bit too i didn't realize until thinking about it now that that's sort of like an ongoing story thread um but that's sort of a general premise some of the games visit, revisit that some of them don't um but that's it did i leave anything out no i mean i think that's it from from a story perspective and i think it's also worth mentioning like as someone who loves the series and has played every single game in the series, I'm I'm very comfortable saying that the story is garbage and it's worthless, <laughs> and you, you can really ignore it. Um, I've pers- I don't know about you, Corey, but I've never felt like the story was worth paying attention to. And in fact, this is one of the few games where I would be totally fine if they just removed all of the story and just gave you just the gameplay. Because, I mean, in a mechanical sense, we should probably recap that real quick. I think you did a pretty good job, but you know, again, third person. Um, open world. I mean, not like you have a whole world, but usually it's like a one giant open level and multiple ways to approach it. Like we discussed with the opportunities, some play, some ways are really intricate and complex. Uh, some ways are just really straightforward. And so it's all about navigating the environment, um, finding the best way to kill someone and then escape. Uh, optimally, you're going to kill someone, only the target and not be found. But, you know, you can get messy too if you want to. Uh, but this is definitely the kind of game where they do not encourage a lot of run and gun. I don't know what your experience has been, but I think it's pretty safe to say that 47 is fairly fragile. Um, I find that when we get into just regular gun battles, he does not usually end up the winner in those. <laughs> so 
I think the game really encourages you to take your time, explore the levels, be clever, look for opportunities. So it's like you you have um, a series of little micro open worlds that you're exploring and just trying to take advantage of any way that you can. Um, Corey, what is your thoughts on, I guess, the story and also about uh, can are you more successful in open warfare with uh, with Hitman? <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree with you that the overall story of Hitman, the, the franchise, is pretty dumb. Um, I mean, some games try to inject more stories than others, and some of them are more like basically just here's a handful of missions, do them. And there's like like contracts and blood money are kind of uh, are kind of like this in a good way, I think, where there's kind of a bunch of disconnected contracts, and there's sort of like a very thin story hanging over the top of it, but it's not like in your face. Here's the story, cutscene, 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 um, and I prefer that because Hitman contracts. Uh, gets a little weird every once in a while, and so does Silent Assassin, and Blood Money does a tiny bit, and I kind of like when these games get weird, and that's something I'll probably bring up later, is that the newest iterations, being Hitman 2016 and Hitman 2, kind of abandon the weird in Hitman, and I kind of wish that they would get a little weird again, but that's a little bit beside the point. Um, But mechanically, I agree with what you said. It's generally, if you get in a gunfight, especially in the newer versions of the games, you pretty much will die after like three shots, which is weird because Agent 47 is supposed to be like this super enhanced, genetically engineered hitman, but yet he dies after like three bullets. So I don't really know what that's about. Um, Apparently his contract company does not offer body armor as a standard, um, I don't know, like standard outfitting thing. We will get to being... uh, inferior equipped when you go to these levels we will talk about we will talk about his lack of preparation we will get to that don't you worry but yeah i mean i agree uh i i think that just the even though the story sucks i think the gameplay is so compelling i think we'll both agree that the gameplay is really compelling and the premise is perfect you are a hitman you don't need a story you are a guy who kills people for money that is all you need you just need somebody giving you the mission and you go i mean that's i don't need anything other than that i don't know why they keep trying to inject story into it because i really don't care um, but in, in a funny way, I equate this with Monster Hunter. Um, 100% not the same game mechanically in any sense. But with Monster Hunter, it's like, hey, we're in a world, there's a lot of big fucking monsters, please go kill them and we'll pay you. <laughs> Hitman, we're in a world full of scumbags, here's some money, go kill them. Like, that's all you need? That's I don't need a story. So, anyway, anyway, we're getting a little bit off track here, but that's that's a good little nutshell, I think. You want to get back to the uh, the list of games, Corey? Yeah, so let's move on to... So Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, not to be confused with Hitman 2, that is this year's Hitman 2, um, was my entry point into the series. And I think it was a lot of people's entry point into the series because it launched on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. It was not PC exclusive. So it launched on... I think it launched across PC, PS2, and Xbox all at the same time. It was ported to GameCube, like, I think years later... um, it's probably pretty rare to get a copy of that, so I'm not sure. I don't even know why you'd want to play it on your GameCube. Anyway, um, it came out in 2002. Uh, this is probably a lot of people's entry point into the series. Um, I I have fond memories of Hitman 2, but going back and playing it is a very difficult thing to do, which I'll talk about with the HD trilogy later, because it has a shitload of levels. Most Hitmans have like 8 to 10 levels, Hitman 2 had like 30, and they were, a lot of them were kind of filler. A lot of them were really Did it really have that many? I think it had a lot, yeah. I I don't know if it had that many, but. My memory's hazy, but I don't remember it having that many. I mean, you're probably correct, because I haven't revisited it in a long time, but wow, that is a lot of levels. 
Yeah, it was a little bit over the top. And, it, well, the weird thing about the game, too, is that it had, um, like, instead of just kind of dropping you into the missions, a lot of the missions were, like, getting to the place that you were trying to get to, which I guess they kind of revisited with Absolution a little bit later in the series. Because um, there's, like, a series of missions in Japan where the ultimate goal is to, like, get to this, like, shogun dude who's in this Japanese temple. But they have, like, two missions before that that are kind of, like, the stealthing up to that point mission. And I didn't really... I don't know. I just feel like they could have cut those out. But again, this came out in 2002, so it was a long time ago. They were probably thinking, yeah, the more levels, the better. I'm at that point in time. Um, I think there are some standout missions in Hitman 2. Uh, a couple or a few of my favorites being um, Anathema, which was the first mission where you have to kill the mobsters in their like mansion. I think it was in Italy. Um, a basement killing, which takes place in a, a Kuala Lumpur skyscraper where there's like a nerd hacker dude in the basement of the lobby and you have to get to him and kill him. Um, the St. Petersburg Stakeout, I think, is a mission that a lot of people consider one of the best missions maybe in the franchise. It takes place in snowy Russia. There's a meeting going on at this embassy in the middle of a town square and you have to get to it and snipe one of the members of the of the uh, like collective that's in the building in the meeting from a building across the street. And Diana, who's your handler across pretty much all the games, is feeding you information to, uh, to help you identify him through the window. So it kind of gets down to the wire where you have to shoot the right person and hope that you shoot the right person based on the intel that she's feeding you. Um, there's also a mission called Terminal Hospitality. And these are some of my favorites. I'm just speaking for me. Um, that takes place, I think it's in India. And it's kind of like, I think it was their first shot at a mission that involved someone who was sedated in like this fancy schmancy hospital who was about to have some kind of heart surgery so naturally the mission is a perfect setup for agent 47 to get in and pose as a surgeon in order to um kill the patient under the knife i mean there's a bunch of ways to do it but that's sort of a theme a mission type that's been revisited several times over the course of the franchise but if i'm not mistaken that was sort of the first go at it which was kind of difficult um but those are some of my favorites. Brad, what do you think about Hitman Blood Money? Or Hitman uh, Silent Assassin, I'm sorry. Um, pretty similar to you. That was my entry into the series as well, since it did not, uh, the first game did not come to console. And I was really blown away by it. Uh, I mean, rough, difficult, you know, definitely some problems, uh, internal logic problems. But I loved what they were doing with it. And this was the first time when I was like, wow, this is like fucking amazing. Like, you can do anything <laughs> in this level and you can walk around and you can like do all these different approaches and they want you to experiment. And I mean, it was so dense and so rich with opportunities, but at the same time, also so ripe for just going for it and just trying to get lucky or trying to do something crazy. Uh, even, I mean, despite all the problems and all that, I, I really love this game like immediately. And I remembered uh, people in the game critic circle, like everybody is going nuts over it at that time, thinking it was so so fantastic and such a brilliant design, something so different than what we had seen before up until that point. Uh, it also does have some of my very favorite levels of the whole series. I mean, you mentioned the St. Petersburg one. That was so fucking amazing because there was many ways to do it. I mean, you could run right up to the guy and shoot him, or you could, I think you could even plant a bomb underneath the bench where he sits if you could get into the sewers. Uh, but the, my, I mean, the thing that really blew me away about this level was, like you said, with the sniper, if you find the sniper gun and you know who it is like you can walk into that level run up to the tower shoot that guy and leave and like the whole thing takes like 40 seconds or something like that like it's so fast and i was like flabbergasted that these people made this entire level all these buildings you could go into all the ai routines 
everything in there, all this, all the work that went into it, that they would let you go in and snipe a guy like from across the map in two seconds and then, and give you full credit for it. I was like, that's amazing that they would do that. Like so brave. So that was super exciting. Um, very fun. Also, I do love the one that you mentioned, the basement killing, uh, where there's a hacker in the basement and he's like locked away and you have to get in there. I just, I couldn't stop laughing at how the way that I did it. I mean, there's many different ways, but um, he's just like this nerd dude in the basement drinking uh, Mountain Dew and eating pizza and he runs out of pizza. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm, I know he's going to be ordering pizza because what else is like this nerd programmer going to be doing? Uh, and when you, <laughs> you intercept the pizza delivery guy, and you just breeze through security. You got the pizza in the hand. I think you can put your gun inside the pizza box or something like that. And you just walk straight up to him. And, like, when he comes to get the pizza, you blow him away. And I'm like, that is amazing. It is so funny. Like, incredibly humorous. I mean, of course, they were poking fun at themselves because they're game developers, too. So they know what it's all about. Um, I just I just love that they did that. It was, like, an in-joke, but it was also a correct way to solve the mission. And, I mean, that is, like, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite memories by far, for sure. So, love Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. I haven't gone back to it. I... I'm guessing you're probably right. It might be really tough to come back to, but at the time, really groundbreaking. Yeah, I uh, Hitman Two was really special, and it was felt very fresh at the time. Um, but after Hitman Silent Assassin came Hitman Contracts, which came out in let me look at my script notes, uh, came out in 2004. So again, pretty basic uh, two-year progression for video games. And the interesting thing about Hitman Contracts is that it also launched across PC, PS2, and Xbox. Um, but Hitman Contracts was more or less a remake of Hitman Codename 47. So I feel like after the success of Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, I'm sure the developers at IO thought, oh, we should probably try to get people, try to reconfigure some of the levels from Hitman Codename 47 because it was pretty janky and it was PC only. So about three quarters, I would say, of Hitman Contracts missions are remade versions of missions from Hitman Codename 47. And then there's a handful of levels sprinkled in that are, uh, that are specific to Hitman Contracts that have never been done before. So that was a very nice gesture on their part um, to basically help the console audience get back in on what they missed on the franchise from the first game. But it was also done in a more palatable and less... Um, like mechanically inept way, if you will. Uh, but Hitman Contracts, I thought was great. I mean, the basically the moral of the story with the Hitman games is that every single game in this series sort of refines what the game before it did. Because um, some of the games are kind of a mechanical mess if you go back to play them, and every game in the series kind of makes them a little bit, um, just makes them a little bit more approachable. They might have implemented one or two new systems into them that make them a little bit easier or make them a little more, I don't know, user friendly, if you will. And a couple of the missions in Hitman Contracts that were standouts to me, um, a Meet King's Party, which was, I think, the second mission in the game, I thought was incredible because it's this weird mission where there's this, like, rave, this sort of, like, acid trip, like, opium rave being held in, like, a butcher warehouse thing. So it's all... This is, like, quintessential Hitman, too, because it's all these, like, weird, like leather S&M like people with like gas masks like dancing and you know strobe lights and stuff but there's like a dead horse hanging off of a meat hook right next to the dance floor it's just a strange mission but I really like it and the music and it is incredible um Jesper Kidd did the music for most of the Hitmans up until I think it was either Absolution or Hitman 2016 where he stopped doing the, the music 
And the score for the level is incredible. I mean, he's just an amazing uh, video game musician. But that's one of my favorites just because it's so strange and it's just a very surreal experience. But at the same time, like there is a target that you have to take out and you have to get to him among all these, you know, S&M leather dancers and stuff. Um, another mission that I liked, which is probably widely considered one of the best, is Beldingford Manor. Um, it's yes, that is that is to me that is the quintessential Hitman level out of <laughs> out of like all of them. That is the one for me. Well, why don't you talk about it then, since you're so proud of it? Oh, okay. Um, sure. Uh, so this is the one that kind of encapsulates everything that Hitman really stands for. So you approach this English manor, and uh, you know, like like all the other Hitman levels, you can walk around. But there's a number of outbuildings, and if you explore the outbuildings, you'll find many different opportunities. Uh, for example, you can uh, find a stable boy, knock him out, and take his clothes, and then you can like walk around as a member of the staff. Uh, there's a sniper rifle in one of the like the furthest outbuildings, and so if you find that rifle and you know which room to look in, you can kill your target from, like, all the way across the map. Like, it's, like, <laughs> five steps away from the entry point. You don't even have to mess with anything in the rest of the level, which I think is amazing. Um, you can go inside the house, and you can sneak in, like, as a butler or as one of the partygoers and kind of case the house. I mean, you can uh, poison the guy's wine. You can drop a can of gasoline from the roof down his chimney and blow him up. You can smother him with a pillow. <laughs> you can just shoot him in the face. I mean, there's like, there's so many different opportunities and so many different options in this one level. And it gives you a real flavor of like everything the Hitman games can do. You can get in, do it quick and dirty. You can do it quick and quiet. You can take your time. You can, you know, get really complicated. I mean, it's just, to me, like this level offers a little bit of everything. It's really well done. It's a good size. And... Um, there's just so many ways to play it. I think out of all the games, out of all the Hitman titles, I think this is the one that I have replayed the most. And this is the one that I, I just have never gotten tired of. And I think it's just so impressive. So this is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and you're totally right about building for Manor. It does really encapsulate pretty much everything the Hitman franchise stands for. Um, but there is another mission, too, that I really liked as well called Traditions of the Trade. And this is a remake of a mission from Hitman Codename 47, and this one, like most missions in Hitman, it seems pretty simple on the surface. You're infiltrating a hotel, this, of course, giant hotel that has all these floors, all these suites. Um, some of the suites are closed off because of like, a murder that happened in part of it and all this other stuff. But there's like two, I think it's like mafia guys that are in it. And one of the guys, he takes a dip in this really cool sort of pool that's in the central area just behind the lobby. And you can break in as like a pool boy and drown him in the pool if you want. There's also, like, a dentist on the top floor, and I think you can, like, use the dentist costume to murder one of the guys yep, or something yep, like that. Yep, yep. There's just so, so much stuff going on, and there's this amazing part where you can pick up a delivery of flowers, and it's basically, like, copied and pasted right out of Terminator because you have, like, the box of flowers, but he has a shotgun hidden in them, so you can, like open the flower box and 47 will take the shotgun out of it. And I mean, I don't know why you'd ever want to use a shotgun in a Hitman level because they're kind of designed to be quiet, but it's just such a cool moment of like having the shotgun and the flower box and everything. Um, but that's a really good mission that I liked, but Hitman contracts is great and it really nails a good mood of the game because they did a really cool thing in this game too, with the lighting where certain areas that you're in, it, if you move from one level to another, like this sort of, color tone of the lighting will change entirely based on what room you're in every once in a while. And I don't know why that fascinated me so much whenever I played it originally. Um, but I just thought that was a, a really cool thing that they did. Um, cause I love, you know, visuals and lighting and video games. Uh, but Hitman contracts was great. Um, 
Brad, do you have anything else before we move on? Uh, quick question, just to jog my memory a little bit. Um, is this is is contracts the one that has you doing the triad missions, or is that blood money? That was contracts. The game pretty much closes out with like three or four triad missions in a row. Okay, so this is this is <laughs> one of the lowest points in Hitman altogether for me. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about this later on, but one of the things that I dislike the most about Hitman is, I mean, uh, kind of a lack of preparation, which we're 100% going to talk about, but also, like, the race factor. Like, I realize that Hitman is not a simulation. I realize that it's supposed to be funny in some parts, but there are some solutions to puzzles and some tactics that the developers want you to take, which just beggar belief there's no way these would ever work because they are so ridiculous and there's a series of i think three missions where there's a chinese triad gang uh i don't know i don't know where they're at but they're in some town and at one point so like the thing that like blows me away that makes it so shitty like oh so ultimately shitty is because this kind of mission would be basically impossible for 47 to do the way that he does other missions because in general he usually sneaks in you know, he'll dress up like a butler, he'll dress up like a plumber, and, you know, that's no big deal. People don't really question that too much. But when you are in a a specialized gang, I mean, you're going to want to assume that most of the members probably know the other members. But even if they don't, in a gang like the Triads, which is a famously Chinese gang, let me repeat that, <laughs> a Chinese gang, if a bald fucking white guy shows up and he walks inside gang headquarters... They're going to know right away he's probably not one of the gang. I mean, like, and so, like, what you could do in those triad missions, which I hated. I hated this at the time. You knock out any gang member, take their outfit, and you can walk just bold face straight into gang headquarters. And I'm like, this is stupid. This is so stupid. I mean, I wish, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying, like, like, like you should have, like, put on yellow face makeup or anything i'm not saying oh my that. god i 100 no so please don't get that impression i'm not saying that but like what he does is so far-fetched and so ludicrous and it makes no sense i wish they had just not even <laughs> let you do it i would have rather seen them do something different where 47 would have to really go out on a limb try a new tactic or maybe maybe this would be the one situation where he has to bring a rocket launcher because like there's just no there's no way there's no way this tall bald fucking white guy is going to sneak into triad headquarters there's no way and we had like three missions of it and I'm like, it just took me right out of the game and I was rolling my eyes and it was really just like every time I would walk up to a guy, I immediately expected them to shoot me in the face because I am the one white guy in Chinese gang headquarters. Of course it's me. Of course I'm the killer. Of course I'm the outsider. And nobody ever spots you. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. So that is to me probably the lowest point in the Hitman series. <laughs> That is true. Um, they also did the same thing in Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, because there's a bunch of missions in Japan where you have to sneak into, like, a Japanese fortress. Yes, and yes. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess, long story short, Hitman requires a good amount of suspension of disbelief, and some, <laughs> yeah. some missions challenge that more than others, shall we more, say? <laughs> way, way more than others, yeah, for sure. Which is dumb because, I, you know... Some of the best missions and some of the best disguises involve facial covering. And those make perfect sense. Like when you're wearing a hazmat suit or when you're a doctor and you've got the face mask on or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 this makes sense. Like you got the mask on at a glance, people wouldn't be able to tell who you were. So that makes perfect sense. But if all I have is like a vest, that's not going to make me look Chinese. I mean, I'm still going to look pretty fucking white, you know? Yeah, it's 
And and even like going back on that too, like there sometimes in the newer games you get disguises that have full on masks, and like there are still people in the environment that can recognize you. And I'm like, which how is the bullshit? Fuck? Yeah, yeah, like how the fuck are you recognizing me when I have an entire mask on? But that's beside the point. So it kind of works both ways, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Hitman Contracts was great, but it does. The, it really is a shame to me that they ended that game on those triad missions because they're not that great and they're not very like intuitive or interesting or open world for that matter. Like they're a lot smaller than the other missions. So a lot of interiors too, which is tough. Yeah, so I was kind of sad that they sort of ended it out on those. And then there's like a hotel level at the very end, but um, but those, yeah, those are weird. But most of that game is good. Um, I would maybe say that it probably holds up a little bit today. Uh, but after that came Hitman Blood Money, which up until Hitman 2016, I think would probably be widely regarded as the best in the series. I don't know if I would hesitate to say that or not, but it came out on PC and Xbox 360 in 2006. And then when the HD collection came out, in 2013, it came to PS3 then, which is weird because I had never thought of Hitman Blood Money as an Xbox 360 exclusive game, excluding the PC version, but it was actually Xbox 360 exclusive on consoles for a really long time, um, but I had an Xbox 360, so I was able to play it whenever it came out, but Hitman Blood Money is, I mean, it's kind of just more of the same, like I said before, but it is more refined, but the thing that I like about Hitman Blood Money is that there is not very much story going on with this game. It's basically just telling the story of Agent 47 performing all these different hits over this uh, span of time. There is kind of an interesting story thing going on about like Agent 47 being dead. And there's like a reporter at the beginning who's interviewing this old guy who about his story i think it was like about killing agent 47 and about you know bringing an end to the rain or whatever for this exclusive magazine story um so that's kind of hanging over but i like it because they didn't like put the story in your face a whole lot it's just kind of like hanging over maybe a cutscene before every few missions or something like that um, but hitman blood money is awesome it is a most of the levels are pretty disconnected from each other. There's not much story continuity going on between them. I can't believe that this is something that we're congratulating on the podcast, by the way, of like, oh, there's not much story here, so that means it's a way better game. But Thank God, yes. <laughs> Get that story out of here. <laughs> but this is just, Hitman is a weird exception to Brad and I's sort of story focus in, uh, in games in general. Um, but Hitman Blood Money had a lot of standout levels to me. Um, I liked, there's a mission called A New Life, which takes place in a very suburban sort of upper class neighborhood where there's a guy, like an old mafia guy who's in witness protection and you have to uh, basically go in and kill him and still steal, still, st steal, not still, um, steal like a microfilm on his wife's necklace, I think it is. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways to do it. You can like snipe them from the neighbor's kid's treehouse. You can turn the, uh, add extra fire to the, or extra gasoline to the grill and his wife will like light on fire and jump in the pool and burn and drown to death at the same time, <laughs> which is bizarre. See, but... see, Hitman is a funny game, you guys. <laughs> like, just listen to this shit. This is hilarious. Yeah, it's really silly, but I really like that game because I like that it's it sort of incorporates the entire neighborhood into the scenario. It would have been really easy for them to just drop you in in front of this guy's uh, you know little two-story house in suburbia and say, hey, go infiltrate it. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the neighborhood, which is cool. It's very Hitman-like because the thing that I love about Hitman maybe the most is that 
there's never just one thing going on in a level. There's a lot. There's so many moving parts in every single stage. Um, you know, you think, okay, I have to go in and kill this guy or these three people. But these three people are in completely opposite areas of the map. They're running their own thing. They're doing their own business. They're not really linked most of the time in any, like, tangible way where they're, like, talking to each other or anything. So that's something I really like. Um, and another level that I love from Hitman Blood Money that encapsulates that is one of the, uh, I think it's the second to last level in the game. It's called A Dance with the Devil. And you're in Las Vegas, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and you have to kill uh, a man and a woman. I think they're either husband and wife or they're, like, lovers or something. And it takes place in this skyscraper, this sort of businessy building, but there are two separate parties going on in the building. There's a heaven party and a hell party, and you go into the lobby of the business or of the skyscraper, and the heaven party, as you might expect, is on the top floor of the building. So there's an, a bank of elevators. You have to get up to the top floor. The woman is in the heaven party, so it's all, like, white and silver and glittery, and all the women are wearing these ridiculous, like, uh, angel outfits where it's basically just like two pieces of string over their bodies and some uh, some wings or something. And it turns out that the woman you're trying to assassinate is like a master assassin herself. So um, if you don't play your cards right, um, she will end up killing you in like surprise fashion or attacking you, which is uh, a really great moment in the franchise. And then you have to get downstairs to the basement to the hell party as well, which... Um, as you might expect, it's black and red, it's flames, it's like a rave, there's a dance floor, and there's a woman doing this pyrotechnics show over the dance floor, and there's a guy that, like this bartender guy that challenges you to a surprise duel in a back room. There's just like so much stuff going on in this mission, and it's also one that I think really encapsulates um, kind of what everything that Hitman stands for, because even though it's only taking place in a single building... There's so much going on in the building. You know, there's the lobby, there's the back rooms of the lobby, there's the upstairs party, the downstairs party. There's just a lot of moving parts, and it's also just really creatively done, in my opinion. Um, so that's those are a couple of missions that I really like. Uh, Brad, what did you think about Hitman Blood Money? Um, I think I liked it. I got to be honest, I'm having a tough time remembering like all of the <laughs> missions in it because. I, you know, like Hitman, I, me and Hitman have spent so much time together. Like, it kind of just all blends together. But I remember <laughs> liking it fine. I don't have any high points. But the one you said, I mean, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, which is fine. Because we have the same taste, obviously. Like, we're picking out the same levels almost every single time. Uh, but that one was a big one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. I don't have any strong thoughts on this one. But I do have very strong thoughts on the next one. Oh, boy. Yes. So... <laughs> Um, without further ado, uh, after Blood Money, there was a six-year break in the Hitman franchise, which was very rare up until this point, because every game had been coming out more or less every two years. But after Blood Money, I don't know what happened to IO Interactive. I don't know if there's like an expose on their company or what have you, but... Um, there was a six-year break because Hitman Blood Money came out near the beginning of the Xbox 360's life cycle and then was never heard from again until Hitman Absolution, which came out toward the very tail end of the Xbox 360 and the PS3 um, life cycle. It came out in 2012, um, and Hitman Absolution was a pretty big departure from the series, to say the least. Um, up until this point, the series had been known for... Almost every level being kind of a big sandbox, a lot of moving parts. You have a few targets. You have to decide how to get to them. You know, basically everything we've been saying so far, there's a bunch of different disguises to get. You can shoot them. You can poison them, whatever you want to do. 
But Hitman Absolution had a really strong story focus, and the story was garbage, with capital G, by the way. Um, capital it, G garbage. Yeah, capital. I mean, maybe all caps if we want to. I was going to say, I was going to say all caps. Yes. I, <laughs> yes, I support all caps garbage. Yes. Yeah, because Hitman Absolution is about um, Agent 47 trying to. He has to. The beginning mission is about him murdering his handler, Diana. Um, the agency, she's like turned on the agency, I guess, that he works for, the ICA, and he has to go and murder her because for some reason the people at the ICA think that someone who's been working for, like, murdering your boss is the best idea, like someone you have the best working relationship with. Like, what could go wrong here? Like, the geniuses at the ICA didn't see, didn't seem like that was a bad decision. But whenever he goes to murder her, um, she gives him sort of one last assignment to go find this young girl. She's like 15 or something because she's in danger and he has to protect her. And it turns out that she's like, the girl ends up being part oh of the same God. cloning program I that totally, 47 was in. I blocked and, all this out of my memory, dude. Like uh, you're bringing this back and I'm like going with, I'm going through PTSD right now because <laughs> I totally had, for, I had literally forgotten all of this stuff that you're saying. And I remembered like, just being so not on board with it and really thinking it was really bad. Oh my God. I can't believe, yeah. I, I can't believe I had wiped that all from my memory, but now it's all flooding back. Great. Thanks. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring it back. But <laughs> oh, the story, God. the story is so stupid, but I mean the story beyond the story, the interesting thing about Hitman Absolution is that it has a handful of classic Hitman levels sprinkled in where it drops you in a location. There's a lot of crowds, a lot of people, everything we've been saying up until this point applies here. But Hitman Absolution has a lot of short linear levels between the big sandbox levels that sort of have you play as Agent 47 through the whole story of getting him from point A to point B. Point A being, I guess, murdering the person from the last level and point B being getting to the next person you have to murder. There's like a lot of, I guess, story-focused um, sort of like in intermediate levels that are between the bigger ones. And I mean, I guess I could see what they were going for here because they made a game at the beginning of the 360 life cycle. They made a game at the end of the 360 life cycle. And in that time, so much had happened with video games. I mean, this was kind of at the point where Uncharted had really taken off and been probably one of the most successful story-focused third-person adventure games um, at the time. And I'm not saying that Hitman Absolution is going after Uncharted's cake or what, whatever, but I mean, there's definitely more of a story and adventure and dialogue-focused thing going on in Hitman Absolution that there ever had been before. And I I don't love Hitman Absolution. I know, Brad, you hate it, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, I didn't hate it as much as everybody else. I thought it was fine. Like, I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was amazing. It's just kind of a different beast from the rest of the Hitman franchise. But I do think it has some good levels. I think the art design in it is really strong. And I think, despite the fact that the story itself is really stupid, I think that it does have some really great character moments. Because there are a few uh, villains, if you will, that sort of hang over the entire game, rather than it just being uh, one target to the next, that are really gross, that really kind of get under your skin over the course of the game, because they're really kind of gross people. Um, but it, yeah, it's just a different... It feels a lot different than any other Hitman game that came before it. And I don't think it was very successful. And it sucks because Hitman Absolution um, is kind of the starting point that basically nearly tanked IO Industries, which probably is one of the reasons why Square Enix was quick to let them go after Hitman 2016 came around. Because if Hitman Absolution had been really successful... I mean, obviously, IO Interactive didn't die or you know didn't go under or anything. But I feel like they're 
um, I don't know, games maybe could have been a lot different, but I don't know, maybe we should be thankful for Hitman Absolution because they realized that the game was silly and sort of really returned to form with Hitman 2016 when it came out afterward. Um, but Brad, I'm sure you're like, um, I don't know, dying to talk about why you hate this game so much as I've been talking <laughs> about it. So what, what? I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, I think it was a, a huge misstep for, for IO interactive. I don't think this game was very well received by the fans. I know some people really like it and it's not, I mean, it's not the worst game I've ever played. Like it's not, it's not hot garbage, <laughs> but, but it's not, it's a terrible hitman game. If you know what I'm saying? Like it's like, yeah. if you, if it had some other action hero, if this had been the return of Gabe Logan, it would have been like, Oh, okay, well this is all right then. This yeah. is fine. But because it's agent 47, because it was so different from how the other games played, because it was way more linear um, there was much more um, railroading. A lot. The levels were designed in a way that really kind of kept you going from place to place. Much less open exploration. Much more of forcing you to kind of get through these certain points. Um, it just didn't work for a Hitman game. I don't think it was what I wanted. I don't think it was what a lot of the, the, the fans wanted. And on top of that, a lot of people found it to be kind of distasteful. I mean, this is the one that started off with a bunch of like four SM nuns as the PR campaign. Oh my God. Say, which, say what you will about how awful that first trailer was. I kind of am in love with it, even though I recognize it's terrible. I think it's kind of an amazing trailer. I mean, a lot of people had a very strong reaction to it. I mean, you catch me on the right time of day, I'm totally fine with SM nuns. But this is, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it specifically, but it put a lot of people off. A lot of people felt like it was in really poor taste and not selling the game properly. Um, so there was a bit of backlash and not really in a good way as far as that goes. But I mean, overall, I just really disliked the new kind of like, it kind of felt like a blend between, um, you know, something like a Splinter Cell and a Hitman, but not really taking the best parts of each. And this was also <laughs> the one where the level design was just really poor because there were these, so in Hitman, there are sometimes these large boxes. The developers will sometimes put in a big box um, usually, like, it's in a place that makes sense. Like, if you're in a big storage area, you're in a freezer, if you're in a, a garden. So maybe there might be a big box there for something. But in Hitman Absolution, it was very obvious that the developers were struggling to um, get a grip on their level design because it was, like, every five feet, there was, like, a giant box um, to hide bodies in. And that didn't make any sense. It was really lame and weird because you'd be, like, at a tennis court and there's people to kill and in previous games, you would have to either sneak by or be really clever about it. But this time, there's like two giant boxes right next to the tennis court. So you just mow them down, throw them in the box and keep going. And it was like there's boxes like every five feet. And so <laughs> clearly they didn't have a way to solve those problems in level design. So all they did was give you a really easy way to get rid of bodies, which made you able to finish the game. But at the same time, it really displayed a, like a lack of strength in their thinking, in the planning, I don't know if they had lost some staff at that time, or maybe they were under a time constraint um, from Square Enix or something. I, I'm pretty sure they were with Square Enix at that point, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So maybe there was some friction because they were not a good fit with each other. I don't know what, but this game, you know, like I said, it's not it's not the worst game I've ever played. If it had been somebody besides Agent 47, it would have been like a really generic action, action game, and, you know, nobody would have blinked twice at it. Uh, but because it was a Hitman game, it stands out really really far from the rest of the crowd it's just a giant red sore thumb of just a lot of problems and a lot of things that don't work so it is by far my least favorite of the series i, I think that as far as a hitman goes it's pretty shit it's pretty shit so not a fan yeah, of that one i can't um that you put it into words that i really couldn't it, like it's an all right game but it's bad for a hitman game and that's really like that pretty much sums it up perfectly because it's 
like it's not what you expect as a Hitman game. It's not a terrible game, but when you know what Hitman has been doing for so long, and then you play this, you, and you expect a certain thing from Hitman, then this, as the kids say, this ain't it. This ain't it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Gabe Logan, Sam Fisher, they could have pulled this off, no problem. Would not have been their best outing, but it would have been like, oh yeah, it was like one of those C-rank, Splinter Cellar, C-rank, Siphon Filter. But for <laughs> Hitman, it was like an F, dude. Like, this was this was not it. So anyway, enough, enough bashing on Absolution. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Um, quick mention for the Hitman HD trilogy. The interesting thing about the Hitman HD trilogy is that um, it has Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, Hitman 3 Contracts, which were both remastered, you know, sort of re-graphically done for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. And it also had Hitman Blood Money, but because Hitman Blood Money already launched on Xbox 360, it was they basically just ported it into the game. There wasn't like a graphically redone thing for it. It's just Hitman Blood Money and that's it. This was the first time Hitman Blood Money had been available on the PlayStation 3. Um, the Hitman HD trilogy came out in 2013. Um, I remember, like, eagerly waiting for this. I worked at Target at the time, as I've mentioned a million times on the show. And when I knew this was coming out, I I wasn't working. I was doing, I think, just, like, regular sales floor work at the time. And I would get electronics keys. I would go to the back room. I would unlock the electronics stock room and go in there and look for the game because I knew that we were getting it. And I knew that we only had a few copies on hand. And the game never, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was never planogrammed onto an actual space on the sales floor at Target because Target's video game department, no matter how well organized you think it is, if you work for Target, it's a fucking mess. We have hundreds of games in the back room that are not on the sales floor at all because there's no designated space for them. But that's like a different story. And this was one of those games that came out. And I don't think, I mean, it's Target. I don't think it actually had a spot on the sales floor, but I wanted it so bad that I went back to that. I'm pretty sure I went back to the back room and just got it and then took it up to the cash register and bought it for myself. And it has like this really cool art design on the cover. And it has this amazing art booklet on the inside that has like all these different artist renderings of different moments from the franchise. It's such a cool um, like packaging feature for the game. And this game came out and then nobody ever talked about it ever again. Even when you go on the Hitman franchise Wikipedia page, there is literally no mention of it anywhere on the Wikipedia page, which I thought was astounding because the packaging was so cool. I mean, I know it's just a remaster, but still, like, those are generally celebrated. So I couldn't find anything about this game. But, I mean, there's not much to say other than the packaging was incredible. Um, it was just Hitman Silent Assassin and Hitman Contracts remade for current consoles, and it had Hitman Blood Money packaged in. Um, I own it. I think it's great. I don't know if it's, like, rare or difficult to find nowadays because it kind of came and went. Um, much like Agent 47, it came and went without a trace. Uh, but, yeah, I don't – did you ever pick this up or try this or see it anywhere, Brad? Yeah, I I mean, I had already played all these games, so I didn't really have a reason to play them again. And I, so I didn't buy it for that purpose. But I do remember it coming out. I, I do remember people at the time saying that they didn't make very many of it. And the cover was actually pretty awesome. So I do have a copy of it just for collector's sake. But uh, – yeah, I never like fired it up. I had no reason to go back to it. But yeah, I, I do. I do have it, and I did. I did dig that cover. Excellent. Well, we don't have to dwell on it because we basically have already talked about the games that are in it. Um, next up is a small little offshoot of the Hitman franchise called Hitman Go, and this is not really part of canon Hitman. This was originally an iOS game uh, on Apple phones and on the iPad. 
And it's basically launched Square Enix's entire sort of Go platform because they have Tomb Raider Go and they have Deus Ex Go at this point. But it all started with Hitman Go. And basically Hitman Go is... It's basically just a board game, kind of. Like, every board um, opens, you have a little uh, tile piece, like a Monopoly piece that looks like Agent 47, and you have to move him around the board, and there's guards that will patrol, and it's just like a straight-up board game-looking puzzle game. But it's really well done. It was, uh, I think it was uh, really um, sort of celebrated whenever it came out, and I bought it. I thought it was really good. Tomb Raider Go came out later on down the road, and that was a little more just adventure and action-focused and less puzzle-focused. And then uh, Deus Ex Go came out later on down the road as well, and that one was a little more um, puzzle-focused as well, where you had to move Adam Jensen around these boards, and there's different soldiers patrolling, and there's different, um, you know, like, robotic drones around, and you have to, you know, not be seen or use special weapons or something like that. Um, I think Hitman Go is great, and I think it really set off sort of this new thing for iOS games, these sort of board game-like um, experiences. Uh, but it just kind of came and went. It's not really, like, a part of uh, Hitman, you know, original core franchise. But it's fun, and I thought I would mention it. Um, did you ever play it, Brad? I did play it, and I gotta say, I found it to be very difficult. Maybe it's just because <laughs> my brain doesn't work with puzzles the way that this does. Um, I, you know, I'm up for that. I had a phone. I was, I was in the market for something like that at that time because I was still kind of searching for for more mobile things um, at that point in my life. Uh, I just found it to be very, very difficult, and I kind of bounced off of it because when I'm doing a phone game, I don't generally want something that's that taxing. Um, you know, I'm usually standing in line somewhere. Maybe I've got 15 minutes between jobs or something. Uh, I just want something to kind of, uh, you know, fun, but not like bust my brain over it. And I remember just really bouncing <laughs> off of it. I mean, did you finish it or how far did you make it in that? Um, I actually can't remember if I finished it because it was really hard. I know I finished Deus Ex Go for sure. I don't remember if I finished, um... Hitman Go, because the thing about Hitman Go that bothered me at the time was there were a few different ways to complete every level, and you got, like, a different amount of tokens for completing in different ways or doing different things on every board, and you had to get a certain amount of tokens before the next level would unlock, and so at a certain point, you had to go back and play the boards again, but do things a little bit different or maybe pick up, like, a briefcase that's in a corner of the level as you're moving and, like, dodge the guards and stuff. And I don't think I finished it because I think I got to the point where I was I didn't want to go back and play the same boards over and over again just to unlock the next level. So I think I called it quits. But I and you're you're not wrong. It was very difficult, and it is one of those games where your mind definitely has to work a certain way in order to you know you just have to think about the game on its terms and the way it wants you to think about it because it is just a board game. You know, it's not an open world thing where you're running forty seven around the environment. Um, but uh, I don't think I finished it, but I did I did like the idea, and I did go on to buy the other Go games that came out after. I'm not a fan of them. I like the idea of them, <laughs> but they're just too hard for me. So that's just, that's on me. So whatever. It's kind of a cool little idea, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, like, you know, it spawned some extras, so that shows that it was kind of successful for them. Um, I forgot to put on this list, although it's not a huge deal. They actually released a Hitman sniper challenge mobile game 2 that i played a little bit that was sort of in the footsteps of the hitman sniper challenge from absolution which was a pre-order bonus i totally forgot about this um which was basically just a 
You're sitting as Agent 47 on one perch. You don't move him around the level. You're just looking through the sniper scope. There's people moving around in some, like, mansion area, and you have to... There's a bunch of different ways to kill them or um, kill the guards in the level and stuff like that. Usually it's a timed mission. They had that... A, a single level as a pre-order bonus for Hitman Absolution. It came with the Hitman HD trilogy. If you bought it, you got a download code for it. And then they eventually released the mobile version, which was not the same as the Sniper Challenge from consoles, but it was the same idea. Um, I only played it a little bit. I found it to be kind of cumbersome on my phone to play it. Uh, did you ever try it, Brad? Um, I played it on console. I did not play it on phone because uh, I think I was kind of out of phone games at that time. But <laughs> it is a cool little thing. They do um, have a similar challenge, which I'm sure we'll talk about in Hitman 2. Uh, so that's cool to see that return. I think it's a, a nice idea. I really like it a lot. It's a kind of a bite-sized experience. But no, I never played it actually on the phone, but only on consoles. But I did like it on consoles. Yeah, the console version was great. I mean, it's basically just you replaying the same level over and over again. So, you know, whatever uh, pleasure you get out of that is up to you. But the mobile version I thought was a little too finicky for me. But I, then again, I haven't tried it in years. So maybe they've made it better since then. Um, but moving on, getting to sort of the modern era of Hitman games. Uh, Hitman 2016 came out um, in 2016, as you might imagine. Uh it came out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One, and it uh, it really kind of rebooted the franchise in a way. Like I said earlier, Hitman Absolution was kind of a low point for IO Interactive, and you know it nearly tanked, and then they came out with Hitman 2016, and it was very much a return to form for the series. Um, pretty much everything that people had been asking for back up until that point, where it's a handful of levels, um, very big, intricate, multi-layered levels, densely packed with people, lots of different things going on. When I talked about the um, the opportunity system earlier, this is the first game that really concretely implemented the opportunity system where it kind of held your hand through the level as much as you wanted it to, um, or you could turn it off if you wanted to. But the interesting, perhaps the most interesting thing about Hitman 2016, and this is something that maybe doesn't get talked about as much anymore, is that... Um, when they were originally going to release the game, they were going to put it out as a full game, and they had, like, the pre-orders up and everything, and then they canceled all of that and decided that they were going to release it um, sort of, like, as DLC. They were going to put out one level at a time over the course of about a year, and so they put out the first mission pack, which had the tutorial level and the first mission, which was in Paris, the the runway fashion show mission I talked about earlier. And then about once a month, they would put out a different, a new level. And if you bought the full experience, which was $60 like any other game, you basically could just download the games for free, or not for free because you paid $60, but you could download them as they came out every month. Or you could just cherry pick which ones you want. So say if the Colorado mission came out and you thought to yourself, oh, that doesn't sound interesting. Um, you would you would have just paid for the intro pack experience that had the tutorial and the Paris level. And then as each level come out, I can't remember how much it was, but I don't think it was cheaper to buy the full pack than it was to buy every level individually, but I might be wrong about that. But you could cherry pick the ones you wanted to download so that way you didn't pay for anything you didn't want. Um, but it came out like that. And to be honest with you, um, it was kind of a risk at the time and I don't think that this idea was very well received by a lot of people but I really liked the way they did this um, I think that putting out one level at a time once a month was a really clever way to do it because it really encouraged you 
to really play through every level a bunch of times. Because that's the big thing about Hitman is that every level... There's so many opportunities. There's so many ways to complete them. There's the levels are so big. There's so much going on that in order to get the full experience of the game, it's recommended that you play through each level a few times so that you could see what all is going on. And as you complete the levels, um, you actually level them up. You gain experience per level based on what you do in them. So like if you kill a target a certain way, you get a certain amount of XP. If you kill a target a different way, you get a certain amount of XP. And the more you level them up, the more things you unlock for the level. You unlock gear that you can take into any mission, such as guns or explosives or poisons or whatever. You also unlock within each level um, different places to start um, the stage. So normally, say, at the Paris level, you would start at the front gates, walking into the mansion. Well, if you get the XP high enough in the level, you might be able to start um, in the kitchen dressed as a cook already, or in the backstage of the fashion show dressed as one of the models or one of the crew members or something like that. So it kind of jumpstarts your progress in the level so that you don't have to start in the same spot every time. Um, but I really like that because it encouraged playing through because you didn't have anything else to play. You had that mission and that was it for the month. And so whenever, every time I got one, I would play it over and over and over and over again in order to master the level and figure out what was going on in it because I didn't have anything else to play. They later on released a, uh, a disc version. They, they did a really weird thing because they released a disc version that had everything on disc like after everything had launched uh, as DLC because it was download only for the longest time. And then they released another disc version that was called like the Definitive Experience or something that had some Game of the Year content on it that had some remakes of extra levels um, or like, you know, rejigs of extra levels. And it had a Patient Zero campaign, which we talked about on the show a while back, that had um, sort of like redone versions of Hitman 2016 levels that had different targets and different people placed in different areas and um, different um, just like decor among the existing levels, if you will, um, which I actually thought was that content pack the game of the year pack patient zero really surprised me i thought it was way better than it was going to be um so they did release everything as dlc monthly then they released the first disc version and then they released the second disc version which was i don't know who what they were thinking about you know the marketing for this game and putting it out so many different times in so many different ways on so many different discs and all this stuff um but I think it worked really well as DLC, even though I don't think it was really well received as putting out the levels monthly. Uh, Brad, what did you think about this this release plan? Um, I was happy to see them really bring Hitman back to what Hitman was supposed to be, and in some ways better than it had ever been. So in that respect, I was very thrilled uh, because after the the jaggy left turn of Absolution, I really thought <laughs> they had lost their mojo forever. Um, and it was really frustrating too because. I had actually spoken, like, in person to some of the developers. They had come out to um, PAX to show Hitman Absolution. And at that time, I remembered speaking to them and saying, hey, you know, does the game have this? Does the game have this? And kind of asking about it. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be the best one. We know what the fans like. We're going to really deliver. This is going to be a great game. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And then Absolution came out, and it was like 1,000% not at all. And I'm like, oh, my God, that guy lied right to my face. What is going on? So I I actually had saw them, I think, the next time before Hitman 2016, and they said the exact same thing. And I'm like, yeah, right, buddy. Oh, not man. falling for this line again. Fuck you, dude, because you clearly had no idea what we were talking about. But, you know, it did really deliver, so that was great. I was really happy to see it come back on track. But um, I didn't actually get into it for like a year even though me being the big hitman <laughs> fan that i was and you were raving about it i mean you covered oh, it yeah. for game critics you had nothing yeah, but good things yeah. to say and i'm like yeah, yeah yeah 
But I just didn't want to play it episodically. Um, I think because, number one, I'm not the kind of person who replays a level many times. I mean, you're much more thorough on your uh, approach, and you really wring the most out of those levels. I don't really enjoy doing that. I don't like that with any game, honestly. So it's not a surprise to me that I don't really dip back in um, multiple times for each level. So the idea of getting one small level and replaying it multiple times until the next one comes out was never going to fly with me because I'm just not that kind of person anyway. Um, and so I'm like, well, if I'm only going to play these once, I might as well wait till they all come out because I'm going to have to like relearn the controls every time it comes out and I'll forget what happened last time. And it just, I didn't want it to be like disjointed like that. I mean, I think they did it well in terms of it being episodically released and, you know, they kept a lot of, uh, new content coming, little missions that were coming. I mean, they did a pretty good job of keeping it being like an active, an active event all year long. But that just wasn't something that I was in the market for, and it's not really how I like to play a Hitman game. So I waited until everything was out, and then I waited some more, just for fun. And then <laughs> I finally bought the disc, and then I played it all in one swoop over like a weekend or something, and I thought it was great. So um, I really liked it a lot. I'm, you know, not on board with the episodic, but that's just me. But in general, love the game. I thought it was a really great return to form, and it was very, very good. Although I will say, I don't know if this is the right place to discuss this. Maybe we should talk about this and then maybe <laughs> take a quick bathroom break. Yeah. Um, before we actually dive into Hitman 2 proper. But the opportunity system is kind of hitting on one of my particular points of irritation with the series in general. Um, so feel free to jump in on this, Corey, absolutely. Uh, you're, you play a Hitman, a professional killer, and I really doubt that any Hitman would be dropped off at his target with, like, no gear and just said good luck. I mean, it's like you would plan, you would have the schematics, you would have all the gear you needed... You would find a way to get the stuff you wanted. You would even have a um, maybe different um, approaches or you would you would have a scheme or something that you would do before you got there. So like these opportunities are great. And this is where the opportunities came in, which is what I'm talking about now. So, you know, like you'll go into a mission and you'll hear somebody talking and it'll be like, hey, I'm the pest control man. And there's a lot of roaches in this house. And oh, I think I left all my big vat of poison out by the truck. I sure hope nobody messes with that. Oh, <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? So, like, you'd hear that, and you'd be like, aha, I'm going to dress up like the, the pest control guy, and I'm going to get this poison. I'm going to kill everybody in this fucking level. But, like, I think it would be great if they would just adjust this a little bit and let you choose that before the mission. Because it would make more sense, logically, for Hitman to be like, okay, I, I'm going to dress up like a pest control person before I even get there. This is going to be my approach. I'm going to try to do this, not on the fly, but, like, you know, to, like, actually have a plan. Or, like, for example... If you find rat poison in this game, you can put that in somebody's drink and they'll throw up. They'll make them uh, run to the bathroom like ASAP. So if there's a person that you can't get alone, like if they're in a crowded room and you can't kill them without witnesses, you put a little rat poison in their drink, they get the heaves and they run for the bathroom and you can kill them in the bathroom privately. Like, you always have to find the fucking rat poison. And it's like, you can unlock it at some point. Like, if you clear enough levels and get some experience and unlock it, that's great. But like... I can get rat poison at any store in America. <laughs> I can go into fucking 7-Eleven, two blocks from my house, and buy rat poison. Literally, not a joke. So why is it that Agent 47 never shows up fucking prepared? Like, why does he never have the lockpick until you unlock it? Why does he never have the rat poison until you unlock it? Like, come prepared, motherfucker. Like, be ready. And I, <laughs> I wish that you would, like, just have a plan. Like, instead of finding the opportunities. I mean, finding opportunities is great. But, like, I wish you could select beforehand. Like, here's the mission. Here are our avenues. Uh, and, you know, it can be like hard. Disguise yourself as the neighbor or medium. Disguise yourself as the pizza delivery man 
or easy, you know, disguise yourself as, you know, whatever, like, like choose and have a plan rather than like going in and finding it on the fly. Like conceptually that would work a lot better for me. And I think that it would just make more sense that you could come prepared with gear that would be appropriate for the mission. And you know, like just in my head, in the way that I like to play Hitman, the way that I kind of role play this out, it would just make a lot more sense. And also I think mechanically it would be kind of interesting. So that's one of my big issues with with 2016 and with hitman 2 we're going to touch on this again i'm sure but i mean what, what do you think about that Corey? any thoughts yeah i mean it's just one of those dumb things where you have to kind of you know do the whole suspension of disbelief thing because basically every level wants you to start fresh without a big advantage over the levels before it and this is something we'll get into because i have a whole like uh bone to pick about hitman 2 later on whenever we talk about this but um, I totally, like, I get, I to- I mean, I pretty much agree with what you're saying. Like, it's weird that, because um, whenever you outfit for missions in Hitman 2016 and in Hitman 2, um, whenever you're at the mission selection screen, you choose the outfit you want to wear, but it's never a level, a disguise in the level. It's like, a, you have, like, a clown suit or his signature suit or a raven suit or whatever. It's never, like, you know, the pest control guy. Um, so you choose the outfit you want to wear. One weapon that you want to take, and it has to be concealable, so usually like a silenced pistol if you want to take that, and then you have two gear items you can take, and you can only take gear items that you've unlocked from previous missions, and those are, I mean, like I said earlier, whenever you sort of complete the experience points in every level, they give you the opportunity to start, like I said in the Paris mission, like you can start and backstage as one of the crew members or something, those experience points also get you certain um, developer-designated unlocks, depending on how many times you complete a level. But I do think it's kind of silly that, you know, oh, I have to complete the Paris mission, you know, eight times in order to get this this amount of experience so that the developer can, you know, arbitrarily then give me rat poison to take into every mission from that from the out from the you know the loadout screen. It is it's silly, and I agree, and it's kind of like a suspension of disbelief thing i mean it makes it sound like that they just drop him off you know for every mission with no plan at all in any way um but i mean i guess it's something that i can kind of get on board with because it makes you learn the layouts of the level and you have to know okay well i know that the rat poison is in the mechanics drop here in this level so maybe i should stop by and get that um you know before i go do anything else or something like that and you do unlock it at a certain point to take it into the mission or take like a sedative or a poison or whatever. Um, like I have a, uh, like I said, a bone to pick about the unlocks that we'll talk about later. But, um, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like the idea that he can't just go into a mission like with the rat poison already, um, yeah, already I mean, in his inventory. It's is it's like silly. three dollars at Walmart, dude. Like you can <laughs> you can fucking take some of your your blood money and go down and buy some fucking rat poison. It's just, it's just like I would enhance like the role playing and the and the just the overall thing of like bringing in more things, being more prepared, like actually setting up for things a little bit more. I mean, it kind of. I mean, again, it's interesting that I find a reason to bring up Monster Hunter again because I I, I really don't connect these two games but <laughs> in monster hunter like preparation is everything and so like when you go to fight a monster it's like what does the monster do what are they weak to what kind of weapon do i need what kind of gear am i going to need to use like what kind of backup stuff am i going to have to have and part of the game is the prep not that you need to like you know not that you're spending a ton of time making those items i mean most of them are pretty readily available but it's like you got to think about what you're going to be doing and so you want to be properly kitted out so that when you get out in the field then you're ready to go so i kind of i think hitman is missing that aspect i mean it's kind of there like you said you got to get the experience get the unlocks unlock the location so you can eventually by the time that you're replaying a level the third or fourth time sure you're going to have more stuff but it's like 
I just just from the get go, I wish there was more prep and more like options to like approach the situation in a way that you would want to approach it. I mean, I love the game. I, I, I realize why they do it and, you know, to give you fresh experience, all that stuff. But just for me personally, that's always been like a real sore spot for me because a lockpick is not large. You can fit it in your pocket. You can fit several in your pocket. <laughs> I'm going to bring that. Why can I not bring that? I, I had it last level. Why did I not have it now? Let's get the rat poison. Let's, you know, let's let's be ready. Let's be professional about this. He is a professional. Let's be professional. You know, like it's kind of just gets under my skin. I, I realize I'm just barking up a tree and I know that there's reasons, but still it's always bugged me. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing, too, when I think about this is that it's worth, the thing that's worth mentioning is that every Hitman game has sort of handled this in a different way, and it's never been consistent over the over the series. Because if you go back to Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, one of the things that I liked about Hitman 2 is that every few missions, you kind of go back to the home base of Agent 47, which is on this um, sort of, like, farm, this, like, church farm in Italy, I think, which is where he's kind of sticking out for most of the game. And in order to unlock new things to take into future missions in Hitman 2, you have to exit the mission with those weapons in your inventory. So if you pick up an assault rifle during a mission in Hitman 2 and you successfully exit the level with the assault rifle, you then have it to use in future missions, which makes perfect sense. You procure it on site, you take it with you, and then you have it to take into any mission. Um, that's not how... I don't think any Hitman game uses that from then on out. But one thing that I liked about Hitman Blood Money, and I don't know why a Hitman game has never come back to this, is in Hitman Blood Money, based on how well you complete the mission, you actually earn money, which, hello, is what a Hitman is here for, to earn money for his hits. Um, you earn money, and there's a weapon upgrade screen, and you have all of your standard weapons. You have the pistol, the submachine gun, the assault rifle, the sniper rifle, and then you have a gear screen, and you can use the money that you earn from completing missions... Uh, you know, well, if you earn a lot of money for completing them well, to buy certain things, like you can buy the silencer for your pistol, or you can buy the lock pick, or you can buy the faster lock pick, or you can buy the poison to take or whatever. And it's kind of fascinating to me that that was such a good system because it gave you the incentive to complete the missions well, and then it let you spend the money on what you wanted to spend the money yes, on rather yes, than yes, having yes. the developers say, oh, you beat the level three times. Now we're going to give you the poison. Um, I don't know why they haven't gone back to that because that, I mean, I guess for Hitman 2016 and Hitman 2, they just want you to play the levels over and over and over and over and over again. But I feel like there's got to be a middle ground between expecting players to play through a level five times in order to unlock a new gun or rat poison versus being able to unlock what you want when you want it based on how well you did in the level. Well, totally. And like, talk about like increased role-playing opportunities, because if I'm a person who really likes using like, you know, uh, portable mines or something, then I can like put some money into those and like, you know, kit my guy out the way that I want to play. So it's conducive to my play style. Uh, but honestly, like in playing Hitman 2016 and also in Hitman 2, I would look at the unlocks and I'd be like, I don't use any of those things, so I don't care. <laughs> and I'm not going to even bother to even, you know, try. I think the only thing I really worked for was to get like the lockpick, which is one of the earlier unlocks. And I think as far as the rest of it goes, it was like the lockpick and the sniper rifle. Those were the two things I cared about. I unlocked those pretty early on and I just like gave the, the middle finger to all the rest of it because <laughs> I didn't care. But I would have I would have liked to buy better lockpicks or a better sniper rifle or a more, you know, a more foldable sniper rifle or, uh, you know, a pack of 10 lockpicks or like whatever, like something like something that would have given me incentive to keep going on that. So I agree. I think that system that you mentioned was the better system. I actually really dislike the current system of unlocks. But um, yeah, we I, I there's one other really large criticism I think we will probably get to. Um, but at this point, I my bladder is telling me we should right, probably take, take a, a little break. intermission. Let's take yeah. a little intermission and then let's come back. 
We'll deep dive into the rest of our criticisms. We'll talk about Hitman 2, and then we will get to Q&A and so forth and so on. That sounds like a plan to me. So, listeners, we've done a very thorough deep dive into the history of Hitman, um, and I will have timestamps in the show talking about each game we talk about, talking about the intermission, and then talking about Hitman 2. We will come back to discuss Hitman 2 in just a minute. Uh, So enjoy this little break, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to our Hitman-focused So Video Games episode. This is episode 105. Uh, Like we said at the beginning, we're recording on November 11th, 2018. Uh, Brad and I have just done a pretty big deep dive into the history of the Hitman franchise, all the games that have come out up until this point, going from Hitman uh, Codename 47 from the year 2000 all the way up until the reboot of Hitman, which we are lovingly calling Hitman 2016, that came out, as you might have guessed, in the year 2016. Um, We're gonna talk about Hitman 2 at this point going forward. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're in the weird gray area recording right now where the special edition of the game has already launched on Friday, two days prior to this recording. The regular edition, there's a $60 and $80 version of the game. Those do not come out until Tuesday, which is a couple days after we're recording. So uh, we're in a weird space right now where we're between the launch of the expensive version and the non-launch of the non-expensive version. Um, So we didn't really prepare anything special uh, scripted for this, so we're just going to kind of dive in and talk about it. Brad and I have both had a code for the game for about 10 days at this point. Uh, We're going to be talking about Hitman. We're probably going to be talking about some intricacies of some of the levels in it. So if you want to remain fully spoiler-free, um, I would recommend probably skipping this segment until you come until you play the game, then you want to come back and listen to it. Um, the story, as I'm sure Brad might agree, is not very heavy in the game, so there's not really a lot of story-focused stuff to spoil, but if, uh, but if you, again, don't want to be exposed to that, uh, maybe you should come back to this after you've played it, or if you don't care about the game and you just want to listen to us talk about it, and that's totally okay. Um, am I missing anything, Brad? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's a pretty good recap. We could probably just dive into it. I mean, I don't know if we've mentioned it or not, but um, the, one of the bonuses of, of this game is that you get all of the Hitman 2016 levels in addition to Hitman 2. Is that only with the deluxe version, or who gets that? Do you know? Um, I read a developer blog about it last... I mean, I read it a few days ago, but I revisited it last night, and I believe because this... The, the 2016 game is so convoluted in how many releases they've had for it, for better or worse. Um, if you bought the entire season of Hitman 2016 that has all the levels in it, or if you bought the Game of the Year version that had all of the levels and the Patient Zero stuff in it, you, what, you get what they call the Hitman Legacy Pack for free, which you can download from the PSN store. I think you download it from... 
Hitman 2016, like you launch Hitman 2016, I think you download the legacy pack from there and then you can like activate it in Hitman 2. And yeah, like you said, it basically re-downloads all the old levels and puts them into Hitman 2. Um, if you don't own all of the levels, I think you have to pay... If you don't own any of the levels, I think you pay $20 to import them into Hitman 2. And if you only own a few of the levels or something like that, you pay $10. I can't remember the exact intricacies of it, but it's on... If you go to uh, IO Interactive's website, there's a blog about the pricing options and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's right, because there are a few mechanical differences that they've added to Hitman 2 that were not in Hitman 2016. And whenever you play Hitman 20, or Hitman 2 and you import the, the old levels in, it sort of like adds some of those mechanical differences to kind of keep them all on a level playing field. Um, did I leave anything out that you know of? I think the most important thing you left out is the fact that none okay. of your unlocks from the 2016 version transfer over. So I, you and I both played 2016. I still had the data on my PS4. Um, and when I loaded up Hitman 2, the most current one, I was like, oh, wow, look at all this. All the old levels are here, which is cool. But I unlocked some stuff. You probably unlocked 10 times more stuff than I did, but I had some unlocks as well. None of those carry over. And as far as I can tell, none of the data carries over. Like, it never showed as me ever having, like, completed the original tutorial or any of the old levels. And so I'm like, well, I love those levels. I think it's awesome that you get those. And for people who have never played those, this is what an amazing package should look like. I mean, this is great. You're getting, like, double the Hitman game. Uh, but for us who've already played through those, I would have really appreciated having some of those unlocks and having some of that data carry over. A little bit disappointing about that. And as of right now, I have heard absolutely zero about any patch allowing that to happen. It seems like they're just giving you the new levels, and you have to basically uh, just, you know, take a fresh start on those. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh, man. We're going to dive in, because this is my biggest... This is honestly my biggest issue with Hitman 2, and... It's kind of a silly thing to take issue with, but I... So here's my thing. They they let you import all of Hitman 2016's levels into Hitman 2. You can play all of them from within Hitman 2 without having to launch Hitman 1 again. But like you said, the level progression system, because every level, there's 20 levels of mastery that you get from completing each level over and over and over again in different ways and doing different things and different opportunities. And every time you cross one of those levels of master, you unlock something. It might be a new gun. It might be a new gadget. It might be a new place to start in the level. It might be um, a different stash in the level where you can have weapons readily available for you as you go into the level. So I spent... I don't know, 30, 40 hours playing. A lot through, of time. Yeah. A lot of time. Through the original Hitman, or Hitman 2016, if you will, I unlocked, I reached level 20 mastery with every single level in that game, even the bonus levels, which I think, I don't think they have 20 levels. They might have like five or 10 because they're smaller, but I reached every level of mastery spent probably 30 to 40 hours unlocking all the stuff, unlocking new guns, unlocking new sniper rifles, unlocking new gadgets, poisons, mines to take into missions. And once you unlock, it's worth noting that once you unlock them in one mission, you can take them into any mission in Hitman 2016. It's not just, if you unlock gear, it's not just for that mission. You can take them into any mission. So I import the levels into Hitman 2 and all of the level progression from Hitman 1 does not import into Hitman 2 with the Legacy Pack. So you, you can play the old missions again 
But all of that time and energy and frustration and saving and reloading and planning and executing and escaping, all of my time and energy, basically IO Interactive says, fuck you to all that time you spent playing this. And if you want to unlock that stuff again, you have to master all of these levels all 20 times all over again in order to unlock that gear and take them into Hitman 2's missions. And there's two, there's kind of two things I have to say about this. One is, I get it. I get why they wouldn't want you to start Hitman 2 with all of the gear and gadgets that you have from Hitman 1 because... That it would basically be like you turning on the game and having like, I don't know, like God mode on. I mean, you never get like invincibility as an unlocker, you know, like body armor or anything. But if you start the first mission in Hitman 2 with like the most high powered triple zoom sniper rifle and a concealable pistol and all the poisons and stuff, then I understand why they wouldn't want you to, to be like overpowered that way in the beginning because they kind of want you to ease into it. But what I don't understand is if they're going to go through the trouble of letting you import all of the old levels into the new version and then wipe your progress, like that is the fucking biggest bullshit move I have seen, like, I don't know, in the history of this franchise. Like, it would be one thing if they made you play through all of the missions in Hitman 2 without that gear, and then at the end of the campaign they said, all right, you finished the missions, now we're going to let you use all the gear from the old missions that you already unlocked. But there's no evidence of that happening. And on the developer blog that I read last night, they said that they're not they're not going to let you do that. They're not letting you import your gear, which is fucking bullshit. That would be like if you bought Mass Effect 2 and they're like, oh, you, we saw that you played Mass Effect 1 and we're going to import your character, but you have to play through Mass Effect 1 all over again to, to, to take your experience into Mass Effect 2. Like, that's kind of what they're doing here. And I, I don't understand why they would go through the trouble of, like, importing the legacy game, the legacy missions into Hitman 2 without letting you keep your progress. Because it would be one thing if Hitman 2, and we'll talk about this later, if Hitman 2 were, like, this big, like, level of innovation beyond Hitman 2016. But to be completely honest, it's pretty much just more of the same, for better or for worse. Like, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, that they're just giving us a bunch of new levels, but they haven't changed the blueprint of the game in any way. It's basically just more missions. They've added a few really small tweaks, which are, like, you know, being able to hide in bushes and being able to hide in crowds which is something that you couldn't do in Hitman 2016. And if those two innovations, and that's innovations with a lowercase i because those are not very innovative, if those two innovations are holding Hitman 1's progress back from being imported into Hitman 2, like, like come on. I, I'm sorry to start part two off on this rant about this legacy thing, but this is the biggest issue that I have with this game. And it's silly because it's about Hitman 2016. It's not even about Hitman 2. But if they're going to let you import all the levels from Hitman 1 into Hitman 2, like, like let me, reward me for that time and energy that I spent playing Hitman 1 and don't just say fuck you to all that time and energy I spent playing your game and loving your game because I do not want to play all those missions 10 times again in order to unlock all that gear to start to use them in Hitman 2. I think it's fucking bullshit. And you can bet your ass that this is going to show up in my review on Game Critics and that the score is going to be reflected in it. I think it's fucking bullshit that, that they did this, to be honest. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you invested way more time in Hitman, um, you know, 2016 than I did, but I invested some time as well. And it is really strange because I, you know, I, I, I might have gone back to some of those levels um, with if the gear had been unlocked and stuff. But like you said, I mean, I don't want to redo that time and effort again. My time is really precious to me. And although Hitman is one of my favorite series, I just I don't have enough time um, to play them as often or as much as I'd like to. And to see that, like, I mean, on the one hand, it's great that you get those. And I, I appreciate that they are included. On the other hand, it's really disappointing as a longtime series fan to see that none of those things carry over and that basically that thing. I mean, you know, it's not like your progress has been erased. I mean, I'm sure that if you go back to Hitman 1, you could load up the same save and all your progress would still be there. So it's not like they deleted that data but it just seems like you said it's really strange and really disappointing to see it didn't carry over to hitman 2 um as a result of that i'm probably not going to spend any time on the previous um levels so it's great to have them but i'm just not going to bother because i don't want to replay them all uh maybe at some point in the future or maybe like when i'm in a retirement home and i got nothing to do me and the wife can fire (laughs) that up and we'll play that but i'm just gonna move on and uh i'm just i just focused on hitman 2 um so with that noted, shall we shall we turn our attention towards the new the new content? Yes. Now that my biggest and most severe gripe is out of the way, um, let's talk about the good things about Hitman. So we've both had it for about ten days. Uh, just to recap, there are six missions starting out in Hitman Two, and unlike in Hitman Twenty Sixteen that launched episodically, they put everything in Hitman Two at once. They are promising some extra levels down the line because. IO is very good about kind of keeping stuff coming for these games, you know, whether it be contracts or elusive targets or bonus missions or re kind of vamped versions of current missions. Um, They're already promising some stuff. So I have played five of the six missions in Hitman 2 so far. I got to mission six last night, but it was late and I didn't want to start it. Um, I've played um, almost every one of those five missions several times. Um, actually that's not true. I played the first like four or I played the first three several times. The fourth one I played once, the fifth one I played once just cause I wanted to get through them. I'm going to talk about it on the show, but I will definitely be going back to those and playing them a lot more to, in order to unlock stuff. Brad, you have finished the entire game. You finished the last mission and basically saw the credits roll and have the whole game under your belt. Um, so we can march forth, I suppose, and discuss Hitman 2. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, absolutely. Um, I think a couple things just to get out of the way. I mean, I think it's worth saying that if you're familiar with Hitman 2016, you will feel right at home with Hitman 2. (laughs) Like you kind of alluded to earlier, it's not really a step forward. I think it's kind of even a stretch to even call it a sequel because it's basically more of the same. And I don't say that in a negative way because I really enjoyed Hitman 2016. I know you did as well. So it's it's a welcome thing to get more of this. Um, But just have that mindset of if you liked if you liked Hitman 2016 it's more of this if you didn't care for it nothing here is going to change your mind and <laughs> there are there are changes like you mentioned hiding in bushes which is a really good addition um the ability to hide in crowds uh which is a really great addition also um i think there are, uh, is a picture in picture mode which shows you when something important is happening in the other part of the level that maybe you don't see but they're letting you know hey uh, a body got found because in the past it would say, oh, an alert went up and you'd be like, why? What happened? I don't know where <laughs> I messed up. So a picture in picture mode shows up and it's like, oh, hey, this body that you left by the side of the road, someone found that and that's what's triggering it off. So not only does it let you know what's going on in the game currently, but it also tells you like what you can fix for next time, which I think is a great way to learn 
Uh, I really like that. So, I mean, little things like that, which are definitely good quality of life improvements. But by and large, I mean, this is like 95% the same game as Hitman 2016. And again, not not criticism, but just, you know, setting the... Let's set the, the record straight here and let's just be really clear about what we're talking about. So would you would you agree with that, Corey? Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I applaud them for kind of keeping it going back to the basics and, you know, putting really their time and effort into crafting more big, open, you know, a lot of moving parts levels. But there's very, you know, for better or for worse, there's very little innovation going on in this one. And I mean, on some on one hand, I'm like, yeah, awesome. They're just giving more. They're giving me more of the stuff that I like. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like, I, like it's kind of like when you see, you know, you have, and this is gonna be weird. Cause it's gonna be a weird complaint, but like, you see, you know, because they're very upfront about when they launch the game. Hey, there's gonna be six missions. It's six locations. Um, you know, X amount of targets in each mission. And I kind of, oh my god, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I kind of like miss. Hitman being able to kind of go off the rails and be weird a little bit and knowing that, you know, from the get-go that all we're getting is six missions, six big locations, um, you know, this kind of like a bunch of opportunities within the missions, that automatically lets me know that, all right, so we're not going to get anything weird. We're not going to get like any small filler levels. Um, you know, it's, it's basically just going to be all the same thing. And I kind of wish that this game had like a little bit more up its sleeve, if you will. And I mean, there is little bits and pieces in the levels that are kind of surprising or interesting or cool things to see, but it just kind of lets you know from the beginning that there's not a whole lot up its sleeve. And one game that I think about when I think about this too is um, Splinter Cell Conviction, which is maybe a weird parallel, but like in Splinter Cell games, it's kind of similar. Like you drop it to a level, it's kind of a big one. You're supposed to be stealthy, but you can be loud if you want. There's a lot of different ways to get around. Some levels are more linear than others, but Splinter Cell Conviction kind of did a thing where it took a little bit more of a story focus. And in a few levels, they're like way different than maybe what you'd come to expect from uh, from Splinter Cell before it, like you're in plain clothes, you're maybe in Sam Fisher's house um, doing like regular stuff. There's a level where you're in um, like Afghanistan or something and it's all shooting. It's not really a stealthy level. So it kind of takes it off the rails in one way or another. And I kind of wish that Hitman 2 would do that, that it would be like, okay, we you know what we've given you. Here's a bunch of stuff, but maybe here's two like, small levels that kind of are a little bit different than what you're used to because every level is kind of i mean it's not the same but you know exactly what you're getting in every level am i making any sense here brad yeah i mean i think i i get what you're saying um you know you know you're going to be dropped in you know you're going to have to like figure out a costume or figure out a way in like even though the levels are different and the challenges are different that like the basic flow in this particular iteration is basically the same from level to level i have to say i'm also a little bit surprised by that because um, I knew ahead of time that the sniper challenge was going to be included, and I thought that was going to be included in the story, but it's not. It's like a totally separate standalone thing, which I think was um, was a missed opportunity. Uh, because I, did you did you ever play Alpha Protocol? You ever play that? Uh, for about an hour. <laughs> you got to get back into that game, dude. That is a fucking amazing game. I know the first hour is dog shit, but you got to get past it because there is so much cool stuff in that game. And a, and a perfect example is what you're talking about because in Alpha Protocol. Um, it's kind of the same thing. You get into a level, sneak around, find targets. Like, you kind of know what it does. But then at one point, it totally has you doing something different where instead of going into a level, 
you are sniping and your handler is telling you information in your ear. And so like, it's a total break. It's like a nice change of pace. You've done three or four sneaking levels. And now it's like, no, you're just outside. You got to pick the one person to snipe or maybe to not snipe. And so like, like having that change up was great. I thought Hitman was going to take uh, a page out of that playbook and do that here. They didn't. And I thought it was a, a missed opportunity to not include the sniping in the campaign. I totally thought it was going to be included. And I, I would like to see something else. Like, it's not like I want to see like a little, like a, 30 minute cart racing segment or anything like that. But a little bit of diversity would be great. It would like, it would make the rest of it. It's like, it's like you can eat steak for like, you know, an hour and you're like, man, this is really fucking good steak. But then like somebody puts a second steak in front of you. You're like, well, okay, this is still good, but a little baked potato wouldn't go wrong right here. Or maybe, you know, have a little sip of wine or something to kind of break it up a little bit, but they just keep bringing steak and it's still steak. It's still really good. Like it's still delicious. But, you know, there's more to a meal than just like a very delicious main course. You got the side dishes, you got to have the dessert, the, you know, all that stuff goes into it. So they're playing it safe. I don't I'm not complaining, but I agree with you. And I think that maybe perhaps as time goes on, maybe they will start unrolling some extra content. And maybe that will kind of um, elaborate a little bit, put a little potato, a little garnish aside the steak. So, yeah, and we I shall think, see. I think one thing that hit me in 2016 that maybe was unexpected of why I liked the Patient Zero campaign so much, and this is like a sort of a DLC campaign that came after, was uh, the Patient Zero campaign did do a lot of weird stuff to the to the level. Like, there's one specific mission in the Patient Zero campaign where there's an enemy that has a virus, and it's one that he is contagious, and so the longer you take to finish the level, you have to kill the people who have the viruses. If you get in and get it done quick, you can kill the one guy that has the virus before anybody else gets infected, and then it's over and done with. But the longer you take, the more people get infected, the more people you have to kill. And that's like a totally off-the-rails, like not part-of-the-norm thing with Hitman. And by the time I got around to the Patient Zero campaign, I thought, wow, this feels really fresh. Like, this is really... uh, Kind of, kind of feels special and different compared to the rest of the game. And that's something that I really cherished about that campaign. Because it was kind of like the developers were like, okay, we made Hitman 2016. We did what we had to do. We got the good stuff out there. Now let's get silly a little bit. You know, like, let's get weird. And then they kind of got weird in the Patient Zero campaign. And I, and I think it really paid off. And I kind of wish that in Hitman 2 that they would have, like, just went ahead and gotten weird in the game. And they didn't necessarily do that. Um and I mean, again, like like you said, the steak thing, yeah, steak after steak is good, but um, I just feel silly complaining about this because all I can think about right now is Hitman Absolution because I think about Hitman Absolution and I think, well, yeah, they tried to do this in Hitman Absolution. They had like the main levels and then they had like the weird offshoot levels between them and everybody hated Hitman Absolution. And then here I am being like, oh, Hitman 2, I wish it were a little bit more like Hitman Absolution. <laughs> well, I think I think there's a middle ground between what they did with Absolution, which was pretty far off in left field and... Just a little bit of a break in the norm. I mean, Hitman definitely, Hitman 2 definitely gets weird in smaller chunks. I mean, I think some of the, the, the story missions or the, the opportunities are incredibly bizarre and just like way over the top. But they don't, <laughs> but they are within the context of a larger framework, which basically stays the same from level to level. So if you don't partake of the opportunities, you're going to get a pretty similar experience all the way through, which is, you know, I mean, it's basically fine because it's good, but. Yeah, I agree with you. A little bit of variation would have been good. So anyway, um, we're doing a whole lot of bitching about this. People are going to think that we don't even like this game, which I think we both really are big fans of. Let's start off with uh, level one. I got to say, very, very strong beginning. I love the way this game opens. Um, You're dropped off on a beach. I don't even know where it's supposed to be, but like... It's in New Zealand. 
New Zealand. Okay, that makes sense because it's like it's bleak and it's open. There's like like grass on the dunes and it's blowing and it's nighttime. The waves look amazing. They're coming in and there's like dark house in the distance. And you're just dropped off like this like solitary predator going to make his way towards this like lone this lone um, establishment. And it's also, amazing. it's worth noting that Agent 47 in this mission is wearing, like, the coolest, like, sneaking suit, scuba suit thing. Because usually you're used to seeing him in his, like, red tie and white shirt and black jacket. And he's wearing this really cool, like, splinter cell sort of tactical, like, wetsuit thing. And immediately I was like, oh, fucking yeah. Like, he's in here. He's got his cool sneaking suit on. And he's ready to wreck some shit. Like, it's such a good opening. It is a tremendous opening. I was, I mean, I literally just stood on the beach for a while and just took in the scenery because <laughs> it, it looks fucking amazing. I mean, then that's one thing we haven't really talked about is like Hitman 2, I think it looks pretty fucking amazing. I mean, each of the levels is pretty different looking and some of the locales are amazing. Uh, some of the, like some of the tricks they pull off, like we haven't talked about it yet, but you go to Mumbai and that is like such a dense level. There's so many people. There's so much stuff going on in it. It's just, it's crowded. And it really, I mean, I've never been to India, but like, it looks like all the pictures I've ever seen of India, like pretty faithfully. So anyway, this is a great beginning. Like it is just so moody and it sets the tone like wonderfully. I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. Like just the moonlight and the darkness and the grass and the house in the distance. Like it looks just fucking like, like phenomenal. <laughs> um, and the mission itself is pretty interesting because you get to the house and you find that it's abandoned. So like, you know, as, as a Hitman series vet, I was like, oh, okay, be on my guard, watch out. And I was like, oh, there's like literally nobody here. I'm just breaking <laughs> into an empty house, which was kind of cool. Like, I really liked it because it gives you a good chance to get reacquainted without any pressure. You can just walk around, remember what the buttons are, learn how to interact with things again. Really liked it a lot. I liked the house. It was a very cool looking house. And it's not only until about halfway through the mission that people start showing up and then the heat gets turned up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that was a very cool point where you're in the middle of the house, you see people pulling up and you're like, oh shit, I'm in the bedroom. (laughs) I got to get out of here. This is fucked up. There's like a million dudes showing up. I got to go. Very cool. I mean, slow start, slow burn, and then the heat gets cranked up all the way halfway through. Very cool mission. I love this mission. What did, you, what did you think about this one, Corey? Yeah, I mean, this is like... So, like, this right here, this first mission, is a perfect example of, like, if they made this mission but in a slightly different way and inserted it about 60% of the way through the campaign, I think that would do this game a lot of justice because the first mission is a lot different than what you expect from Hitman because you expect to be dropped into a, a huge-ass level with a million people around you all these moving parts, all the stuff going on. But this first level is such a beautifully capsule. It's like a like a tiny capsule of a level where it's just you on the beach, this really cool futuristic house, and it's like a it's like a two-story house, and there's like a panic room and a basement, and it's just really well done. Like it's just enough. It's like big enough, but it's like it's small, but it's not too small. And it's big enough to be interesting, but not big enough to be overwhelming, like most Hitman levels. And you think, like, what you just said, like, you think you're kind of in the clear, you're breaking into this house, um, you know, there's several ways to get into the house, and nobody's there, so you're like, okay, like, let me hack this computer or whatever, let me download this info, and, like, when he's on the computer about halfway through the level, the people who live there start pulling up to the house, and it really, like you said, it really turns the heat up because, like, it takes the mission from this cool, like, kind of, like, serene splinter cell stealth thing into suddenly you're in the house and there's guards surrounding you. You have targets to to get rid of while you're there. And even though it's a small level, it only takes place on a beach with one house. There's, like, 
you know, 10 different ways to complete the mission. So it's not just a, oh, shoot the woman and leave. Like there's so many different ways to do it. And the fact that they were able to really creatively, um, you know, I guess inject so much creativity into such a small, well-designed space, like really speaks to how seasoned and how clever the developers that work on this game are. And I love that it's such a small capsule level. And I kind of wish that they would have done this again later in the game because the game is just one giant ass level after another, which is fine. Um, you know, I'm not knocking that, but it would be cool to have like one or two more like smaller sort of like just different capsule levels in between the bigger ones. And this is a perfect example of that. And it's just a real shame that they do it once in the first level and then they never come back to it again for the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this to me is like the Hitman developers at the height of their powers. This is exactly everything you need to know about Hitman in one small level. Um, beautifully done, just hits all the high points, stunning looking, uh, quiet. It's, it's action-packed, it's sneaky, it's loud. I mean, it does everything. And um, at the end of the level, when you're leaving, it also gives you like a good ex external environment where you can um, check around with the, the grass to hide in. There's like little situations, gives you little hide-and-seek opportunities, opportunities for distractions. I mean, it, this is like, I mean, I think this is like a perfect level, basically. Like, I'm trying to think of what's wrong with it. I can't <laughs> think of anything that's wrong with it. Uh, and there's even a really cool moment I mean, I, it kind of took my breath away. I don't know about you, but like when you're approaching the house, everything's quiet and you open the garage door and oh, find two bodies who have yeah. been interrogated. I was like, oh, <laughs> it totally just like, that was a beautiful touch. It was gross and it kind of let you know what was up in the house. Like everything was not okay. But at the same time, there was no danger, but it kind of put you on guard a little bit. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I, I fucking love this level, dude. This is like amazing <laughs> level. I love it so much. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, I will tell you how I did it, and then you tell me how you did it, or whatever whatever high points you want to share, just to kind of let people know how differently we play this game. So when we did this, uh, when I would when I did this, I got into the house. I saw that people were coming. Uh, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go. And I jumped. I was on the second floor. I jumped off the balcony, outside into the yard, into the grass. I walked around to the front of the house and I saw my target and I'm like, I bet she's going to come out on the balcony. So I stood in this tall grass outside the balcony for like five minutes. I waited and then she did come out of the balcony. I shot her once in the head and then I took <laughs> off. That's it. And I know there's like a million other ways to go. So how did you, how did you do this one? Okay. So the first time I did it, I, I already had the panic. Well, I guess you have to open the panic room in order to get like the USB drive to hack the computer. So when they pulled up, I was like, okay, I'm going to run to the panic room. You know, I didn't know where else to go because there were guards everywhere else. So I went to the panic room. There are stairs in the panic room that go down to the garage through a secret door in the garage. And, of course, you go out to the garage, and there's one lonely guard standing out front of the garage. So I choked him out. I put him in, like, a, I don't know, like a freezer or a dresser or something that's in the garage, like a storage container. I took his outfit. So I was there for... Um, Safe from most people, but one thing that maybe we haven't discussed real quick is that there a, a big thing about Hitman is using disguises. There's like a million disguises in every level, but even though you're in a disguise, there are certain people in the level who are wearing that disguise who know, like their staff, if you will. So you can't fool everybody with the disguise, but you can fool maybe like ninety percent of the people. So I was safe for most people in the level, and whenever I got the disguise, I went. Upstairs, there's a roof. You can get on the roof of the of the uh, house. There's a couple guards on the roof. I choked both of them out um, secretly. And 
wouldn't you know, there is a skylight above the woman's bedroom. So she's there with her husband or her boyfriend or whoever. They get in bed and, you know, there's... And something that's cool about this mission, too, is that there's almost like a time constraint to it because they will walk around the house. They stay in the lobby for a while. She talks on the phone with somebody. Um, He makes her tea, which is another um, opportunity to poison her because you can poison the sugar or the honey that he puts in the tea. Um, And then they go upstairs. They talk in the bedroom. He takes a shower. She, like, I don't know, brushes her teeth or something. And then they get in bed. So there's, like, a weird time constraint because most Hitman levels are kind of like, they go on forever. You can play them for hours and, you know, for better or for worse, the targets will just go through the same patterns over and over again. They'll walk to their office, they'll walk to the town square, they'll walk to the office, they'll walk to the town square, and they just do it over and over again until you find a way to break that or you find a way to infiltrate some one of the places they go. But this is another rare one where they go to bed and then I think unless a distraction happens, they just stay in bed and stay asleep. So you have like a limited amount of time to execute them while they're awake um, or else you have to do it while they're asleep. And I was standing above the skylight. They were both asleep in the bed. And one thing that I both love and hate about Hitman is that whenever you decide to commit to an action, you're never exactly sure what's going to happen whenever you do that action. And this was a perfect example of it because I'm on the roof, they're asleep in bed, I'm standing right next to the skylight looking down on them, and I th- here I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to point my gun, I'm going to shoot her through the skylight, but I wasn't thinking so much about shooting her. I thought that if I shot the skylight the glass would shatter and it would rain down and kill both of them because that's like a reasonable thing to think. If you shoot a window, of course the glass is going to shatter. But it didn't. However, the bullet went through the glass. I shot her in the head. She died. The husband did not wake up. So I still like came out on top because, um, you know, I still killed her. But I was thinking, you know, things were going to happen one way. They happened a different way, but it still worked. So I, I basically shot through the skylight, which ended up being an opportunity for the level anyway because... Um, To be clear, I haven't said this yet, but whenever I play Hitman missions, I turn all of the opportunity notifications off the first, like, two or three times I play through the level just because I want to use all of my my wit to get through it as much as I can and my alertness. Um, And this was a weird one where I somehow, you know, did one of the mission story opportunities the first time through. So I shot through the skylight and then I escaped, basically. I have a weird relationship with the opportunities. I mean, I think we've kind of touched on this already, but it's like they're really fun and I think they're cool. But, you know, I mean, I've said multiple times I don't do them, but I think I ended up doing one or two of them on accident when I came back. Like I wasn't really looking at them, but but I kind of landed in a funny place with this um, version of Hitman because I almost never did the opportunities in Hitman 1 in 2016. But I'm like, well, you know, the developers put them in there. They clearly want me to use them. I mean, they wouldn't be in there if they weren't there. Because I got to be honest, it feels a little bit like cheating, sort of. I mean, because I'm playing (laughs) on... And I know you can turn them off, which is totally cool. I appreciate appreciate that you can customize these. Uh, But I'm like, well, I'm just going to approach this at the... Just off the shelf. Whatever the the basic settings are, I'm just going to play the game on the basic settings and not tweak them right away just so I can get the, you know, standard experience. And so on the standard experience, they're pretty upfront about the opportunities like they will let you know where they're at and they'll cue you in really hard and they give you a choice whether you want to follow them or not so i didn't really want to follow them um but i kind of went back and forth like it was almost like every other level i would follow them if i found them i wouldn't go hunt for them but if i came across them i would follow them and then on the other like the next level i absolutely wouldn't no matter what so i had kind of a half and (laughs) half experience i mean i guess what did you 
So did you go back and did you do like every single thing in this level? Like, did you do all the opportunities in the story and all that? Um, I did most of them. I mean, the thing that's, I might've already mentioned this, but the thing that's worth noting about the first level is that because it's kind of small and more contained, most levels have um, like the, the opportunity mission story things. There's probably about seven or so in most levels. I think this level only has like three or four and it doesn't have as many of the little challenge uh, options and everything. So I think I ended up going back and doing all of them, but there aren't that many in this one. And for most of the levels, which we'll talk about soon, um, I there's only one level that I've done all of them for, all of the the, uh, the kill opportunities. Um, the rest <clears throat> of them I've done maybe three or four out of like the seven-ish, but I think I did all of them in the first level. Okay, cool, okay. Well, I think we both love this level a lot. I think this is a really great example of a perfect Hitman level. I don't know that I would say that it is, like, a personal favorite, because I like other ones for different reasons, but I think that, like, just kind of objectively, like, it's kind of the perfect Hitman level, and I think that you appreciate it pretty well, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like... I think it is, like, a very perfectly executed level, but the only thing missing from it is it doesn't have the scale that most Hitman's level uh, Hitman's... Hitman's, um, that most Hitman <laughs> levels do, but I also think that's incredibly appropriate because this is kind of like a tutorial level that just kind of lets you get your feet wet a little bit, but it doesn't... Totally, it doesn't skimp totally. on content. It just doesn't have the scale, but however... Once you get past the first level and jump into the second one and the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, they all pretty much more or less have a huge scale to them that um, I guess that we're kind of used to seeing from the Hitman formula. So this game doesn't really spend a whole lot of time fucking around. It has like the smaller, like perfectly contained level at the beginning. And then as soon as you hit the second level, you're in it. You're, you know, pretty much neck deep in these gigantic, um, like mechanical Hitman stages. Let's move on to the next level, but um, before we do that, I think it's probably worth revisiting. Um, so, I mean, like you said, Hitman levels tend to be really huge, and for anybody listening this far, I know that you already gave a spoiler warning, but it might be worth it just to say again, even though me and Corey are going to be talking about, you know, I'll tell how I defeated people, and he'll explain how he killed people, and we'll go through those levels, even with both of us saying this, there is still so much more to discover. Like, I almost feel like Hitman is, I mean... It's not unspoilable, but, like, so much of it is unspoilable. And so even if you hear us talking about it, don't be too concerned. Of course, if you don't want to hear it, I mean, feel free to leave. But I think it would be worth just hearing our two approaches. It gives you kind of a better sense of how Hitman is. And even if you listen to this entire podcast, there's going to be, like, so much of the game that you that will be brand new to you when you play. Like, I guarantee you. So, um, Corey, what is the second level? So after the first level, the house in New Zealand, the second one is... And this is one that they showed off a lot at... Um, a different like at E3 and different conferences they went to. So this is a pretty familiar one. It is a level that takes place in sunny Florida in the oh, United that's States. Oh, right. that's right. Yep, yep, yep. And it is uh, like primarily what they showed off most and what the level's kind of centered around is a, it's sort of like a NASCAR-esque race, but instead of it being like NASCAR in the sense of like, uh, I don't know, I guess like, I don't want to say like backwoods Republicans, but here we are. It's more of like a, <laughs> it's more of like a, like a forward thinking, like a really futuristic, like it's more based around um, like the sports cars themselves and the technology that goes into like crafting the cars. So the cars, I mean, they do look like 
they don't look like NASCAR NASCARs because they look like, um, I mean, I don't really know anything about race cars, but they, they don't look like regular cars. They look like cool. It reminds me of in Charlie's Angels, the movie remake with like Drew Barrymore and um, Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. It's like basically that sequence, like those kind of cars. And this level is centered around this race that's happening. And one of the, there's two targets. It's a daughter and and her dad. And she's like, late 20s or something and he's a little bit older as you might expect and she's actually one of the race car drivers so she's in it um racing a car that her dad developed and her dad works for a company called Kronstadt Industries and it's this sort of like I don't imagine like Apple but instead they make like robots and race cars like that's kind of what it is like it's kind of like a Tesla e um company that does like really cool futuristic stuff so he built the car she's driving it and you have to get in and kill both of them and as you might expect although the level is centered around uh just this race car i mean it's a full racetrack there's a crowd there's mascots the race is happening and it is timed so at a certain point in the level the race stops and you can interfere with the race in several different ways um and whether you interfere or not depicts on if she wins or if she doesn't because the outcome of the rest of the level uh, alters a little bit based on if you interfere with the race. But there's a lot more going on other than the race. There's um, like all of the – there's like a park around it. There's like a beach. There's kind of like a waterfront area with a dock. There's a, um, almost like a museum type. It's like a – not a museum, but it's like a, a hall it- – it's like Go a tech ahead. expo. So it's like a yeah, tech expo yeah, happening expo. at the same time. Yeah. So it's like it's like like Las Vegas like consumer electronics show at the same time the race is going on because Kronstadt is like selling goods but they're also doing the cars. So it's kind of like a international tech thing but you also get your race on at the same time. Yeah, expo is the perfect word. Yeah, so they're like exhibiting a lot of their technology in there, but the expo is happening in an expo hall that also has like kind of like a zoo aquarium thing going on. So there's like an aquarium that's also in the tech expo area. There's all of the backstage areas. There's a kitchen. There's every um, like pit stop area that has all the driver crews in it. There's like a VIP area for the people who paid extra. There's a hotel in the back that has like security around it. There's a medical area for the race car drivers to come and get medical treatment if they need anything. There's just like true to Hitman form. There is so much going on in this level that's not just the race itself, and there's just a, a lot of moving pieces here. You were not kidding when you said this was a big level. <laughs> Once you get past that initial stage, boy, they let you go right into it, Like, and there's tons of stuff. So I can imagine this being pretty overwhelming for people who are new to the series, but like we said earlier, they do a good job of onboarding you, uh, especially with the opportunities and stuff. You don't have to walk around very long before you will you will inevitably stumble across at least a couple opportunities and follow those. So this, for me, this was one... So number one, I guess I like this level a lot. It looks really cool. It's bright. It's sunny. There's beach. I mean, it's colorful. Lots of crowds walking around. It's a pretty cool-looking level. Um, and for me, I, I... This was one where I'm like, okay, if I do find an opportunity, I will take it and we'll see what happens. So... Um, if I can launch into this, is it okay if I just tell you how I did it, and then you can oh, tell me how you did it? Yeah, I, full disclosure, I actually played this level so many times, I might not be able to remember how I did it the first time. Um, but by all means, I want to hear how you did it. Okay, so this was the first time when I'm like, okay, I will I will put aside my usual run-and-gun style, and I will do the opportunities if I find them. I found one, like, almost right away. Um, so what happened was I found a general who was going to be meeting with um, the main target. Oh, uh, you the found him on the first time? It was, like, the very first thing oh, I did. Oh, yes. you son of a bitch. I didn't find that until, like, 
my fourth time through and I had to turn on the notifications to lead me to him. And when I found him, I was like, who would stumble on this? But of course you would. You <laughs> me, would do I, I would stumble on that. <laughs> it was literally the first thing in the level that I did. I start the level. I'm like, huh, there's all this stuff going on straight ahead. And there's this quiet section off to the left. I'm going to check out the quiet section. And he's like standing right there. Like it's uh... like literally the first thing I did. So I find this general and he's going to go in for a meeting. He's going to see some kind of like military tech. And then the opportunity's like, impersonate the general and go go to this meeting. And I'm like, okay, done. I can totally do this. No problem. <laughs> you knock out the general after he walks off to the side of the beach and no one's really around. Um, I got to, okay, so just back up a second. My favorite, my favorite, favorite thing in this entire game. It's not a gun. It's not the fiber wire. It's not mines. My favorite fucking thing in this game are bricks, Corey. I love the bricks. <laughs> the bricks are the best fucking weapon in this game. Because you can carry a bunch of them on you. You can throw them. They will immediately knock out somebody. And they are dead silent. Like, you can do so many things with the bricks. It's fucking amazing. They are like the MVP of Hitman 2. I, every Saturday time I saw a brick, I'm like, oh, yes, the brick. Totally going to fucking use this thing. You can melee with it. You can throw it. It's fucking so versatile and so amazing. <laughs> also, runner-up, can of expired spaghetti sauce. Very good also. Also, soda can. Soda can is brilliant. I love all these silent, throwable things. Totally the best weapon. Um, so I had, a, I had in this particular case, I had a brick. Also, coconut. Coconut is also a good one. <laughs> um, so I knocked him out with a, a brick. Took his suit, went inside, and if you go inside the upper hallway, there's Mr. Cron... Uh, Mr. Cron his name is Mr. Cronstadt, isn't it? Is that his last name? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think that is... Anyway, the guy you're supposed to kill. <laughs> he's up there, and he wants to sell you this military tech. There's, like, an android at a shooting range, and it shows how you can do biometric scanning. Uh, so, at the beginning, he gives you, like, these rando um, bio informations that you can enter into the robot... Obviously, you need to find this guy's, like, information. So I'm like, okay, that's what's got to go down here. I look around for five seconds. There's, like, a picture of the guy on a magazine. I rip the picture out, scan it, and then he goes to show me the android, and the android, like, shoots him in the face, like, a thousand <laughs> times, and then he dies, which is pretty funny. Pretty funny, which, again, getting back to Hitman's dark sense of humor. Uh, as for the female target, I wandered around again, immediately came across another opportunity where a guy has stolen the suit of a mascot, like a big pink flamingo looking guy. And so I pretend to help him. And then once I get him alone, I steal his mascot suit. I put it on and it turns out that he is going to meet with the female target because he's been blackmailing her. It's kind of like a side story running within the main story. So I knock that guy out, take his stuff, get the flamingo suit. I go to meet with the lady. She obviously lures me into an alley because she is going to kill me. There's like plastic on the floor. There's like a van like a white, you know, kidnapper van with no windows on it. She tells everybody to go away. So clearly she's going to eliminate me because she thinks I'm the blackmailer. But ho, 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 tricks on you because I came prepared. Uh, she goes to like, like she's going to kill me. She's kind of getting me in position. And I just like fucking throw her down a pit and she dies. And so like <laughs> I took that and left very quick, very easy. And I mean, it was hilarious. It was hilarious to do those things. Really funny. But at the same time, I did feel pretty dirty because... Not only are both of those things pretty far-fetched and, like, I mean, like, like logistically, like, impossible to pull off because there's so many moving pieces. Like, so it wasn't very satisfying in terms of, like, oh, I totally mastered the situation and I came in and I killed people and I got out. I mean, like, the breadcrumb trail was pretty um, easy to follow. 
and they laid out all the steps. And again, this is on the default setting, so I could have made it harder if I wanted to. But I mean, I like them for the laughs. I like the laughs, but I didn't feel like I really earned that. But that, that's where it was. That's how I finished that one. What about you? What was your, your first time? Um, my first time through, I remember, so the first thing I stumbled upon was actually the mascot guy who had the, the secret info. And I, when you find him, he's like, he had fought like the guy, the, like the secret agent guy who's there to blackmail her. Um, the, the game kind of sets it up to look like he had already like fought a mascot in the level and had taken his outfit. And so when you walk up to him, he's wearing the outfit. The guy that he knocked out is like down the hall being cared for by some like, you know, vendor staff person. And he's like, oh, can you help me? I think I left my car key over there. Can you uh, can you go check it out for me? And so, of course, I walk over there and I pick up the car key and then I come back and instead of giving it to the guy, I knock him out and take his outfit because obviously it was clear to me that the game, even though I had all the notifications off for the for the opportunities, it was obviously clear that this was going to lead somewhere. So I knocked him out. I took his outfit. I grabbed the intel. But the thing that I did not realize, um, there was a certain point in the level where I switched outfits. I think I took like a security guy's outfit or something because when I got the intel out of the van with the car key I didn't real I didn't read it because I'm an idiot I just got it and didn't even like look at the intel I just picked it up and that was it and in in the intel thing in the menu it specifically tells you that you have to be wearing the mascot outfit to go meet her and so I wasn't wearing the mascot outfit anymore because I took like a security guard uniform or something and I remember walking up to the meeting spot and like trying to check in with the guard and him being like oh, you you know, no trespassing, you can't go past here. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I have the info right here in my hand, and I can't go in. But it's because I'm an idiot, and I didn't read the intel. So, kids, if you're playing this, read the intel when you pick it up, and it'll give you an idea of what you're supposed to do, even if you have the opportunity system turned off. So I didn't end up killing her that way. Um, but I think the second time through the level, I killed her that way, through um, through the way, the, basically the same way that you did. Um I actually can't remember how I killed her the first time through. I think it was a really inelegant, um, like, I think I just, like, threw a screwdriver at her or something. Like, when she was in, <laughs> she goes to, like, a VIP area with her girlfriend at a certain point. And if you're wearing a security guard uniform, you can get up to the VIP area. And it's just an area. It's her, the girlfriend, and two guards. And, um, and she has like a computer. It's kind of like her personal quarters kind of area in the level. And she comes back to it every once in a while. If you're wearing a security guard uniform, one of the two guards in the level can see through it. So I had to knock out both security guys. And there's like a dresser you could drag them to that's sort of like in a backstage area with a big mirror. And she comes up with her girlfriend every once in a while. The girlfriend can also see through your outfit. So that's not cool. So I had to knock her out as well. And then I think... Um, while she was on, while, while the, the daughter was there, she, like, calls... To, every time she comes back to the area, she calls someone different, like, on her computer and talks to him for a few minutes. And I think as soon as she hung up the phone, I, like... I either, like, snapped her neck or I threw, like, a screwdriver at her and killed her or something like that. And so it was, like, not very... I mean, it wasn't a very elegant kill. It was just, like, a am here and I need to get this done and let's get out of here situation. Um, but the dad, I actually killed him... The same way you did with the Android robot, but I did not do the general thing the first time through. I had the security uniform on, so I just went into Kronstadt Industries, um, and I saw, because I was walking around kind of observing, because just to be clear on how I play this game, every time I enter a new level, I generally spend, I think I've said this already, but I generally spend about an hour just like walking around and trying to see... 
um, where I can go, what kind of uniforms I can get to go in certain places, and just really kind of doing a lot of recon and feeling out the level before I, like, you know, try to kill someone or try to really, you know, make any moves. And so I was really surveying the Kronstadt Industries area, and I saw the Android thing, and I ended up taking an engineer's disguise that was, like, a couple rooms over. I knocked him out, took his uh, outfit... Because if you have the engineering disguise on and you go into the Android lab, um, you can use the magazine picture to uh, get to get the Kronstadt dude's biometric information. You can hold it up without alerting anybody. But if you're wearing a different outfit and somebody in the room sees you scan the magazine cover, they will immediately become um, alarmed because you're not supposed to be in there. You're not supposed to be messing with the Android so I took an engineer outfit, I scanned the thing, and then I took the security outfit, or the uniform back, and then when he went in there, it was basically just a waiting game at that point. He went in, same thing happened with you, um, the android killed him. I was a little mad because I did not get the opportunity for it because I didn't start with the general piece, and this is something that bothers me a tiny bit about the opportunities uh, system in the game, is that... Like you said, the opportunity system does generally leave a pretty thorough breadcrumb trail if you have the um, if you have it on like switched on to full for the notifications. However, if you're like me and you play through it and don't have it switched on to full, and say there's ten steps from A to Z to get the opportunity, if you start it at step like two or three, you don't get all the credit for it because I did basically everything I had to do to unlock that opportunity except walk in the building in the general's uniform so it was like so yeah it was like a little bit shitty because i killed you know i still got the magazine cover i still scanned it he still went in for the demo and still got shot by the android but because i didn't initiate it as the general and kind of do the first like couple steps of it i didn't technically clear that mission story but i went back and ended up doing it later but that's something i've run into a few times in this game where I'll do like nine of the 10 steps, but I'll miss one thing. And then it just won't unlock the mission story for me. I'll still get, you know, points and some of the challenge uh, points and everything, but I just won't clear the entire mission story. So that's a little bit disappointing, but uh, that's how I did it my first time through. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's move on. But before we we do move on really quickly, I do want to give kind of a shout out. This was um, probably the first level where I was really like extra impressed at the amount of detail. I mean, I was really impressed with the first level course, but like when you take the general's costume and you like, you know, you know, you're supposed to go in this like expo building. So you walk in and then like all of a sudden, like the concierges will be like, Oh, sir, right this way. And then like, they get there like, Oh, please check in. And you go to check in. And the guy like types on a computer, like checks you in and he's like, Oh, it's, it's so-and-so the general, please walk off this way, go up these stairs. And like, like it totally like was like walking through it. Like, so if you've ever been in a hotel and like, if you know what the process of checking into hotel is like, it totally was like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool that, you know, I'm pretending to be this guy and everybody's interacting with me as though I am this guy. And all of like the, you know, the, the employees and the staff are like dealing with me as though I'm a guest. And like, it was all really well done. Like it was all like very realistic and just appropriate. And it made sense logically. And I just appreciated that little like natural touch where, that bit of realism came poking through. So I thought that was, that was quite good. I did like that a lot. Uh, Corey, what is, what is level number three? Uh, level three after Florida, the game takes you to Columbia, um, where you are in a pretty like dense forest type of area, but it's like a kind of like a Colombian drug cartel, um, space, if you will. There's like a little strip, in the town that you start in and it's not very well developed it's kind of um 
like kind of favela-esque and it's like you know the roads are kind of muddy and um it's kind of in the middle of a forest area like a rainforest area and um the objective here is to kill three members of this sort of like drug trade family this colombian drug cartel and two i think it's the two there's a, a two men and a woman one of the guys is sort of like the head drug dealing scientist guy who's developing this new strain of cocaine so sometimes he's in the mansion that the family lives in sometimes he's in this underground cave system that has this um like kind of like his drug layer and then there's also like a whole um cocaine field area that has um that's kind of by um this dock area that has a lot of um like cocaine like scientists i don't know what to call them but they're they're like people who are like working on cocaine and there's like people in the fields that are picking plants and stuff um and then there's the second target is sort of the head of the drug family he doesn't really like do anything specific he's just kind of hangs out at the there's like a big sort of it's not really a mansion but it's like a two or three story house that's really elaborate um that he just kind of hangs out in and then his sister is the third target and she's sort of like the game sets her up as sort of like the pr if you will person of the drug company and she's in her office that's just off the town square, which is, like, on the opposite side of the map from the mansion. I don't think she ever goes to the mansion that I know of unless you can unlock a way to get her to go there. So she's kind of in her corner of the map. She has a little two-story office that's pretty small, and she kind of goes back and forth between the town square to her office. And um, so, I mean, kind of like the Florida level, there's a lot going on here. You have the town square. You have kind of, like, the Broadway town strip that has some shops on it. You have her office, you have the manor that is, like, big enough in and of itself to be sort of its own hitman level. You have the underground cave system with the drug areas. You have, there's, like, a, a lot of forest area. There's the drug labs. There's a dock with all of these, like, shops and a bar and just all these people hanging out in an area. Um, there's, like, a, I didn't even realize this until, like, my third or fourth time through the level because it's, there's, it's so dense and there's so many maze-like areas. There's, like, an area where a plane crashed and you can like see the remains of the plane and there's some stuff there. There's like a, a construction zone area where they're building this new kind of, they're like just starting to build some new like skyscraper or something. Um, there's a, a den with a hippo in it because the owner of the house, the target that's in the manor most of the time has a pet hippo. So there's like a hippo down there and this water tank with, a trainer, this sort of like animal whisperer who's down there with him. So again, <laughs> I, I'm going to like, I sound like a broken record, but there's just a lot like, and this is my favorite thing about Hitman is that there's never just one thing going on. There's always so many different facets to each level. And again, this is another example of just a lot of stuff going on. I love the hippo whisperer. That's pretty, that's a, that's when you know you're a real Colombian drug dealer is when you get afford a hippo whisperer. That's, that's big time. <laughs> Um, I went first last time, Corey. Why don't you go first? Because I have a feeling yours is going to be more exciting than mine. But I will say, this was the one where I started feeling like a little bit overwhelmed with how many moving pieces there were. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, there's three people, which is a lot. That's a lot of people to kill in a Hitman game. And like, like I looked really quickly at some of the challenges and stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, these are really complicated. Like, I don't even know how many steps are going to go into getting these people in these right places and... You know, like a lot of them were like lure a person to where they're not usually going. And I'm like, well, how am I going to do that? I'm like, oh, man, this seems like this seems like a lot. So I, I'll tell mine after you tell yours. How did you how did you do this one? 
All right. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. This is definitely an overwhelming level. And I want to come back to the theme of this game being overwhelming kind of later on, maybe after we discuss all the levels. But for this one, um, I played this one a lot, so I might be fuzzy on the details because I've once you play through a level like, you know, four or five times, it's kind of hard to remember exactly how you did it. But I remember specifically the guy who heads up the drug cartel who does like the drug lab stuff. Um, there is this... There's a, a hostel almost right where you start that's, like, right across the street from the beginning of the level. And there's, like, a hippie kind of, like, pothead hippie dude who's staying in the, the hostel. And if you go up the stairs, you can he overhear him talking to one of his—to, like, a friend that's there of his talking about how he brought this, uh, like, souvenir into town that has cocaine in it. And he's, like, on this mission to deliver— the cocaine that's hidden in this like statue to the drug lord dude, but he broke the statue, so he has to repair it in order to get it back to him. And so there's a lot of steps going on with this one too. You have to like find a way to get glue in the level. There's only, I think, one person that has the glue, to my knowledge. You have to go and po I mean, I poisoned the cocaine. I used a, a lethal drug or something. I can't remember where I found it, but I got poison, I poisoned the cocaine, I glued it back, the the uh, statue back, and then I knocked out the hippie dude, I took his outfit, I took the, um, the cocaine thing up to the guards, because there's like a cave system close by, and if you go up, the guards will be expecting you, and they frisk you, and then, they, it's kind of like the general thing with the Kronstadt Industries, like they know you're coming, they frisk you, they take you down through the cave system, and then the guy, the drug lord dude, samples everything that he gets in. So obviously you take him the drugs, he samples it, he dies. He died right there on the scene because I had poisoned it with lethal poison instead of like, um, you know, vomit poison. So he died. Um, I basically fled the scene. I don't think anybody suspected it was me. Like, I don't think if I had stuck around, they would have been like, oh, obviously you murdered him, so we're going to take you in. But just to be safe, I totally fled the scene. Um, the... Uh, the guy in the mansion, I was really overwhelmed with the mansion whenever I got there because there's a lot of people around. There's a lot of different kinds of people around. And to be completely frank, I actually don't remember how I killed the guy in the mansion the first time around. Um, I don't think I did anything special. I think I probably just poisoned, maybe poisoned something and like snapped his neck in a bathroom. I can't, I, for the life of me, I can't remember. Um, oh no, I do remember what I did. His brother's in the mansion and he comes back to his brother's room every once in a while and talks to him. Well, I went to the brother's room. I knocked him out. I put him in the bathroom. And then when the when the guy came back, the target, he comes back to look for his brother. And if he doesn't see you, if he doesn't see the brother, he suspects that his brother, because he's a previous drug addict, uh, is doing like heroin in the bathroom. So he goes in the bathroom to see if his brother's in there. I waited until he walked in the bathroom. I threw a screwdriver into the back of his head and then left him there on the bathroom floor. Um, and then the, which is not like an opportunity. It's just like a quick and dirty kind of way to get it done. And then the, the PR lady, his sister, um, I did not do hers in a glamorous way either. I'm pretty sure she has like a coffee cup in her office. I think I like snuck through the window. I poisoned it with like the rat poison, which makes them vomit. It doesn't kill them. I think she went down to the bathroom to vomit. And I think I like drowned her in the toilet while she was throwing up, which is gross, but that's like a pretty key way to kill people. I think that's what I did. And then I escaped. 
Interesting. I was I was totally waiting for you to bust out some super elaborate. <laughs> there, I mean, because there's like a shitload of opportunities to do this thing. There's like a statue you can push over. There's like a crate you can drop from a crane. There's like electricity. You can throw them in the hippo pen and shit. And I'm like, I can't do any of that stuff. That's all way too complicated for me. Um, so what I did was for the, the woman who's out in the town, I just took a guard's uniform Went inside of her office, got upstairs. Uh, she made she made a rounds uh, in the town. While she was out, I killed everybody in the office, and I just like waited for her to come back. <laughs> you killed everyone in the office. Like yeah, I literally killed everyone <laughs> in the office. Pile of bodies out in the back, and like you know, no one was home when she came back. I just killed her real easy. Um, f- so this was one where I kind of broke my rule. I was walking through town, and then I saw an opportunity, and I'm like, oh. I don't really want to do this one, but that mansion looks really tough. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to kill every single person in there to get the guy. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll just do this opportunity. And it's a dumb one. It's a dumb one. It's like there's a a reality star who's a tattoo artist who's in town because the guy, the drug lord wants to get a tattoo from this reality tattoo star. So you find the guy, you poison his drink because he's drinking at a bar in town. He goes to puke, you kill him, you take his suit, and then you impersonate that guy, which is something that Hitman does at least a couple times in this game. Um, So then I just walked up to the front door dressed as this tattoo artist from TV. They let me in. Oh, and the hilarious thing is, like, at this point in the game, I have, like, a silenced pistol. I've got, like, three or four knives. I've got a screwdriver. I've got a coconut. I've got, like, six bricks. (laughs) I've got, like, all this stuff. And, like, so I walk up to the front door, and they're like, Oh, SA, you got to be frisked. And I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on. I'll be right back, guys. Hold on. So I walk three feet away to a bush, drop a pile of all my gear right in the bush, right by the front door. All my guns and all this shit just comes like, it's like a fucking pinata exploded inside this bush, right? And then I come back, you know, they just don't see it or they don't care or whatever. And I, they frisk me and I go inside, which is ridiculous. Um, so you go inside. And this is kind of where the game kind of falls apart a little bit because you're supposed to be this like reality star. The wife is like, oh my God, you're my favorite. I love your show. This is so great. And the the drug lord's like, this is not the guy. He doesn't look anything like him. And they're like, oh, it's lighting. Oh, you know, he's, he's had a hard day. He's dehydrated from the trip. And I'm like, okay, I clearly don't look like this guy. Like, of course, I, I like he's white and I'm white. That's the only similarity. So like <laughs> they should totally see through this. But the wife kind of like harangues him into just like, whatever, whatever. Just stop being fussy. You get your tattoo done. And like, and again, again, this game is so funny because once you, uh, the guy agrees to have you do the tattoo, you get him in the chair, you have the tattoo needle, it's all ready. Um, he's got a bodyguard and the bodyguard's like, well, I'm going to watch. And the drug lord's like, what are you doing? Put your gun down. And he's like, I gotta watch, make sure this guy's doing nothing funny. And they go back and forth like a bunch of times where the drug lord's like, dude, chill out. He's just giving me a tattoo. Rel- put your gun down. Relax. You're going to shoot me on accident. He's like, no, no, I gotta be careful. This guy's, he looks sketchy to me. And eventually the drug lord's like, God, get the fuck out of here. You're like ruining the whole groove. Just leave. And so the guy leaves. And as soon as he left, I totally stabbed him in the throat. <laughs> so it was like this this paranoid guard was the only guy keeping this uh, drug lord alive. Um, stabbed him in the throat. But that's actually difficult because you are deep in enemy territory in a costume that's like super not inconspicuous. And so once you stab him in the throat, there's like not really a lot of places for you to go because there's guards posted outside the door. And I'm like, fuck, fuck these opportunities because now I'm stuck in here and how am I going to get out? So you jump out the window, you shimmy down a gutter, you got to wait till the people outside are not looking and then you can kind of like slowly walk your way out and it takes a while before they find the body. So it's enough time to find uh, your way out of the complex, picked up all my stuff from the bush. And in order to kill the drug lab guy, 
Uh, I found one of the tunnels that led into the complex, walked out there. I was kind of just like, okay, fuck this level. Because there's like a million dudes all over the place. I didn't know. Like, it was just super crowded. I, I hid in the bush, waited for him to walk through a window, shot him in the head, and I just booked it. Ran <laughs> for the exit. Like, a bunch of guys chasing me. And I'm like, whatever. I'm leaving. And I, like, ran to, like, the helicopter and I got out. So it was, like, super messy, super dirty. Not very happy with how I played that level. I probably will go back and redo it again. But it's really difficult. There's a lot of hoops to jump through in this one. And I, I kind of want to just come back with a sniper rifle or something. Because I bet you could probably pick them all off pretty easily. Uh, but that was real messy. That was real messy. Um, Corey, thoughts? Or do you want to move on to the next one? Um, I, I agree with you. I think this... I mean, I don't know if this is the hardest level in the game for me. I think actually the next one we're going to talk about is probably the most difficult one for me so far. But... Yeah, the Columbia level is definitely, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of different kinds of outfits. And, like, <clears throat> some of the outfits I discovered, like, I would put on, like, one of the Mansion Guard outfits. And then I would go to a place where I thought I would be safe with that outfit. And then I wasn't safe. And I was like, okay, like, what are the stipulations here? And, I mean, a minor criticism about the game that I have is that, um, and this is, I think, a good time to bring it up, maybe, is... The, the UI in the game, or like the HUD, if you will, is, I love it. It's really simple. It's like simplistic. It gives you the information that you need. It's not elaborate. It's not flashy. It's not in your face. It's just there. It's easy. It's really well done. One thing I like is whenever you're trespassing in an area, there's a little yellow box that pops up on the left corner right next to the map that clearly says trespassing so that you know if you're trespassing or not. One thing I wish the game did is like there are several areas in the game where there are doorways and there are guards posted either by a stairwell or by a door or by some kind of entrance. And about, I mean, mo anytime you walk up and you're not supposed to be there, they will usually just be like, hey, you have to leave. You're not allowed to be here. And like the guard will hold up his hand or something, which is really helpful. But sometimes there aren't guards or sometimes I'm wearing an outfit that I think for sure I should be able to get through that with. And then I kind of like briskly walk by and then it's like trespassing and the guards get alerted. I mean, on one hand, the guards, if you just walk in and walk right back out, the guards will never just like immediately open fire and attack you, which is cool. They kind of give you like a chance. They're like, hey, you can't be back here, man. And then if you leave right then, then usually they're cool with it and it's not a big deal. But I kind of wish that the game would have like something like on the HUD or something in in the game itself that just had like maybe a little bar that's like you're not supposed to go here with that outfit just kind of like to pre-warn you because I ran into that in the subway a few times where I was like surely I can be here with this outfit and then I would like climb a fence and it's like oh you're trespassing here and I was like well what like I'm a mansion guard for the family like why can't I be in this area so I wish like, I just wish there were, like, a little more of, like, a pre-warning that you were about to be in a trespassing area instead of just telling you when you get there. I had that same issue. Um, not so much in this level because I wasn't really trying to be that sneaky, uh, so I probably <laughs> would have hit it. It hit me a lot in the final level because it's very dense and very tough to get through. Uh, and I, I, I costume swapped a bunch. And, like, it seemed like no matter which one I had, like, people were spotting me wherever I went. And it was like, dude, like, what... Like, help me out here. Like, what costume am I supposed to be in? Because, like, it was, like, really, really tight security, and it was very tough. So we'll get back to that. But I totally – I hear what you're saying, and I, I definitely agree. Um, let's move on real quick. What is the third level? The third level is Mumbai, which is 
what I know we've basically described every level as like busy and densely packed, but I can only describe this as the busiest and most densely packed with people area. It is it is bonkers. It is it bonkers. Is, uh, it yes. is this level, like I don't have like clinically um induced anxiety, but this level is like the closest thing I've ever had to that because it is so overwhelming whenever you started every just like every single level in this game whenever i played it i went back and played it you know a second time a third time a fourth time a fifth time i would reload old saves i would do other opportunities i would do other story missions this is the only one so far that i played once and i was like fuck that level i am not going back to do that again <laughs> i mean i i know i will go back and do it but it's there's so much going on there's so many outfits there's so many people there's just a lot happening and I, I, this one kind of like gave me a little bit of anxiety just because there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but just to set the scene on this level, it's in Mumbai. It's kind of like, it's really beautiful level. It's kind of like a, the middle of like an urban area. It's kind of a sunset situation. There's all of the city. There's so many city streets and city blocks. Um, there's a movie that's being shot. There are two no, there's three targets. Two of them you know the identity of, and one of them you have to figure out the identity of in the level itself. Um, one of the targets is a woman. I can't really remember what her story is. I I killed her the first time first the first time through on the level, but there's like a like a metalwork area. There's this big like laundry area with all these people that like make outfits. It's kind of like a sweatshop sort of. Um, totally a sweatshop. Absolutely yeah. a sweatshop. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a laundry and costuming kind of like big sweatshop area. There's like a metalworks area. There's all these streets in the town. There's this big skyscraper that they're shooting a movie in, and the director of the movie is one of the targets in the level. And the the skyscraper has like six floors. Um, there's like a movie being shot. There's a photo shoot being done. There's guards. There's the director's office. There there's so much stuff. And then there's um, like an, a market area with all these different shops and. Um, there's like a a gang that's in the level. I think they're called like the crows, if I'm not mistaken. That and, is right. Yes, the crows. And, and yeah, so there's like the crows layer where you have to have a crow outfit to get in, and they're like patrolling the area. And there's like the, the level above it, and sort of like the favela area where it's like only they can be there and no citizens. And oh my god, Brad, this level. There's so much hat. Like like normally I really go in for this kind of thing for Hitman, but this level is like. It's like one step too far for it to be like overwhelming and not in an enjoyable way for me. It's pretty crazy, but I do want to just take a moment to really applaud the developers for how how it looks and how intricate it is. I mean, like if if you go to Google, I did this as an experiment. If you go to Google and put in like <laughs> Mumbai street scene, it literally looks exactly like a screenshot from Hitman. And I'm like, man, those guys did a really great job of like really nailing like how densely packed and urban and buildings on top of buildings and there's not even five feet to walk anywhere because there's always a person in every available open space and it's just really crowded i mean as as one of the the world's most populous cities they really did a great job of capturing that ambiance so i mean i've never been there can't say for sure but you know you see it on tv you see it in documentaries you look at it on google i mean this looks exactly like that looks so i mean for me standing on the sidelines i thought they did an amazing job but it is Super, um, super overwhelming. Although I do think this one is not quite as overwhelming as Columbia was because Columbia felt like a lot of like really like 
real long shots to pull off, a lot of really intricate stuff to do. This one just felt like more of like really just really crowded, like kind of crowd management. Like there's always guards all over the place. And just you just can't get a moment alone because there's people in every alley, around every corner, on every building. Uh, which, I mean, according to Google, is pretty accurate the way that it looks here. So <laughs> anyway, um, for this one, for the movie producer... I actually, I stumbled onto an opportunity right away. And so I'm like, well, whatever, I'll just go with it and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so he's, the movie producer has invited a white uh, actor from Broadway to be in like a, in his movie and to do a photo shoot. So I found the guy and for some reason he was just vomiting on his own. I didn't need to poison him. So I guess he <laughs> ate some street food and it didn't agree with him. All I had to do was follow him. And he went to like a sewer and he started puking over the side, and I looked both ways. It was clear, and I just I pushed him off, and he fell into the sewer and died. Uh, so I took his outfit, went up to the movie studio. I was going to try to arrange an electrical accident because the, the game really wanted to use electricity in this particular level. And I got to be perfectly fucking honest with you. Every time I tried to set it up, I killed myself by electrocuting myself. Like, I could not figure out how to make it work without... It's like, here's the plug. Alter the plug. Okay, I fucked up the wires. That's sparking now. Okay, good. Make some water so that they step in the water. Okay, good. I turn, turn the water on. Zzz, dead. And I'm like, fuck. How the fuck am I supposed to fucking make this? I could not figure it out. <laughs> do I do the water first and then the, the wire? No, that didn't work. Oh, I killed myself again. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Maybe I did the... Okay, what? Like, everything I tried, I killed myself. And I'm like, fuck. Okay, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. So I'm like, whatever. Go back to the original plan of impersonating this guy. You go up there. And again, this is another thing where it's like, okay, I was in your movie. You hired me. You know what I look like, and I don't look like this guy. I mean, okay, whatever. You got to let go of that. So I go up there. We do the photo shoot. The director wants to talk to you. He lures you to a secluded corner because he's being a real fucking dick. And he's like being just like, he's like coercing you and bullying you. And he's being just like a total asshole. Uh, once again, magic brick does the trick. You throw one brick at the guard, throw one brick at the guy. It's 100% silent. <laughs> Break both their necks. Boom, boom, boom. Done. Oh, my God. After that, I love the break, dude. The break is the shit. Like, it is literally the best thing in the game. Um, after that, I needed to find the lady who was, like, in the... She's, like, the slumlord of the streets. I... Oh, okay, okay, yeah. This... <laughs> rolling my eyes at this because you had to find the foreman of the sweatshop in order to make this one particular thing happen. So I find the foreman of the sweatshop. I have to go up on his roof. He's having a fight with his wife. Knock them both out with a brick again. Brick MVP. Uh, go in there, <laughs> steal his outfit, and listen. I am wearing Indian garb. I am wearing the suit that looks like an Indian person's clothing. I am wearing the turban that like a Sikh would wear. And I am the boss of this sweatshop, which I'm guessing people know what I look like because I'm the boss. And I go out there <laughs> wearing the the turban, and everybody's like, "Oh, boss is here," and I'm like. He's not here. You know I'm not. I'm, a white, I'm like the only white guy in Mumbai. You know I'm not the boss. But like everybody acts like you're the boss. So I'm like rolling my eyes. But I mean, clearly they want you to do it because it's set up for you to do it, right? So I'm like, okay, whatever. I go to do the thing. Uh, I set up a meeting with the lady who you're supposed to kill. She comes out on the bridge and uh, she talks to you. She talks a big game. She kind of bullies you a little bit. She turns around. She starts bullying the sweatshop workers. And there's exactly... Like 1.5 seconds where none of the guards are looking and her personal assistant is not looking. It's like a split second that she's standing on top of the bridge and that there's like six people there besides her. And there's like just that tiny, tiny window when no one is looking. And so I waited for that window 
And then she turned around and I just booted her off the side and she <laughs> fell down in the sweatshop and she died. And nobody thought anything of it and I walked away. That was totally fine. The final target is the one that you do not know what he looks like, which I thought was a pretty cool twist. I don't know that Hitman has ever done that before. Have they ever done that before, Corey, that you know of? Oh. They ever had a target that you didn't know what they look like? Because usually you have at least a picture of the person. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But sure enough, somebody's gonna write in and be like, "Actually, they did it in this level." Um, But not that I can remember. It was a nice. It was a nice spin, anyway. So I thought that was really cool. Um, What I had to do for this one, I needed to find a picture of what the guy looked like. People were saying that a barber was gonna be his informant, and so if I found the barber, I could find a picture of what the guy looked like. Um, it, things didn't quite happen the way they were supposed to. So I ended up getting a guard uniform and I went straight into enemy headquarters, just like infiltrated straight up, uh, went all the way down to the basement, killed a couple guards, found a picture of the boss, went back, infiltrated, uh, and disguised myself as the barber. Again, I am a barber in the middle of Mumbai and there's like a thousand Indian dudes outside wanting to shave. And I am a bald ass six foot white guy wearing a barber's outfit. I'm like, this is... You guys, you gotta, you gotta help me out a little bit here. You're stretching the believability further than it was ever meant to go. So I literally, I just, I pretend to be the barber and dudes line up for a shave and you just got to wait till the right guy shows up. And then the handler in your ear is like, Oh, 47, that's the guy. And so you invite the guy into your barbershop. He gets in the seat, slit his throat with a straight razor. Boom, 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 done. So not happy with that one. I, I would have rather tried to run and gun it, but that is a really dense level. And apparently there's a couple really good sniper spots. I haven't gone back to do that. But that, to me, would be like a more natural way to do things because there's just no way you'd be able to blend in. You wouldn't be able to pull any of these things off because they're all just like super not believable. So, but, you know, you got to roll with it. I mean, that's they clearly want you to do it. So I did it. And there we go. What about what about you, sir? Um, I did about two thirds of this, almost the same as you. Um, shockingly enough, um, when I started the mission, I did the slum lord queen lady first, and I totally stumbled into this because usually, like I said, I do a shitload of recon before I do anything else. But in this level, I started. I pretty much walked right into like the sweatshop, like laundry area, and overheard someone talking about the foreman. And I took the foreman's outfit, um, which I mean was like a really easy thing to do. I feel like this should have been a lot more difficult, but. I went up, I took his outfit, uh, basically did the same thing you did. I met with her on the bridge. She came with all her guards. They turn around for a second. I kicked her off the bridge. And the thing that really shocks me, and it's like the same thing that happened with the drug uh, cartel dude in the level before this, is like you are the rogue element that shows up out of nowhere. And in both of these scenarios, like you show up to the cocaine dude, you bring him the cocaine that you smuggled into the country, he samples it right there, dies immediately, and everybody's like, oh, that's weird. And the same thing with the slum lady. Like, you're the rogue faction. You go up, you have this meeting with her, all the guards turn around, you kick her off the bridge, two seconds later they turn back around, and they're all like, oh, where did she go? What's going on here? And That's they don't, like, weird. Yeah, they <laughs> don't, like, arrest you, they don't chase you down. Like, it's just kind of, like, I mean, it's nice, because I wouldn't want them to, like, turn around and start shooting at me immediately, because that would be, that would piss me off, but it's totally, like, a, a believability thing, but I did her first. Um, let, me, let me ask you a question before I move on from her, Corey, because yeah. um, when I was trying to set this up, uh, I don't know if you found this or not, but if you wander around long enough, you eventually get to, like, um, a really shitty apartment building, and you hear people talking about a weird guy who lives upstairs. And I went to go investigate it. 
And it turns out that he is a rival assassin, and he is here to kill that same lady. <gasps> oh, so, I did not see this. Yeah, if you find that guy, like, you hear, the, you hear the guys talking, like, oh, this guy's an asshole, he's so weird, he's, like, throwing knives at a dartboard, and he's creepy, we don't like him. <laughs> he's not home, and I go to find his apartment, he's got, like, all this intel, he's got stuff inside, he's clearly an assassin. Um, and so, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we can work together. And I was thinking, and I'm pretty sure that what you do is you can lure her onto the bridge, and then if you contact this guy, he will be the one to snipe her from a mile away But because oh. you have lured her onto the bridge, which makes way more sense. And, of course, you would have no heat on you because someone would be shooting her from a mile away and you're standing right there, so, of course, it's not you. But I could not find the guy. Like, I I walked around, I checked the other apartments, I looked around, and they're like, oh, he's wearing a purple suit with stripes. And I'm like, okay, that should be pretty easy to find. <laughs> nope, couldn't find him. There's like a million people in Mumbai and I had no idea what he looked like and I couldn't find a purple suit and I really wanted to make that happen and I could not find him. So I didn't do that one. I'm assuming you didn't do that one either then? Yeah, I had no idea that even existed, but that's a really cool touch to this level. I like that. It would be really cool and I really wanted to do like a team up, like having two assassins. I thought that would be a neat moment, but could not make it work. I'm sure I will go back and look it up and try to figure it out just to see what happens. But yeah, that was a missed opportunity. Anyway, sorry to take over your, 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 your piece here. What happened after you pushed her off the bridge? So after I pushed her off the bridge, I went to the movie set area. And while I was in the, uh, the um, like laundry area, the sweatshop, I think I had overheard somebody talking about the movie star guy whose clothes you took. Um, but I didn't see him beforehand. But there is a costume that is almost exactly like his in the sweatshop area. That's like the blue denim suit with like the angel wings. Yeah. And so I put it on and I was like, Oh cool. I have his outfit now, but there must be like the smallest thing distinguishing his outfit from the other outfit. Because by the time I made it up to the rooftop, they did not recognize me as the movie star. And I was a little bit mad because I like thought I was on the right track to be the movie star. But then I got up there and (laughs) nobody gave two shits about what I was wearing. So, (laughs) um, but this is the part that really started pissing me off in this level. And it was basically just like me making bad timing mistakes a bunch of times in a row and having to like, this was the first bout that I had in this game where I had to save and reload like a motherfucker to continue. I made it up to the, there's an opportunity on the movie set where there's like a producer and there's the lead actress of the film and they're talking, they talk about a script being missing. And luckily, excuse me, I had found the script before I made it up there. So like I already had it in my inventory, but I was trying to get a crew member's outfit because you have to have a crew member's outfit for the movie set in order to do a certain thing on the movie set. And you go into the director's office and there's like a guard, there's a bathroom, there's like kind of a long office, there's a stairwell across and there's a guard that's always at the top of the stairwell, but he's not really that intrusive as long as you don't do anything fishy in the office itself. There's a guard who kind of comes in and out of the office and sometimes he'll stand by the bathroom, sometimes he'll stand by the desk, I think. And there's a crew guy that's on the couch in the office. And I was like, okay, well, this is a pretty good thing. I can get either the crew member's outfit or I can get the security guy's outfit. So one thing that this game does a lot that Hitman 2016 also does is you can make like little distractions in the environment and it'll lure someone away from their post. And usually, you know, there's like a generator and you turn the generator on or off. The person comes over to investigate. And I mean, most there's, of the a, there's time, a lot of generators in this game. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you, there's a, there's a shitload of generators. 
Yeah, I mean, they set it up, like, it's kind of reminds me of, like, the silliness that you talked about with Hitman Absolution, where, like, there's body boxes everywhere. Like, it's kind of the same here, where it's, like, pretty much adjacent to most rooms, there's, like, some kind of distraction item and some kind of, like, dresser or box to put someone's body in. And it's kind of silly, it's kind of, like, outrageous, but I also would rather have that than not have the distractions available. So, the thing that really, like, grinds my gears about the, um the like distraction opportunities is that most of them you can turn on and off yourself like you turn a generator on you can also turn it back off or you t you flip some fuses on you can also turn them back off however for a reason i cannot i cannot figure out every single sink in the game you have the option of turning the sink on and overflowing the sink and usually whenever the water starts hitting the floor whoever's closest will hear it They'll come into the room, they'll turn the sink off, and then they're like, oh, well, this is weird, and then they turn the sink off. For some stupid reason, once you turn the sink on, you cannot turn it off. You have to have a guard come in and turn it off for you, unlike every other thing in the game, like the generators you can turn on and off. For some reason, Agent 47 is incapable. I don't know if he melts when he gets wet or what, but he's incapable of turning the faucet back off after he turns it on. And this got me in a shit load of trouble in this level because I, I turned, this sounds so stupid. This is the dumbest thing to get hung up on, but here I am getting hung up on it. Um, I turned the freaking faucet on in the bathroom in the director's office, the security guard, cause he's the closest to the door. He hears it. He comes in, I'm hiding behind the door. I accidentally choke him out before he turns off the faucet. So I'm like in the middle of trying to stuff his body into a no, freaking closet. I, I know what you're going to say. And yeah. and somebody else hears the faucet and they come in and they freaking catch me in the act trying to put this guy's body away. And it took me so many tries to realize that I have to let them turn the faucet off first because I can't turn it off. And it was like the dumbest thing to get stuck on. And there was one time where like everything was on my side and I like I stuffed the guy, I stuffed the security guard's body in there and then I turned the faucet back on. And for some reason, the crew member sitting on the couch was not alerted to it this time. Like, sometimes he would be alerted, and sometimes he wouldn't. And I couldn't figure out what the deal was on why he was and wasn't being alerted. I don't know if it was, like, an AI inconsistency or something. So that was another thing I had to juggle with. And then sometimes, whenever I got the crew member in there, after choking the security guard out, he I would let him turn off the faucet, and then I would choke him out. And this is one of those weird instances where somebody in a fucking office on a different floor across the map like saw through the window like a, <laughs> oh, and was like oh, oh i see and oh my god like <laughs> it pisses me off like i understand people should be able to see through windows like obviously because i think in the office the window is like half like the bottom half is frosted and the top half is not so like if there's someone in a perfect spot, of course they can see you. But I, it pisses me off so much because I had everything going for me. I had already saved and reloaded like a million times. And then I'm like, all right, wait for him to turn the faucet off. I choke him out. I'm like dragging his body across the bathroom floor. And some fucking guard, like two floors away, like on the other side of the fucking skyscraper is like, oh, I see you carrying his body. And then you're toast. Like you're done for because then all the guards are coming after you. And it just pissed me off so much. And that happened to me in Hitman 2016 every once in a while too, where like, you're all the way across the map from somebody. You do one naughty thing for five seconds, and then all, somebody sees it with their fucking 2020 vision from across the map, and then you're toast. So eventually, after about saving and reloading like 30 times, I was able to get the crew member's outfit, 
I went, um, by the way, uh, the hidden target in the level, there's a picture of him on the director's desk. So if you see the picture on the desk and pick it up, um, that clues you in onto who he is. So that's like a little, um, I guess, like tip for you. Um, but the uh, director has cast himself in the lead role of the film as well. And once you deliver the script back to the producer, she calls the director to come down to film the scene. It turns out they're filming the scene on the edge of the skyscraper on like the fifth floor. There's a fan, a giant industrial fan on the side of the set that blows rose petals into the scene because it's like a romantic sort of like guy gets girl kisses like, oh, I love you scene. And in the middle of the scene, she decides, the actress decides that she kind of doesn't want to do it and she needs a break. So she takes a minute. The guy is standing there on, the, the director is standing there on the edge of the stage with the rose petals blowing on him. Well, of course, because it's Hitman, if you're wearing the crew member costume, you could sabotage the fan, make it blow faster and more powerfully than it should, and it fucking blows his ass right off the corner of the skyscraper, and he dies. That is amazing. I wanted to do that one, but I could not figure out how to do it, and... I, I got caught trying to do that so many times. <laughs> I, I eventually just gave up. Um, but that was the one that I had my eye on and I could not pull it off. I do want to circle back to the inconsistencies, though, because I didn't experience that in this particular level. But there were many times when I had the same thing. Like, I would turn off a fuse and, like, one guard, the guard that I wanted would, like, notice and come in. But then, like, some rando guard from, like, across the level would be like, oh, there's like a fuse off three stories down and a block <laughs> over. I better go reset that fuse box. And he would come right in the middle and fucking catch me. Just like you said, like, and sometimes I would just have to, I don't even know what the difference was. Like I would just reload and reload and reload. And just to be perfectly honest, I really wish that it was a lot quicker to get to the save and reload. It takes a long time. Uh, was really not happy with how much time I was wasting saving and reloading. But yeah, it was, uh, some of the stuff was really inconsistent. Like sometimes people would spot me. Where I'm like, there's no way you can see me. I'm in a closed hallway. You're around the corner. There's no way. And they would see me still. And sometimes they would not. Like, in the final level, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to discuss it or not. But what the way that I killed um, one of the, the final targets, I mean, by all rights, like, four or six people should have seen me do it. And nobody did because of, like, I don't know, just just weird decisions that the game makes. So I hear you about some of those things just being like what the fuck? Like, how is, how am I getting caught or how am I not getting caught? Like you got to just save and reload. Saving is like literally your best friend in this game. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I understand on one hand, I kind of like give IO Interactive the benefit of the doubt because the levels that they've crafted are so big and so busy. And there's so many people, and there's so much going on that like, of course they're not going to be perfect. Like no game is going to be without bugs, but it is so fucking frustrating whenever you are perfectly planning this like little slice of the level you go in, you're like 99% sure that everything's going to go according to plan. And then some fucking guard like sees through a wall or sees through a window across the map and sees you and it's over and done with. And then like the, like reloading the save sometimes magically fixes it and the guard doesn't see you or sometimes the guard sees you again. And it's, yeah, it's kind of a fucking mess. But, um, but the last guy in this level, um, I basically killed him the same way you did. But because I had seen his picture in the director's office, I went down to the streets and... There, it basically did it do the thing with you where like you have to look at a bunch of different people and then Diana will tell you if it's him or not. Did that happen with you? That was one of the options. The way that I had done this level, I had the option to either go through the crowd and there were like these little hot spots in the crowd that I could stake out and I could eyeball some people, or I could just wait at the barbershop and all of those guys would eventually come to the barbershop. So oh, either way, okay, either see. way it worked. Yeah. All right. Well, I did. I looked through the crowd first and I ended up finding him in the crowd and I followed him around for like 
20 minutes in the crowd and he does basically all the same rounds and like checks in with his informants but the streets are so densely packed that there's like no way in hell you can take Seriously, him out on the streets because yeah, he's like no never way. alone right. so but i did the barbershop thing too i went to the barbershop i knocked the barber sh- the barber and his wife out i took the outfit i opened the barbershop waited for him to come in and slit his throat with a straight razor as a happy ending to his uh shave and then i exited the level and Never looked back, although I will return and try it again. That level was very overwhelming for me. Yeah, I think I think ideally, like I said earlier, I think you can get all three of those people with a sniper rifle. The guy, the movie producer would be pretty easy because he's up on top of a building. I think if you know where the, the, the street slumlord lady is, you could probably get her. And once you know what that guy looks like, you could pick him off on the street, like from a ways away. So I think that probably would be the most realistic, most optimal way. But all right, uh... Moving on, what is what is level four? Um, this is the I think it's called Whittleford Creek. Oh um, yes, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah, this please is, continue, sir. This is a good one. So earlier, whenever we we're talking, no, wait, wait, about, wait, are we missing one? Because what are we up to? We're up to f- we're up to five now. Oh, okay, my 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 bad, my bad. That's Go okay. Ahead. I forgive right. you. You're right. Um, we uh, So earlier, whenever we were talking about the previous games, I mentioned in Hitman Blood Money, one of my favorite missions is called A New Life, and it's about um, the mafia dude who's in uh, Witness Protection Program, and you ha- it's basically like a slice of neighborhood. You have to go in and kill him. I talked about it extensively a little bit ago, but um, I like this level a lot because it's basically, it's not a remake of that level, but it is damn close because it is pretty much the same setup. You're in like suburban America, but instead of in a new life, there's like a couple of houses you can go into and this level, which is cleverly titled, I think it's called another life. So they're very obviously like leading on to kind of recreating the level in some ways. Total nod. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in this one, there's two targets instead of one and they're in different houses, but it's like an entire block of a suburban neighborhood. And I think there was like eight houses you can go into and they all have an attic a second floor a first floor and a basement and a backyard and a front yard and a garage so it's not just like you walk you run in the garage and run out there's like a lot of rooms to go into and this is a level where when i finished the first time i could not wait to go back and do it again because there's a lot of stuff to discover and there's a lot going on and there's also a lot of neutral ground where you're not um, you're not suspicious if you're if you're in the area without a disguise. So it's a really good level for recon. And in this one, um, there's a target who's a really old guy who's in his house who's being watched over by a bunch of security because he's like about to um, like die at any given moment because he's really old and. Um, he has, uh, like, a doctor, a nurse that comes and visits him that does health checkups, and there's, like, a gardener in the backyard. There's guards everywhere. And then there's a different guy who lives in a house, like, across the street, and he is um, sort of doing surveillance on the old guy, and he's also trying to buy another house in the neighborhood. So there's, like, a like a realtor um, opportunity situation going on, like a real estate agent thing. Um, but in this one, the first time through, um, gosh, let me think about this. Cause I played this one so many times. Um, oh my God, what did I do? I think I infiltrated the guy who was doing the surveillance, his house. Um, I was dressed as one of his guards. Um, oh my God. I can't even remember how I did this the first time through. Um, why don't you, you tell your version and I will try to remember how I did mine the first time. 
Okay, so this was one level where I was bound and determined to do it my own way. I was not going to do any opportunities. I didn't care what the opportunities were. So I'm like, <laughs> nope, I'm doing this one for fucking real. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> so uh, no problem. I, I, I walked around the area. I do like this level because it is fairly compact, much more compact than the other um, environments. I mean, it's a little bit trickier because getting inside the houses is is more intimate and a little bit tougher because, you know, it's not like a thoroughfare for the public. They're all They're all private homes. And so that's a little trickier. Walking through people's backyards will like trigger them off too. I mean, as it would in real life. So that made sense. Like a lot of this was was pretty normal. Um, so what I did was I found where the old guy lived, and I saw an opportunity to be a male nurse. And there's an opportunity to do something. I'm like, nah, fuck, fuck all that. I'm not gonna do any of that stuff. <laughs> um, or you could you could like be the, the the pest control guy. I'm like, no, no, no. So what I did was I just uh, shot out one of the cameras on the side of the house. Went around to that side of his house, waited for a guard to uh, be alone, uh, took one of his outfits, got inside the house, made a distraction inside the garage so that another guard came inside the garage. I think there's a generator, generator inside the garage. Uh, the guard came in, knocked that guy out, and then a guard from like the yard came in and, and heard the generator for some reason, so I knocked <laughs> that guy out. And then I heard the old guy in the other room talking to his nurse his uh, nurse or whoever it was. So I just like totally poked my head around the side of the corner. I threw a can of expired spaghetti sauce at the <laughs> nurse's head. The nurse goes down like a sack of bricks. I shoot the old guy in the head and I just walk out the window. No big deal. Get out. Then I need to kill the guy who's doing the surveillance. He's kind of making the rounds of his neighborhood. He like goes in his house, checks out the barbecue across the street, kind of like walks around. So I went inside of his garage. I think his garage door is open. Uh, I had a screwdriver, a brick, I had a couple other things. Uh, I just waited till he walked inside his garage, went around. Like, so there's a car parked in there. So, like, I was on one side of the car, and those the guy and his bodyguard come around the other side of the car. So I just waited on the far side of the car. The two guys walk in. I throw a brick at the guard's head. He goes down, shoot the other guy in the head, and just leave. Like, that's it. Like, oh, simple. my God. Done. Done, done, done. And I walked out. No one the wiser. You're such an efficient hitman. It's ridiculous. Like, if you're in suburbia, you better fucking fear me because I'll be bringing my bricks and you'll be fucking dead because I can, I'm can. i real good at hiding in garages, clearly. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so I remembered how I did this the first time through. So I killed um, the, the younger guy who patrols the neighborhood first. And he, like you said, there's a barbecue going on. I think there's, like, new people that must move to the neighborhood. They're holding this big barbecue party in the back of their house they make it clear that anybody can come so even if you're in agent 47's outfit you can go into their backyard you can eat a burger or whatever um the guy the chef in the backyard if you walk up to him he starts complaining about how he forgot to bring his propane tank for his grill and this is a level where there's propane tanks kind of scattered in various places around so i went i found one i brought it to him like the gentleman that i am and he hooked it up he starts cooking the burgers once the party gets started, once he starts cooking, the guy, the target, for whatever reason, he's been kind of like eyeing the barbecue, but hasn't gone in. Once the burger situation starts, he goes into the barbecue. I think like the wife welcomes him in. The wife, I think the grill, uh, the guy running the grill, his wife is um, kind of like hosting the party. And she like welcomes him in. He sits down. So I disguise myself in one way or another as a chef or as like a, a server. If you, They're called servers in the game um, for the party. I go to the barbecue, I 
um, starts serving. There's like a big plate of fries. And whenever the server goes up, you can make him say like, oh, you know, everybody, food's ready. Everybody come over. And then people start lining up. It's very similar to the barbershop thing in the level before where you announce something's ready. People start lining up for it. And then you just choose your target. Well, eventually the guy comes up. The target comes up. I poison the fries with rat poison. He eats a fry. He goes into barf. I go in behind him. I drown him in the toilet. Um, end of story for him. Um, the old guy... Uh, he's in his house. He doesn't really leave his house much. I think I broke into, I think I put the nurse's outfit on. I broke in. I poisoned, he has like a breathing mask, like an oxygen tank by his sofa in the upstairs area. I poisoned the breathing mask with lethal poison. So when he went up to use it, he breathed in the poison and died on the spot. There's intel you have to gather, which I had already gathered in the level, and then he died, and I don't remember how I left the level. I think I took a bus out of the level. Um, I, I also took a bus. I thought that was hilarious. You're taking public <laughs> transportation out of the level. Such a cute... See, see, Hitman is funny. Hitman is funny. Don't let anybody tell you this is not a funny-ass game. Yes. Um, one thing I like about this level also that I just want to touch on real quick is that even though, it, like you said, it is kind of compact, like it's not like, you know, city blocks on city blocks and skyscrapers on skyscrapers, every house in this level that you can go into, like, tells its own story, it has its own decor, it has its own secrets, if you will. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but if you explore every house thoroughly, you will find some crazy shit. And uh, let me just say that not everyone... Is who they appear to be in their houses. Um, some people are not who you think they are. So do you ever, do you ever little... find any sex stuff? Is there any like a big dildo laying around or something? Uh, I did not find any big dildos, but I found um, there's like one guy's garage you can open. You open it and it's like a pot field. Like he has like <laughs> a bunch of marijuana plants and like the lights on them. Sure, and sure. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, like there's just like. There's just, like, you got to be careful, I'll say, going into people's houses. And some of the houses have, like, secret passages in them, which is also really interesting. So if you thoroughly explore, there's a lot more going on in this level that originally meets the eye. And I really adore this level. Interesting. I should go back because I was just real in and out, real, like, like how I killed these guys was basically how I probably would attempt to do it in real life. Like, real straightforward. (laughs) And it worked. I did not spend time poking around. So that sounds pretty juicy, but we will not spoil any of that stuff. Only one more level left to go. Now, Corey, I have finished the level and I'm prepared to talk about it, but I know that you have not finished it. How, how are you feeling about covering this last level? I, how about I tell you what I've done so far and then you, because I don't want to know how you finished it because I don't want this to be spoiled for me, but I can kind of give you a little bit of a rundown on what I've done so far. Okay. I won't say anything about my, uh, the only thing I will say is I did none of the opportunities. I did this (laughs) straight up run and gun, just doing it the way if I saw an, uh, an option, if I saw a window, if I saw an opening, that's what I did. So I did not do any opportunities. I did no, none of that stuff, none of the story stuff. So that's what I did. Okay. So this is the final level, and it takes place in this kind of, like, remote island area. It's, like, very dark, very dreary. This The ocean outside is crashing up against the dock of, of this, uh, this castle area. It's this big old castle, and this, whenever you get into the level, the first thing it reminded me of is in... The James Bond movie Quantum of Solace, there's a time, there's an, a, a, a section where James Bond, where Daniel Craig goes to an opera, and it's like, there's like a secret society operating within the opera, and this like totally reminds me of that, and I mean that in like the best way possible. The level is very James Bond, and I really like that, because you go in, 
it's this like high society meeting with all these rich people who have like billions of dollars it's in this old castle you have like a cool mask on like that kind of half face mask with your tuxedo you go in and the first thing that I stumbled upon, because there's like a couple of different meeting areas, like the first area you go into, there's like musicians playing on a stage. Everybody's kind of like schmoozing and drinking wine. And there's a couple of chaperone guys who will kind of like tell you like, oh, well, the main event's about to start. And they can kind of like escort you up the stairs to a different staging area. And it's all this like high society, like snobby bullshit that's like really rich. And I love it. And there's a, a sort of like a vendor for a bunker like a panic room bunker kind of thing going on in the level and i went there first and there's a woman who walks you through the bunker and she's like telling you about like oh well we make you know these bunkers that can survive anything but a direct meteor strike which i thought was hilarious um and she's like telling you about the details of the bunker and then at the very end of it she's like oh you know shall i place an order for you um they start at 99 million dollars and again i I thought that was hilarious because it's just like Hitman kind of riffing on, like, ridiculous, like, rich society and, like, this kind of snobbery going on. Um, But there are... This level's kind of big, but I really like it. I really like the vibe. I really like the feel. I really like the palette of it. And I really like how sort of James Bondian it feels. So what I've done so far, there's two targets in the level. Um, One of them, they make kind of a big deal about how there's some, like, big stage show that's about to go on where... And if you listen to enough people talk, you kind of learn that one of the targets does this thing where she like walks into this sort of like statue thing and then they light it on fire and you're supposed to think that she died in it, but really there's like a trap door that she escapes through. So up until this point, I have explored a lot of the level. I've gone backstage. I've already rigged the, um, I think you can rig it so that like the trap door doesn't open or something like you rig it in a way where she can't get out. However, I have not gotten the actual show to start yet because I thought once I rigged it, that would trigger a thing where she would come down and be like, oh, the show's about to begin. Like, let me get in this thing and light it on fire or whatever. But rigging it is not enough. So I've discovered there's a guy on the level who I think is kind of like the MC for the show. And he's wearing like a very magician-like outfit. And I I was literally playing this level um, just earlier. So it's like really fresh in my mind. Um, I'm like... Basically, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to go back and finish it. But I'm right up to the point where I'm about to knock him out. And I think if I take his outfit, I can impersonate him. I can start the show and then she'll come down. She'll probably get in the thing, light it on fire, and then she won't be able to escape and she'll burn to death in it. I think that's what's going to happen, but I haven't completed it, so I'm not sure. The other target, I don't have a fucking clue how I'm going to kill her. I haven't really found any intel in the area that really lends itself to figuring out like what she's doing or what her routines are or anything so i have like most of my plan in place for one of the targets i don't know what i'm gonna do with the other target um and that's kind of where i am in the level so far cool well just to be clear there are three targets in that level though there's not just two so don't think that you're going to do two and then you're done because that's not oh. how that one rolls out. So there is a third target in that one. Well, uh, well it's a little well. bit of a twist. A little bit of a twist. I won't say anything other than that. Just be prepared right. because you're going to be caught with your pants down if you think you're going to do two <laughs> and then you're done. So, oh my God. This was a cool level though. I liked it a lot. The castle looks very cool. It's rainy and stormy. It's out in the middle of an ocean. Very like gothic looking, but they've also added a lot of tech to it. There's like this like glass cage. Um, covering the top of part of the castle. Oh my god, so I am dying to get up there. I keep seeing it, and I know you can get there, and I know it's going to be fucking awesome, but I have not gotten up there yet, and I'm so excited to get up there. It is such a cool blend of like old school and new school and money and 
corruption and all sorts of weird like um, eyes wide shut shit going on. It's just really cool. <laughs> like it oh is a really good. Co- that is so accurate. I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's so right. Yeah, dude. You know that shit's going down. You know it's going down. <laughs> so it is a really cool level. I like that level a lot. I think it's really. Um, it's it's also a very entertaining one to play. Uh, for my play style, the beginning half of it was great. Like I really found a lot of opportunities. I was able to 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 really work it the way that I like to. Um, the tail end of it, not so much. There's a, it's really crowded. Um, not a lot of opportunities to catch people alone. Not a lot of places to escape. It was difficult. I mean, I did it the way that I wanted to do it. But uh, we'll have to talk about it once you do it because I kind of feel like I kind of gamed the system a little bit. I'm not super proud of how I finished it. So we will say <laughs> no more about that. So overall, I mean, I guess we have some listener questions, um, which we will get to in a second. Uh, but, like, we've talked basically about 99% of the game so far. <laughs> I mean, this is not a full review. I mean, we're still, you're going to write the official review. I'm not going to review, or maybe I'll do a second opinion. But as of this point right now, what do you what do you feel about Hitman 2, Corey? What's your, what's your take on it? I think I am more than happy to have more, more Hitman. Like, more Hitman in my life is never a bad thing. Um, but like we discussed earlier... Um, with the whole like steak thing, like if you keep getting served a steak over and over again, yeah, it tastes well and yeah, it's great, but it just kind of gets a little bit old. I feel a little bit about that with this game, and I was thinking earlier that um, I, I really, I maybe I'm in the minority here, maybe I'm not, but I really prefer the episodic way that they released the games the first, they, that they released the 2016 version the first time around, where they released one level a month. Because what I liked about that was I. I could really focus on one level and one level alone. I only had that situation to worry about, and I could go back and replay it over and over and over and over and over again without necessarily worrying about what's coming ahead. And I that sounds I know that sounds dumb because obviously I can pace myself however I want. If I wanted to, I could play one level a month, but I'm reviewing it, so I really can't do that. If I were playing this for pleasure, I might play it a little bit slower than I am for reviewing it, but when I'm reviewing it, I'm obviously kind of under a little bit of a time crunch. But what... I, what bothers me, irks me the tiniest bit about having the whole game in front of me at once. And this actually came up with you and I, because you kept asking me like, hey, you should try to play all the last level. You should try to finish the last level um, before we record. And I would like message you back and be like, oh, well, I unlocked the last level, but I went back and played the level before it four more times instead of playing the last level. And I think it's because so many of the idea of starting a new Hitman level, although it's juicy and there's a lot to do and it's lovely, it's really overwhelming. I mean, we've been talking about this element of the levels being overwhelming time and time again, and this is a really bad complaint to make, and I realize that this is like, oh, first world problems, the levels are too big, what am I complaining about? Like, oh, woe is me, Uh, like hand jerk-off motion. But the idea of finishing a Hitman level that is already big and overwhelming. There's a ton of shit to do. And then having one like right there in front of you that you're supposed to be going on to that's also big and huge and overwhelming. It's like, it's not too much, but it's just like, I kind of prefer the episodic version where we get one level a month. We don't have to worry about the daunting task of there being another gigantic ass level right in front of us to play and to get through because there's a, there's just so many moving parts in these levels. and There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I do, I mean, obviously I like Hitman 2. I think it's great. Um, I, I, I would wish for a little bit more innovation because really the most innovation they did in this game mechanically is add the ability to hide in bushes and to hide in crowds, which are welcome additions, but they're not really that special. Like maybe they should have been there all along. I mean, this is 
by no means an overhaul to the formula. Um, it's basically just more of the same. Um, I'm I know we talked about this toward the beginning of the show, but I'm extremely pissed about the legacy levels not importing your save data from Hitman 2016. I'm incredibly irritated about that. Um, that's probably my least favorite thing about this game so far is that if they went to the trouble to import all the levels from Hitman 2016 into Hitman 2, why in the fuck did they not let you import your progress and instead make you do everything all over again to unlock basically the guns and the gear all over again? It's incredibly irritating to me. Um, but I mean, that's kind of a big nutshell of my thoughts. I think it's good. I don't think it's quite as innovative as maybe it should be. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming, but I mean, all the levels are great. Uh, there's nothing in here. I, I don't think I've stumbled upon a level in Hitman 2 that feels like a dud. I mean, the Mumbai level is really overwhelming and it's big and it's ridiculous, but that's not really that big of a complaint because um, I would rather have that than have, you know, like a total dud level. I wish that they would have sprinkled in maybe a, a more compact level, like the first one in the middle somewhere. We talked about that, but um, yeah, those are my thoughts in a, in a big old nutshell. Um, I totally hear what you're saying about episodic versus releasing all at once. I think that definitely plays off of your personality and how you play the game because I waited until everything was released. I don't think that I would be happy playing this episodically just because I'm not the kind of guy that like tears a level apart the way that you do. So having all of them at once um, was more suited for me personally. Uh, so I like that. Um, I do like this game a lot. I would be totally fine if there was like, like one hitman game a year or something and like we just got like a bunch of levels i mean i just think this is just fun to play like i just think it's really fun to play i just really enjoy doing it i don't play it the same way that you do but i think that just shows how strong the game is that we can each totally get a really satisfying experience by playing it like radically differently um so really really enjoy it uh but this is strikes me as just as like kind of like a level pack not really like a hitman 2 like it just feels like more of the same i know that they made the tweaks like you said they're small tweaks they don't seem that big um honestly if you had asked me what the differences were without giving me the bullet point uh list from pr i'm not sure that i would have been able to tell you what the differences were <laughs> not that it's a bad thing i mean i really enjoyed hitman 1 so i thought it was really good it's not you know i mean it just shows how solid the game is right now um but I would, I mean, I would like to see in the future a little bit like weirder stuff or maybe a little, a little more variation on the theme of killing, maybe different, different types of challenges perhaps. Um, but I like what they're doing. I'm definitely a customer. I'm definitely down. I would play like 10 more of these if they had 10 more, if they were all as good as this. Uh, Hitman is a game where I don't necessarily demand as much innovation as I would from other series because it's just so fucking satisfying. And there's so few games out there that do what it's doing. I'm pretty happy just getting what I get and just enjoying it for what it is. So that would be totally fine. Um, but yeah, I dig it. I dig it. If you're a Hitman fan, there is no reason you shouldn't pick this up. This is good, good shit. So yeah, And something else just real quick that I kind of, I think I've talked about this, maybe not on this show, but just in Hitman discussions before. Something that still um, kind of like baffles me, but also really impresses me is the fact that the, the thing that even though Hitman 2 is kind of just more of the same, the thing that really still makes it special is the simple fact that no one else is doing games like this. I mean, you have like, you know, you, since Grand Theft Auto 3, you have Grand Theft Auto, Assassin's Creed, Spider-Man, like you have so many games that all basically follow the exact same um, you know, kind of copied and pasted sort of go here, get a mission, go do this. I mean, a lot of uh, 
uh, adventure game, a lot of, um, you know, like Ninja Gaiden-esque games or even Dark Souls. Like, we have so many games that are, like, ripping off that kind of thing. I still, to this day, cannot believe that no one else is doing anything close to what Hitman could do. Like, I don't know if, like, IO Interactive has a bunch of freaking patents on what they have in this game and nobody else can do it. I doubt that's the case. But, like, I, you would think with such a long-running and pretty successful franchise that there would be at least one developer out there that would put out a game that's similar to it because that's how the freaking video game industry works. Like, um, PUBG got big, and then the Battle Royale shooters were everywhere. But I just can't believe that no one has done a game like this that's not Hitman because it just makes it feel so much more special and it really makes me appreciate what they're doing because you can't find this game everywhere. This is the only place you can get it and that just makes it feel so much more special to me. For sure. I mean, other people have tried similar elements, but nobody really brings it together the way IO does and it really goes to show how specialized of a thing this is. I mean, it took them so many iterations to really get it to this point. Um so, yeah, I mean, props to them for doing what they do. Props to Square Enix for letting them do what they do and not taking <laughs> over this license. Because you know if Square Enix had taken it over, it would be garbage right now. Uh, I feel like, despite our various complaints and whatever, I feel like um, Hitman's in a really good place right now. It is in a really good place. I feel like, honestly, this is probably the best it's ever been. Um, and I, I'm really happy that they're still around. I'm really happy they're doing what they do. And... Yeah, we bitched and moaned, but I think overall it was just out of love, and I think that you and I are probably two of the biggest fans of this this game out there. So, uh, we have a couple questions before we wrap up. You want to go ahead and hit some Q and A? Yeah, we uh, put out our feelers on the Twitters for Q and A about this Hitman discussion, and we got a handful of people asking us uh, some questions or had some input about did, about different things. So we will start with um, the first one comes from on underscore laid i don't know who this is do you know who this is brad yeah this is uh rob scott he is a longtime game critics uh reader and listener good guy love rob um he is he's been around for a while so he's old school game critics guy good guy excellent okay he i don't know if he was being serious on this or not but his comment was asking us to talk about the film which to be clear i don't know how many people know this but there's actually two hitman movies there was Hitman with Timothy Oliphant, who is fucking hot as hell, first of all. And then there was <laughs> Hitman Agent 47 with, um, I can't remember his name, but a different actor took over the role and they rebooted it a f just a few years ago. So there's actually two out there. I have not seen either film. Have you? <laughs> I've seen both of them. <laughs> are they good? Or are they trash? What are they? Um, this is maybe one of the most embarrassing facts of my life, but because I'm such a big Hitman fan, I think the first Hitman movie came out when I was like 19 or 20 in college. And I think it came out around, I think it was either around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Cause I remember I was home from college. Um, so it was around a holiday and I, one of my best friends, Nick, I, we, cause he, he loves Hitman also. He loves video games. He's like my video gaming best friend. And I remember we were home or he wasn't in college yet, but I was, we were home. I was home for the holidays. I went and picked him up so that we could go see Hitman together. We went and saw Hitman one in the theater on the first showing that was available. And because this was back in like 2008, um, this was not kind of pre every movie having every movie having a midnight release. So we saw it at like 11 a.m. on a Friday morning because that was the first showing. And I can't remember. There's probably like two other people in the theater, but 
we got up and went and saw it that early because I wanted to see the first, basically as soon as I could, and we went and saw it. But you didn't say it was good. It was, it's not great, but I, I firmly believe that in the realm of video games movie adaptations, it is far from the worst one. It is a watchable film. Um, I think Timothy Oliphant does a pretty good job as Agent 47. I think some of the cinematography is really good. There is some really, there's some really cheesy shit in it. Like there's this one sequence where Agent 47 like has like a sword fight with a bunch of clones on a train and it's so ridiculous. But the movie also gave us um, Olga Kurylenko, which she went on to be a Bond girl and Quantum of Solace. I guess I'm bringing that up twice now. Um, I think she's a great actress and this was kind of her like, um, stepping stone into acting because she was a model before this. Um, but I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's great, but I think it's, um, you know, probably in like maybe the top five video game to film adaptations out there. So I don't think it's uh, that bad. However, Hitman Agent 47 that came out a few years ago was not good. It was like a rebooted as this big action movie, um, Agent 47 shooting hundreds of people, blowing people's faces off, guns here, driving his ridiculous car around town, like lassoing helicopters with this car. It's so ridiculous. Definitely more of an action movie, whereas the first one with Timothy Oliphant had a lot of like stealthy elements to it. It kind of definitely took a lot more after the games. But the second one, the second movie was just like an honest cash grab from a franchise, and it was very silly. All right, maybe I will watch them, probably won't. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, Stratapult says, would be interested to hear you talk about whether this feels like a completely different game or could they just have kept releasing these levels for the first one as DLC and nobody would have noticed anything new and different, just like the way no one notices Agent 47 when he sneaks in with a disguise. Despite um, the barcode on the back of his head. And the fact that he's the one white guy in India that <laughs> sticks out from everybody else. Yeah, super sneaky. We kind of already answered this, I think. I think my, my take is this could have been a level pack. It does not feel like a completely different game. Not that that's bad. I'm just saying just factually, this feels like more of Hitman 1, which I love, so I'm glad to get more. But this does not feel like a new game to me. Corey, I think you probably agree. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a new game to me. However, I mean, I think it's worth uh, highlighting again the fact that during the development of this game, IO Interactive was in a very precarious position because they had been dropped by Square Enix, but they were able to, because they were dropped by Square Enix probably like, uh, just like six months after the last level of Hitman 2016 came out. So they were like mid, probably like neck deep in developing this game. And suddenly they didn't have a publisher. They were probably scrambling to figure out what they were going to do next. So I... You know, I wouldn't have necessarily expected, like, this big, huge, innovative leap forward given just the circumstances they were in, because I'm sure there was, they had layoffs, there was a lot of pressure on finding a publisher, if they were going to find a publisher at all, or if they were going to try to independently put the game out, or whatever. So, I mean, given the circumstances, it's understandable that this doesn't feel like a true, big, innovative sequel. It does just feel like more levels, and the fact that they... Um, imported the first game's levels into this one, I mean, kind of tells yeah. you that, yeah. you know, they didn't really put out, like, this giant new thing. But again, like you said, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it definitely just kind of feels like more of the same. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, like, I feel like they've kind of perfected the formula right now. I mean, I mean honestly, I'm not even sure what I would even want them to do if somebody was like, okay, we got to make a brand new hitman next level game we gotta up <laughs> our game and do, i mean i'm not even sure what i even want them to do i mean maybe get rid of the silly 
not fooling anybody racial costumes, but other than that, like, I don't even know what to even do. Anyway, anyway, we answered your question, Stratopult. Hopefully, yeah, it's just more of a level pack than it is an actual new game, but that's not a bad thing. Um, next question, Corey. Washington Post reporter Gene Park, internet celebrity Gene Park, good friend Gene Park. Should I get it ASAP? I actually didn't super love the new game, which I think he's referring to Hitman 2016. Not to say I think it's not good. I think it's fantastic. I was just surprised at how I wasn't drawn into it like previous games. And he doesn't explain exactly why. Corey, should Gene Park get it ASAP, knowing what we know about Gene Park? Washington Post reporter, international superstar, <laughs> man of mystery, <laughs> lover, um, fighter, Gene Park. Yes, he is all all the above and so much more. Um, I, I don't think you need to get it ASAP. I mean... I, I probably wouldn't say that about most games. I wouldn't say that about, though, to be completely fair. It's rare that there's a game that comes out that I play and think, oh, you have to drop everything, buy this on day one. It's the best game ever. Like, I would rarely say that. And I think, you know, this falls under the umbrella of if he's feeling apprehensive about it, I'm sure it'll be on sale in a month because every game goes on sale a month after it comes out. Um I, I don't think there's anything about this that's screaming, hey, you have to get this right now. And I think, I mean, I don't want to extrapolate on what he said, but I mean, maybe his thing with um, not being surprised that he wasn't drawn in like previous games, it's probably just a product of getting older and having more stuff to do. I know he's a fucking busy guy. He, like you said, he works at Washington Post. He does the social media for them. He's probably, you know, really deep in work all the time. And I mean, Hitman requires a certain level of time and finesse and calculation. It's not a run and gun. It's not you know, a, a game that you complete in three hours, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's, it requires a lot of thought and a lot of planning. And like, maybe that's, you know, his kind of, uh, his barrier, I guess, that maybe he's so busy that he doesn't have a whole lot of time to really like put a ton of time into this and replay the levels over and over and over again. So I don't think you have to get it ASAP. Um, but then again, I don't say that I don't say getting games ASAP about a lot of things, but this, I mean, you can wait on this. It's not, you're not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. If you were only lukewarm, I mean, for whatever reason, he didn't really specify, but for whatever reason, if he wasn't super on fire about Hitman 2016, this is basically the same thing. I mean, he said he liked it, so whenever you're in the mood, go ahead and pick it up. And also, um, you know, I agree that I don't think that... there. I mean, there are very few games where I would be like, you got to get this right now. Go out, $60, full price, get it now. <laughs> like, it's so rare that I myself ever pay $60 for a game because they're going to go on sale, like you said, in a month. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be something truly amazing before I will tell somebody to go out and buy something right now. So just wait, Gene, you're fine. You'll It'll still be there. It'll still be there. Sorry, my son's in the back ordering dinner. Ha, excuse me. Um, uh, he'll, it'll still be fine. It'll still be there. So just, you know, don't, don't rush out and uh, save your 60 bones. Wait till it's on sale. Uh, we have one last question from Upsello. Quite a thorough question. Not sure we're going to be able to answer all this, but he says, <laughs> uh, please tell us... Uh, so, uh, first comment, he says, Hitman has the best design that no one follows, which we actually ironically just talked about. Uh, dense and interactive open worlds, rewarding exploration and experimentation. 2016 makeover made it truly accessible. I think we're both on board with that comment. Uh, his questions, favorite. what are your favorite levels? Favorite weapon? Favorite accident? Favorite disguise? Most killworthy target and favorite opportunity. Ooh, that is a mouthful. That is a lot. Corey, any answers for Upsello on those questions? Um, uh, yeah, this is a lot to unpack. Um, I, I don't want to speak out of line here, but I think Upsello is a woman. 
I don't know. Maybe if 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 she is, I apologize. I just kind of assumed <laughs> that's that's my bad. Whoever yeah, I mean, I'm not trying is. to call anyone out here, but her display picture on Twitter is like a cartoon of a woman, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean that she is a woman, but I'm gonna assume that. Um, oh, okay, my my yeah. apologies if that's if that's the case. I super apologize. I'm not trying to assume. Uh, I so my bad. Uh, whatever gender you are, or if you're in the middle, we accept you and love you. It's totally fine. And did not mean to assume. So, jeez, Brad, you're so insensitive. I can't believe you. No, my um, God. <laughs> yes, but there's okay. A lot of questions here. A lot, um, and I agree. Dense uh, interactive open worlds, um, rewarding exploration, all those things. I mean, we've made that very clear. Um, I think if I had to choose one level as my favorite, I might very well choose Sapienza Italy from Hitman 2016. Um, that was the second level that was released after the Paris fashion show level in Hitman 2016, and. That level really just, I mean, it feels so special whenever you play it. It's sunny. It's just a cool level. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like, basically an entire Italian, like, oceanside town with a beach and city blocks. And there's, like, a big mansion. And there's this research facility under the mansion in this cave system. There's there, there's a church and a sewer, sewers. There's so much stuff going on on this level. And... I just remember, like, having, when I first loaded it up, whenever it came out in 2016, just launching that level and just just being so wowed by how big it was and how beautiful it was and how cool it felt and how it just had the progression of the mission. It's just purely one of those ones where I spent an hour and a half just looking at things before I even did anything, made any plans. I, oh, man, Sapienza is... It's so beautiful, and I think it's one of the best. Uh, 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 second place might be the Hokkaido level from Hitman 2016 because it's like a cool Japanese mountainside hospital resort thing. I really liked the way they they made that level. The fact that you can't use the lockpick and the outfits that you have on are what unlock the doors. I thought that was a really clever thing that they brought to the level. Um, I really liked those two. There's other ones, but... Um, I don't want to drone on and on and on about my favorite levels. Those are a couple that I really like. Uh, Brad, what about yours? Um, Building for Banner is my favorite level out of the entire series. I just love that one so much. There's something so satisfying about being in the horse barn half a mile away and sniping that dude through his window. <laughs> it is just like so cool. Like it's a cool moment. It's a cool design moment because it really shows how much. I mean, they so much work went into that level and they let you just completely throw it all in the bin. They're like, nope, you don't have to do any of this stuff. You don't have to be the butler. You don't even need to walk on the fucking property if you don't want to. You can stay way off on the edge and shoot this guy and leave. It's just it's really confident and bold. And there's a lot to it if you want to dig into it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. It is like the ultimate to me, like Hitman level. I, that is just my favorite. It's always been my favorite. And I don't think it'll ever stop being my favorite. I love that one so much. Um, favorite weapon, Corey? Um, my favorite weapon is probably, and this is more about the execution, uh, pun intended, and not about um, like the weapon itself. But there, in, in Hitman Absolution, whenever you have an edged weapon, and y in that game you can also throw weapons to hit people and kill them as well, there is an animation where if you are crouched and you're taking cover and you have a kitchen knife or a screwdriver or something, a, a lethal edged weapon, and you throw it at an enemy, you highlight the enemy and you throw it. Agent 47 does the coolest, and it's so dumb, because it's the kind of thing that I would only think is cool and everybody else would see it and probably just be like, what? Yeah, he threw the knife, whatever. But he like 
he like stands up over the cover and he like throws the knife very very coolly and nonchalantly like over his shoulder and it of course it like stabs the person in the back of the head every single time because agent 47 never misses but just like the animation of him like getting up and like kind of like backhand throwing the knife and stabbing the people is the coolest and i realize that's not super weapon specific but the fact that it's like cool edged weapon throwing um like like mechanic or throwing uh animation is the word i'm looking for it just looks so cool and that is probably my favorite thing out of the franchise Excellent, excellent. Um, I would have said the fiber wire until 2016, which you used to garrote people, which is always really fun. Um, <laughs> but I got to say, the brick is really my fucking favorite thing in the world. In Hitman 1, I don't know if there was as many bricks. You found a lot of hammers in Hitman 1. So hammer was my favorite thing because it was the exact same thing. Like you'd throw it, knock a dude out. It was totally silent. You most often didn't get in trouble if you had it on you. Uh, same thing with the brick. Like, if you get frisked, you can have the brick on you. Nobody thinks anything of you having, like, six bricks in your fucking pocket. Like, <laughs> totally normal when you're walking down to a drug lord's den. Six bricks. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, so, the hammer in Hitman 2016, the fiber wire before that. But i got to say, my current favorite weapon is it's the brick. Although, I, I do have a special place in my heart for the soda can. I think both of those are really good. They're easy to smuggle in, efficient, quiet. They, I mean, it's just they're the best. I love them. <laughs> so good. So good. Whenever, uh, whenever oh, you talk about the brick, it makes me think. Um, I meant to say this earlier. Whenever you're in the Columbia Drug Lord level, you can actually find bricks of cocaine around the level. And if you, I don't know if you've done this or not, but if you have a cocaine brick and throw it at somebody the same way you do a regular brick, it will knock them out. But the cocaine brick will break and it'll like vanish into the air into this dust of cocaine. So it kind of sucks because you don't get to reuse it like you do the brick. Uh, but it's still okay. awesome because it's like a self disintegrating weapon that you get to use and use it the same way as the brick. And I just like, I like the way they did it for that level. It's pretty cool. That is pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Cocaine brick. I got to go back and just, just so I can say I threw all the bricks in the game. I got to go back and do that. <laughs> uh, favorite accident, Corey, favorite accident. There are so many that it's hard to choose one, but if I had to think of an immediate one that I really like, um, in the Hokkaido level, which is the last level of Hitman 2016, um, one of the targets that because it's like a spa resort um, sort of like plastic surgery kind of place they have like a, a really upscale yoga studio you can role play you can knock out the yoga instructor and role play take his outfit and then whenever one of the targets comes through there's this amazing like yoga studio that's kind of like on the edge of the uh, of the the building like and it's like in the mountains and there's no glass it's just like you doing yoga on this really peaceful um sort of like thrust setting on the edge of the studio and you can bring her in for a private lesson and right in the middle of your yoga lesson you're just you know doing you know child's pose and warrior one and warrior two and then at the with the press of a button you can just kick her right off the edge of the building and she falls down <laughs> into the mountains and that one just cracks me up every time it's funny you say that because i was gonna i mean i i was gonna say favorite sushi although i think that's probably more of a favorite weapon uh, because it's not really an accident that the sushi is poisoned oh, uh, yeah. but you, you know but you make it look like an accident because you know oh it's the fugu blowfish and maybe the chef didn't make it right so it's kind of an accident, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick that one. I, I'm gonna pick the exact same one that you picked. I love pushing anybody off of a thing. Is the funniest shit. It is so funny. I love. I mean, there's multiple places in the games where you can push people off, and there's one in Sapienza where you can push the guy off. 
Hokkaido, you can push the person off. You can push the person off in Mumbai. I, you can push the guy off uh, the other guy in Mumbai. I mean, there's lots of places. Anywhere where there's a ledge, pushing somebody off is the fucking <laughs> funniest goddamn thing. It is so funny. I can't, I just, it cracks me up just thinking about it. So that is my favorite accident. Um, favorite disguise, Corey. Favorite disguise. Oh, man. If I had to choose, I mean, I do have to choose. There, There's a gun to my head. I have to choose my favorite disguise. Um, Probably, this is going to be, like, not that exciting, but I can't believe a lot of my favorites are from Hitman Absolution. I'm sorry, everybody out there, but there is a, a hazmat suit in Hitman Absolution. I think it's in the... I actually don't know what level it is. I want to say it's in the Terminus Hotel level, but I'm not positive. And I like it just because it looks so sinister, and it looks very, like, serial killer-like. And in Absolution, they introduced a contracts game mode where you could make your... Basically take any environment in the game, and you could, like, make your own level, and you kind of designed who you wanted to be the targets, how you wanted to kill them. And I remember the Terminus level being so compact that I played a lot of contracts in it. And you can take... There's a silenced shotgun in the game, which I think is the coolest thing ever in any game. If you have a silenced shotgun, I... I think it's incredible. Like, I, so few games have that. I think it's really neat. And I remember playing these contracts and just, like, dressing up in this kind of, like, sinister serial killer-like hazmat suit and taking the silenced shotgun. And I felt like um, Anton Chigurh from No Country as Old Men with his silenced shotgun. And I would just, like, go through the hotel and just, like, murder all these people with the silenced shotgun. And it felt so cool because, like, it's a fucking shotgun, but nobody can hear it because it's silenced. And I'm wearing this, like disturbing hazmat suit with like the gas tank on the back and the the hood and like the see-through plastic on the you know for the face guard and that's probably my favorite just because i liked the whole setup of that with the silenced shotgun for the contracts it just made me feel like really like i was in a horror movie or something cool cool i don't know if i have a favorite disguise i mean i i like anything where his face is covered because I feel like that lends like uh, you know, more level of believability, which I is kind of the angle that I like most about this game. So like being a surgeon is really good or being like a, you know, like a guard, but they've got a face mask. I do like the hazmat suits. Those are pretty cool. Uh, like being in the lab. So uh, I do like the ninja suit though. The ninja suit's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a cheesy choice, but that one is really cool. Uh, but honestly, my favorite disguise is not a disguise at all. My favorite thing is just wearing the classic Agent 47 suit. It looks so sharp and stylish. It's so iconic. It's not It's not a disguise, but that is my favorite thing to wear. And I just, if I can wear that in a level, I will wear that. And that's just good enough for me. So there you go. Uh, most killworthy target. I will say up front, I don't have an answer for this because... I don't get personal with my work. It's all business. <laughs> so I've killed so many people in Hitman, but I don't necessarily remember any of those. You know, they're, target's a target. You get paid. You do your job. I don't remember any any particular target being more kill-worthy than others. What about you, Corey? Well, the funny thing about Hitman is that a lot of the targets are, you know, you would consider kill-worthy because they're like drug lords or their mafia bosses who murder a lot of people or stuff like that you know and anytime it's like a uh, like a concrete bad guy quote unquote in a game i mean obviously you'd consider them maybe killworthy because like killing them is for the greater good to stop other people from suffering or stuff like that but here we go again most killworthy target is actually from hitman absolution for me um there is a guy who is not 
Killworthy because he's a drug lord or because he's murdering people or because he's, um, you know, I don't know, poisoning a bunch of people or killing children and women or whatever. There's a guy named Lenny in Hitman Absolution. And in this sort of like Southern family that he's a part of, he's kind of like the black sheep of the family. He's like ridiculed by, I think it's like his dad or his older brother or something. And they kind of bully him and he's kind of a, he's kind of a loser, but there's one tiny capsule level where you kidnap him and all the level consists of an absolution is you Lenny and in the middle of a desert there's a car that you drove from there in and basically all you have to do in the level is decide if you want to kill him or not and that's it there's weapons in the trunk what, at your the, disposal. what the hell are you even talking I don't even know what you're even talking about this is, is an absolute it's an absolution it's like right in the middle of the what? game I yeah. don't even remember <laughs> At all. Is this an optional thing? Because this is not even... I have no recollection of this whatsoever. This is not an optional thing. It's a story mission in the game. God, are you sure? I'm positive. I am literally... This is like I'm (laughs) hearing this for the first time in my life. Well, I mean, I understand that Absolution was so terrible for you that you immediately dropped a bunch of details from it as soon as you finished playing it. Um, Much like the story, the ridiculous story of the game. Um, But this level, uh, I mean, all it is is you, him, in the middle of a desert, the car, um, you have to kill him or not. But the thing that makes me want to kill him extra in the game is that he he acts really big and tough, like, in the game. It's kind of like like a high school bully who's really insecure, but he, like, acts big and tough whenever, you know, whenever he's around or whenever he thinks he has the upper hand. And this level is a perfect um, example of that because whenever— you get him in the desert and you throw him out of the car. He acts like a big baby. He's like begging for his life. He's crying. He's like, oh, don't kill me. Oh, I'll tell you anything you want. Oh, whatever. And, you know, part of the game is acting like this big tough guy, but then he's acting like a total baby. I mean, obviously he's about to get murdered in the middle of this desert. But if you decide not to kill him and you start walking back to the car, he stands up and he's like, Oh, you pussy. I knew you didn't have it in you. I knew you couldn't kill me. Oh, you motherfucker. And it's like, the perfect, like, because you you know people like that in your real life. You know people who act like babies whenever they're pressured into anything, but the second they think they have the upper hand and there's people beneath them, they will take that power. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile, they'll act like a fucking asshole to everybody around them as soon as they have a little bit of power. And this is totally that guy in the game. It's like one second he's crying and he's begging for his life. And then if you decide to spare him, instead of being thankful, he like calls you a pussy and he calls you a bitch and he tells you that, you know, obviously, oh, I can't, but you can't kill me, ha ha. Like, yeah, obviously. And it's just like, he's such a... He's such a little asshole, and he and that behavior alone just makes me like think, like, man, this guy really has it coming if you decide to kill him. But you can finish the mission and leave him in the middle of the desert. I think he dies anyway because he has no way of getting out of the desert. But it's either you leave him there to die or you kill him and then drive away. But he's the one that sticks out the most in my mind. That sounds really cool. I can't believe I have zero recollection of that. It must be because. <laughs> I threw Absolution down the memory hole and I shut the lid really, really tight and I just forgot it existed. I, I'm going to have to look that up on YouTube because it sounds really cool. Uh, last thing, and then we're going to wrap this up here. Favorite opportunity. Uh, I, I've i said many times over the course of this episode that I just generally don't like the opportunities because I think they're all kind of weird and a little bit too far-fetched for me. So I can't really say that I have a favorite one because I think they're all just kind of goofy. I mean, if anything, maybe like... The opportunity to be the sushi chef is kind of fun because I love poisoning the sushi. But, I mean, that's a pretty minor one. It's not even really an opportunity. It's more of just like a, a thing you can do. Uh, favorite opportunity, Corey? 
Um, I kind of conflate opportunities and accidents as the same thing, although they're not the same thing. But if I had to choose another one, one of my favorite opportunities is in the Sapienza level in Hitman 2016, where there's a female target in the level, and she gets private golf lessons from the male targets, like, golfing guy that lives on the grounds of his mansion. And if you knock out the golf instructor um, and take his clothes, you can call the woman because she's having an affair with the golf instructor. And she comes, you can, like, lure him into his little, like, shack that he lives in off the, like, off the house, I guess, like, off the mansion. And you, like, make him sit back in the shadows, like, in the window. And she comes in, and I think she's talking, like, she's trying to be, like, sexy for him or something. I can't remember exactly what it is. But she comes in expecting him to have some kind of, like, um, you know, like, an affair or some kind of encounter or something. And I think I poisoned her drink, maybe, because she has, like, champagne or wine or something. And then ended up killing her that way. But I like that one because it's, like... You know, she's having an affair on her. I think it's her husband who's the other target. And then, you know, you lure her into the shack and think that she's going to have, like, sexy times with this, you know, sexy golf instructor. But really, you lure her there so you can kill her. And that's that. That's a cool one. I don't think I even knew about that one. So that just goes to show there's the complexity and richness of Hitman again. I I don't think I ever knew that. So that sounds (laughs) like a very cool one. Um, but we have talked a lot about Hitman. Uh, this is ending up to be a pretty monster episode, but I think that's all the topics we have. That's all the questions we had. Anything you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Um, I, um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's like a million things I could think of to talk about, but we've already talked at length about this. The show's going to be like a million hours long. I feel like IO Interactive should just hire us to be their PR for Hitman at this point. Whenever, Dude, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and pay us by the minute, you know, seriously. Like, we, we put in the time on this episode. Yes, but, um, yeah, this has been a very special episode. Uh, diving into the history of Hitman, talking at length about every level in Hitman 2. So, I mean, we've really kind of run the gamut on everything Hitman. Um, if you don't have anything left, I feel like I should probably stop now. We can bring the show home. I say let's do it. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, It's pretty unusual for us to do really specialized shows like this, but Hitman is one of uh, both Brad and I's favorite games, favorite franchises. So we uh, both, you know, had been playing it ahead of time, too. So we were able to really dive in on this game and get a lot of this info out um, before the game or before the standard version of the game even came out. So this show will be out shortly around the time of the game coming out on Tuesday, uh, the 13th. So uh, whether you've played it or not or want to hear our discussion about it, um, I mean, I guess you've already heard it if you've listened this far or if you want to come back. If you've come back after you've played it and listened to it, I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Um, But we'll be back next week with the regular episode. But that brings us to the end of this very special um, Hitman 2, Hitman, History of Hitman. I don't even know what to call it. Deep dive on everything Hitman-related episode. Um, We do not have banter this week because the show is so thick with Hitman info. It was all Hitman, all killer, no filler, pun fully intended. Oh, you Um, went there. I was waiting. I was waiting for that one, dude. I was waiting. I'm glad you got there. I'm glad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know I wouldn't leave that one hanging. Um, (laughs) But next week, we'll be back with a regular show. I don't think we have any specialized games to talk about next week. So we'll be back on a regular uh, schedule next week with banter, with uh, regular games, with updates on what we're playing. Um, but thank you for listening. Remember, you can send us any thoughts, any comments, any feedback, any ideas, um, any comments about the show specifically, any comments at large about the show um, in general. You can email them to us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also post comments on the Game Critics website whenever it goes live. Um, so all of our stuff is up there. And just FYI, I had someone... 
uh, DM the show the other day asking about a convenient way to look at all the episodes because I didn't realize this, but if you try to scroll through all the episodes on SoundCloud, it kind of acts like a news feed and it takes a while to load episodes because we're so in deep. I mean, we're in episode 105 um, that it, I think it takes a while to load everything if you're going through. So if you're having trouble like looking back at old episodes, the Game Critic site is actually a perfect way to do that because um, the, it's like more compact listings of the shows and then you click on the link to actually access the the show. So it's an easy way. So just heads up, if that's something you've been concerned about. Um, Game Critics is maybe the way to go if you want to kind of deep dive back on old episodes. Um, but you can post comments there um, after the show goes up. We're also on Twitter as a collective show, at so Video Games on Twitter. And believe it or not, you can also reach us individually. Brad and I are both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, both of our usernames are the same for both of those platforms. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your username? Yep, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. Excellent. And my handles are also my first and last name. And mine go for uh, Twitter, for Instagram, for Twitch. Also, um, I haven't been streaming, but if you want to follow me over there just in case, uh, I have had at least one person express interest in me streaming some of Hitman 2, which I'm not sure if I will do. Uh, maybe I'll stream some elusive targets. I'm not sure. But my usernames for all my social media platforms, also my first and last name, Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that, my dear friends, dear listeners, brings us to the end of a very long, very thorough Hitman Deep Dive episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please let us know what you think. This is a little bit experimental for us, um, talking about one game in the history of its franchise only. But until next week, this this is it. I am. We, it's been a long show, and I'm ready to bring this uh, home. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know about you feel, Brad, but this has been a journey. Um. I feel like I just ate some rat poison. I need to go find a toilet quick. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's cool it then. Um, until next week, this is bye from Corey. And this is bye from Brad. We'll see you next time.